MRN's Throwback Thursday, brought to you by Sunoco, also sponsored by Hercules Tire. Ride on our strength. This is Ken Squire. Time now for MRN.com's Throwback Thursday, classic NASCAR races from the Motor Racing Network's Race Archive. Located west of Phoenix, Arizona, in the rugged Estrella Mountains, Phoenix International Raceway welcomes the Winston Cup Tour to the Pacific Southwest. An ambitious $5 million expansion program has made this racetrack one that is a challenge, but one that the drivers are happy to attack. Here's Rusty Wallace. I don't know if anybody can be unhappy with this racetrack right now. If they are, there must be something extremely wrong with their car to make them not like it, but I like it, It's uh, and it's been real good to us so far. We've been one of the quickest cars, if not the quickest car, all through practice for the last two days, so that makes me feel real good. Today, live from the Valley of the Sun, Phoenix, Arizona, Motor Racing Network presents live coverage of the inaugural running of the Chucker 500. The Motor Racing Network presents NASCAR Today. Sponsored by Goody's Headache Powders and Extra Strength Tablets, the official pain reliever of NASCAR. Good afternoon, everyone, from Phoenix International Raceway. Well, we're definitely at one of the most unique racetracks that we have ever had the privilege to broadcast from. The backdrop, so scenic, beautiful mountains. Just uh, sitting right out in the middle of the desert is a beautiful one-mile facility. And from everyone we've talked to locally, I think the fans have been as enthusiastic here at Eli Gold as we've seen anywhere. Everybody involved with this race this weekend, it is truly something special. And I think the most important factor is that with all the sports that are unfolding in this town this weekend, the race has been center and uppermost on everybody. Mind. You've got the Phoenix Cardinals playing just a few miles from here against the San Francisco 49ers. Arizona State University's Sun Devils home last night for a big game in the Pac-10 conference. You've got the Phoenix Suns of the NBA opening up their season. Yet everybody's talking about the race and the field that we have here is one of the very, very best, including, of course, some of the Winston West regulars who have managed to qualify amongst mostly Winston Cup cars. It's been amazing to watch the teams and crews work at this new facility. Only a limited number of Winston the Cup drivers came out here and tested or had had previous experience at running at this racetrack. And yet within an hour of that first practice session, the guys that had here had been coming here might have had a little bit of advantage. The guys that had not been here before, the teams had already found the combination on the car. I think the competition today will be as close as we've seen, even though what, 90% of them have never been here. That's exactly the fact. Now, if you're not all overly familiar with Phoenix International Raceway, maybe a little history lesson is in order. This racetrack officially opened back in March of 1964. A.J. Foyt won a 100-mile car event there, and Phoenix has been host to at least one IndyCar show for each year since 1964. There are also other events under the USAC sponsorship. The Copper World Classic is a three-day weekend event that opens up back activities here during the month of February. And if you're wondering exactly where we are sitting on your map, well, Phoenix International Raceway, we've got an interesting lesson. Uh, the, the town of Goodyear, Arizona, is just up the road a piece. Cashin, Arizona, is on the road signs near here, but the locals say that that town really doesn't even exist. Avondale, Arizona, is even further up the road. And then there's Santa Maria, Arizona, which is an unincorporated area up Baseline Avenue out near a T-Bone Steakhouse here that has gotten a good bit of business all weekend long. So with all of that information, let's just say we're here in Phoenix, Arizona, and we'll get on with it. Coverage of the Chucker 500, the first ever Winston Cup race of this one-mile track, and we'll take you trackside as soon as we come back. 
For goodies, here's Richard Petty. Really, the hardest tracks to drive of an evening is Rockingham and Atlanta. Both of them, the suns are right in your eyes, and there's no way you can see what's going on. When you can't see what you're doing at 150 mile an hour, that'll give you a headache really quick. But Goody's headache powders and tablets contain the two ingredients doctors recommend most to give you relief real quick. Use as directed. One of the first things they bring me when the race is over, they hand me a couple of goodies, and I take those, and then I go take a shower. Couldn't ask for a prettier day than we have here in Phoenix this afternoon, and I don't think we can ask for a better race than we're about to see. Every single driver is being welcomed with a nice round of applause by the fans who have gathered here. Of course, down at trackside right now where the driver introductions are continuing, the fellows will be covering the pit activities for us this weekend. First, Mike Joy, and then Jim Phillips. Fellas, down to you. We've got the guy that uh, got the first full position here at the new Phoenix International Raceway, Jeff Bodine. Jeff, you took that Chevrolet out there and uh, put her on the pole. Well, we did. Uh, you know, what really helped us, uh, we came out last week and did some testing. A lot of the top teams did, and that really did help me as a driver. I got used to the track somewhat, and we found a pretty good setup, and, uh, and we put the Levi Garrett car in a pole. Of course, after practice, I'd, I'd scraped the wall coming off turn two earlier in practice, and, uh, boy, the pressure was on. I had to show those guys that I could get around here without bumping the wall. My crew, they did a lot of work on the car to get the body looking better, and and I, uh, I ran hard because I knew they were watching. What do you look for today in today's race? Uh, it's going to be a tough race, kind of like what we saw yesterday. Uh, thrills, chills, and probably some spills. And, uh, but we're looking forward to it. This is a really nice racetrack, and the people uh, really show their enthusiasm for Winston Cup racing here. Uh, the stands are full. The side hills are full. And uh, it should be a great race. Say hi to Barry and Matthew. We'll be home tomorrow. And... Uh, Everyone back on the East Coast will be back there in a little while. Good luck to you today. Thank you. Well, yesterday, there was a NASCAR Southwest Tour race here, the AC Delco 300. And even though it was much of a Winston Cup show for a while, Barney, with the, the top five spots held by Winston Cup drivers, turned out that Jim Thurkettle, one of the West Coast regulars, finally managed to outdistance the Winston Cup guys. There were several of them stayed right up in the front of the pack all afternoon, but it was a, an outstanding event for those guys yesterday afternoon. And the fans, I think, that were here yesterday said, boy, if this is, everybody is telling us that tomorrow is going to be even better, we can't believe this. And that's been the comment we've heard all week long, that they watching the guys qualify and how close the cars run, even in practice and stuff, has got everybody kind of excited. Let's check in trackside with Mike Joy. Barney, we've heard from the pole sitter, Jeff Bodine. There were a couple of surprises in qualifying, the first of which is that there are eight General Motors cars, eight, okay, how about five GM cars in the first five spots here before you get to the first Ford, and that is a switch. And one of those is the Wisconsin driver, Jim Sauter, that I know you had a few people scratching uh, scratching their heads here along pit road when you, you put this Pontiac in the fifth position. Well, thank you, Mike. We're just tickled to death to have the Evanrude Pontiac here, and uh, this is kind of a racetrack that took me by surprise. I'd never been here before. None of the boys have, but it's it's a combination of two racetracks from back home, and uh, uh, Milwaukee, of course, uh, the mile in Milwaukee, and then uh, WIR at Kakana, Wisconsin International Raceway, and uh, you put the two of those together, and that's what we got here, and it didn't take me long to get that figured out. We don't see the Evanrude Pontiac at that many races along the circuit, but you guys always give a real good, real good account of yourselves and a good showing. Well, the Miller brothers, you know, own this race car, and they're dedicated racers, and all the guys that work on the race car, they do a super, super job for, like you said, six races a year, and it's hard to keep your stuff together when you only race that many times, and they do a tremendous job. Well, Barney, they're looking to double that schedule for next season and looking for a major sponsor to be part of the package, and running that car up front here today is sure one way to put folks on notice. Very talented race driver, Jim Sauter. We'll be back at Phoenix in just a moment. We'll talk with some of the other drivers who will compete here today. Back in a minute. 
for goodies, here's Richard Petty on the headaches of life. I tell you, I don't think that I've got any one particular thing that gives me a headache any more than, than any other thing. Racing is no more than running Petty Enterprises. Petty Enterprises is no more than running a family or whatever you're doing. When it gets ready for a headache, it comes on no matter what. When life throws you a headache, take Goody's headache powders or tablets for fast relief. Use as directed. I'd take Goody's even if they didn't pay me to take them. <laughs> the fans have been backed up more than a couple of miles for almost two and a half hours here getting into this racetrack. Every seat in the house has been sold out, and as Eli Gold said a few minutes ago, there is a tremendous mountain down and uh, turns three and four, and there are going to be several thousand and maybe 10,000 or more up on that hill before the day is over. That is a mountain that is actually part of the Gila Indian Reservation here. There's a fellow up there, Perry Sundust, who is handling the security on horseback. He and a number of the uh, Gila Indians, and they're out there making sure everybody uh, stays in order. But they tell me, and I have not been up to the top of that mountain, but they say it's some of the very best viewing anywhere here, and it costs anywhere from 10 to $30 to get yourself a spot on the mountainside, which allows you an area to pitch a tent if you'd like or to just sit out in uh, lounge chairs and enjoy the racing activity here at Phoenix International Raceway. It really is a breathtaking view of these mountains all around. There's not a nicer backdrop, I can't believe, anywhere in racing. I'll let you go up on the mountain after a while and report back from out there. All right. Right now, let's check in with Jim Phillips. Okay, we've got Rusty Wallace, who's been on a tear and closed that point lead up to 79 points of Bill Elliott. Rusty, same kind of strategy today? i got to use about the same strategy. I don't know of anything different I could do, really. It's just run as hard as I can, run my guts out, and try to win all the races. And uh, that's what I've been trying to do the last four or five races. I really, I've been trying to do it all year long. I just have so happened won the last three. But it's getting tense right now. I'm having to drive harder than I really like to, but uh, i got to do what i got to do to get the job done. What do you think about this new race track? I like it. It's a real nice track. It's kind of like a track I run back in the Midwest, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It's got a lot of characteristics of that track in Nazareth, and uh, I like it a lot. Uh, I like to say hello to the guys back at the shop, David Devins and all the boys who work with him. The engines are running good, and uh, I hope we got a good race today. Well, this type of racetrack, though, will it be hard to pass in the turns? Yeah, it's going to be a little bit hard to pass on the outside of the track. I think it's going to be all the most of the pass and be down low. It's a real torquey racetrack for his horsepower and things, but uh, you'll probably see if the passing I'll be doing today will be down on the low side of the track, I'd say. Rusty Wallace, he's got it on the front row here this afternoon at Phoenix, and we look for him to charge to the front. Of course, as was mentioned before by Mike Joy, it is a General Motors car on the pole, which is somewhat unusual. It's the first time a car other than a Ford has won a pole this year since the Goodies 500 at Martinsville back in September, and only the second time since the July Talladega Die Hard 500 that a car other than a Ford is on the pole, but the highest qualifying Ford is right there well towards the front, and Mike Joy is standing by alongside that automobile. Well, it is, not surprisingly, Bill Elliott's Coors Ford that starts here in sixth spot. Rusty Wallace just walked by on the way to his car and came over, gave Bill a handshake, and the guys wished each other good luck. And I know you guys race hard against each other every week in, week out, but it's nice to see that, that you guys have a good relationship, well, at least when you're out of these race cars and friendly with one another. Well, you know, we try to be. The thing of it is, you know, you come out and you do this so much anymore. You know, when you're around these guys so much, you know, you have problems, but it's, it's no different than anything else that goes on. You know, you got to get by it. You know, we got to race together. This is kind of a, a, a one deal. It's for all of us. You know, and we got to understand that. Sometimes we lose track of that, but, you know, to go out and have a good race, that's what it's all about. That's the thing about this sport. In, in one way or another, everybody wins. Whether you win the race or the way this sport goes along, everybody wins. Well, I think if you work hard enough, it'll come down time that you're going to win a race or whatever. And I feel like there, there's something in it for everybody, and I'm just happy to be here. Well, 
happy to be here and with just two races to go can you see light at the end of the tunnel or can, you guys can't afford to let up at all can you no not ready you know rusty's running good right now you know we just have to do what we can do bill are you surprised to see not to see the fords a little closer toward the front here I didn't understand. You. I say, are you surprised not to see the Fords a little closer to the front? We've had a Ford on the front row just about every race this second half. Well, this this racetrack here seems to complement the way the GM cars run up off the corner. They they can accelerate, maybe gear a little lower than the Fords, and that in turn helps them. But what the race does, I can't get a feel for it. But you know, we'll just have to wait and see. You know, there's a lot of cars running good, and we'll see how the race goes. Good luck today. Thanks a lot. Bill Elliott, who has a 79-point advantage going into the race today for the biggest driving title in auto sports, and, of course, that's the Winston Cup Championship. And he has to kind of play it conservative to a point, and yet, by the same token, he's got to run just almost as hard as he can, but he really has to protect it with just two races remaining. He really does. With this race and Atlanta, Georgia, the only two races remaining on the schedule. Of course, out here, when we come to the West Coast, whether it's here at Phoenix or in previous visits to Riverside International Raceway, there were always a number of Winston West drivers who made the field far more on the road course at Riverside than, for instance, here this weekend at Phoenix because oval track racing, of course, is what the Winston Cup cars are all about. But one man who was always in that field, whether it's on a road course or the oval, is Herschel McGriff, and he's standing by with Jim Phillips. Well, Herschel McGriff, you've done just about everything in racing probably you wanted to do. You raced at Darlings the first time. You've been in a Mexican road race. You've won it, and it's uh, it's appropriate to be here at Phoenix for the first Winston Cup race year, and you're starting here in the 19th position. What do you think about starting here? Well, it's, it's a great feeling. Of course, I was happy to be able to qualify the first day in the first 20, and uh, that's, you know, an achievement for us West Coasters. But uh, oh, it's, it's been nice, you know, going through the years. I've got a lot of firsts with NASCAR. And, uh, you know, it go curse back to two years after they started. And I was able to go to, the, you know, Le Mans in the first race and run a 24-hour with a Winston car. And, you know, Australia last year. And it kind of goes on and on. So it's a thrill to be here, uh, you know, at Phoenix. And, of course, I, I, work, I, work, I work down here during the week. And, uh, you know, go to Portland. I still could maintain a home up there. So it's nice to, what you might say, uh, race on my home track. You've had a lot of laps on this racetrack. What do you look for today? Well, I think, uh, you know, every driver here is pretty experienced. So it's going to be close racing. Uh, hopefully uh, the tire story, I think, will probably be the big thing. Uh, but they've got a, done a beautiful job preparing the track, uh, you know, keeping the rocks and so forth off of it. Uh, and uh, with the pit lanes and everything brand new, I, I, you know, I expect a real good competitive race. But, uh, of course, uh, you know, with 43 cars out here, there's always going to be some action. Good luck to you today. Thank you. And That's Herschel McGriff. He's starting 19th today. Let's go back down trackside to Mike Joy. Barney, I'm uh, standing next to a guy who's strapped into this car about, about as many times as he can do it in his sleep. He's Dave Marcus, and he's got a little landmark of his own going today, his 600th career Winston Cup start. There have been some highlights among those uh, 600 starts and a few good victories and, and some strong runs. And does a number like that, I know the, the PR people in the press like to make a thing of it, and, and it's a nice honor, but what's it mean to a driver to say you're starting your 600th race? Well, Mike, you know, it's, it's a number, I guess, in the system. I hadn't really paid a lot of attention to it. The press, uh, like you say, brought it to my attention, or I probably wouldn't have been aware of it. But, you know, it's it's just been great to be able to start that many shows and I'm, I'm happy to be one of the fellows that's in that group of people and I'd like to thank my sponsors you know Lifeboy Soap and uh, AEL Storage Traders Transmissions Unlimited and of course Helen Ray Smith also. Aside from the next race is, is there one among those 600 that, that kind of stands out among all the rest? Well I guess that first win at Martinsville Virginia with Harry Hyde, uh, Nord Crosscroft, and the K&K Insurance Dodge. That's, I guess, a moment that uh, you'll never forget being the first Winston Cup win, you know. 
I've got one last question, and it has to do with something that's become kind of a trademark of yours. How many races do you get out of a set of those wingtips? Well, uh, I guess they're good for about uh, two pair per season. <laughs> okay. That's uh, Dave Marcus, who has some kind of unique uh, footwear. Uh, starting a 600th race today. Of course, Dave is sponsored by Life Boy and the winners of our Life Boy MRN sweepstakes with us here in Phoenix, Arizona. Bob Eggleston and his brother were out there uh, throughout this week enjoying the sun and the fun of Phoenix, getting a tour of the garage area this morning, and they're part of what is obviously going to be a clear record crowd for any type of racing event here at Phoenix International Raceway. There were going to be two battles unfolding here today for Rookie of the Year honors. The Winston West Rookie of the Year battle had Bob Howard leading by just three Three points over Scott Gaylord. Problem is, neither man was able to crack the starting lineup for this event, so that goes wrapping up right now with Bob Howard winning Rookie of the Year honors in the Winston West Division. But for the Winston Cup, it's still very much a dogfight with two races remaining on the schedule. And Mike Joy is standing by with the man who leads the Champion Sears Rookie of the Year battle. Well, we said so much about the race for the Winston Cup. We've got a great one going here for Rookie of the Year. Ken Bouchard is the rookie point leader. And uh, you don't enjoy a big as lead as Bill Elliott has. And, gosh, two races to go. What are you thinking as, as we get right down to it here? Yeah, we don't have quite the biggest lead as uh, Bill has, but it's a little bit harder on our, divi on our division here to uh, the gain points. It's, it's about one point either way you can gain a race. So hopefully we can uh, stay in a race and uh, be the first rookie and, and, and gain one more point going to Atlanta. A question we'll ask all three of the rookies we'll talk to today, and that is what's been the toughest thing to learn about moving up to this circuit? Well, I think that, you know, the, the distance of the race is, is kind of hard. It, it's, it's long, and it's usually hot, and, and uh, the, the size of the car, the, the heavier cars, and, and getting used to uh, driving them a little easier. Kenny, good luck today. Thank you. That's Kenny Bouchard and the Bob Whitcomb Ford. Let's go down to Jim Phillips. And we've got Ernie Irvin from Nesto, California, and this is probably the closest thing he'll have to home track, but he's still got a big battle ahead of him with trying to catch Kenny Bouchard in that rookie time. Yeah, we sure do. You know, this uh, Kroger-Pepsi team has really come on the second half, and you know, hopefully we can uh, gain enough points and win that rookie battle. What's been the hardest thing for you to learn coming into this division? Uh, the most uh, biggest thing to learn, you know, coming from short tracks and uh, stuff like that is uh, being patient. Do you like this racetrack? Yeah, I sure do. You know, like you say, it's, a, you know, it's getting close to home. It's uh, still 12, 14 hours away, but still getting close to the West Coast. That's Ernie Irvin. He's one of the rookie contenders this year. And the third member of that battle, another Californian standing by with Mike Joy. Well, that's Brad Nofsinger. He's strapped in the Sunoco Buick and, and ready to go here. And we're talking to all the rookies this morning and just with just two races left to go in this season and kind of give us an assessment of what, what your season's been like and, and what's been the toughest thing to learn about moving to this circuit. Well, just the, the weight itself. You know, the cars that I've been driving for the last 11 years are 1,380-pound cars, and these are 3,500-pound cars. Just adjusting to the weight mainly, and, and all the tracks that I ran before were dirt, and right now we're running all pavement. So it's it's been pretty difficult for me to, to make the big change, but I've had a lot of help from a lot of the top veterans, and such as Earnhardt and Benny Parsons. They've given me a big hand, along with the, the other rookies, Ernie Irvin and Ken Bichard have been giving me a hand too. Is it good to get back and uh, be amongst a whole bunch of people here that are sprint car fans and that have seen your race and, and a lot of the folks that uh, have followed your career as you came along? Well, it, it, it's kind of neat to see them all out here. You know, there's a lot of friends from home, and it, they've all come up to see how I've been doing, and they're pretty glad that we're here, and we're, they're pretty glad that we're in the race. You know, we made it by the skin of our teeth, and right now I just hope to finish the race. Hey, Brad, have fun today. Thank you. 
Another gentleman who's here in the booth with us is anything but a rookie out here in Phoenix. John Kyle is a U.S. congressman for the 4th District of Arizona, covering much of the Phoenix and Scottsdale area, member of the House Armed Services Committee. But you've been involved, John, I know, here at Phoenix International Raceway for many a year, and this has been an eye-opener today for a lot of people. Well, the track has improved tremendously with all of the extra space for fans, and it's uh, great to have this first uh, event here on the circuit. We've been coming out here for now maybe 10 years or so as a track observer, and uh, it's great to see the changes here and to see it improve each one of those years. Barney and I were talking that in and around the Suns and the Cardinals and ASU football, how much attention has been riveted on this race all week long? Well, that's right. To get 50,000-plus fans, and you see them all on the hillside out there, you know that they, they came here to enjoy a good race. I think if they keep building more facilities out here, we'll see more and more fans come out because, of course, the racing is great at this track. It's one of the best around. Well, we're looking forward to it, and it's about time for everybody to observe. They're going to get to cranking these engines in just a moment or so. John, good to see great you. Great to be with you today. John Thank Kyle you. joining us, U.S. Congressman from the 4th District here in Arizona. The field begins to move. Let's take a look at the 43 drivers that will be in the event this afternoon. In 43rd position, Bill Smith of Redding, California. 42nd is Brad Nofsinger of Kannapolis, North Carolina. From Fitchburg, Massachusetts, starting 41st, Ken Bouchard. 40th is Trevor Boyce of Calgary, Alberta, Canada. 39th is Gary Collins from Bakersfield, California. Dave Marcus from Wausau, Wisconsin, starts 38th. 39th, another West Coast driver. We'll make that 37th position is Chad Little of Spokane, Washington. 36th is Jimmy Bowen of Portland, Oregon. 35th, Greg Sachs of Mattituck, New York. 34th, Johnny Rutherford of Fort Worth, Texas. 33rd, Bobby Hillen Jr. of Midland, Texas. 32nd, Dale Jarrett out of Conover, North Carolina. And starting 31st, Eddie Beerswall of San Antonio, Texas. 30th spot, Richard Petty of Randleman, North Carolina. Roy Smith, the Winston West champion from Seattle, Washington, starts 29th. 28th, Jimmy Means of Huntsville, Alabama. 27th is Ernie Irvin of Modesto, California. And Joe Rutman, the former stock car track record holder here at Phoenix. Joe driving the Helen Ray Motorsports 4 today from Upland, California in 26th. 25th is Kyle Petty of Randleman, North Carolina. 24th starter, Ken Schrader of Fenton, Missouri. 23rd from Spanaway, Washington, Derek Cope. 22nd, Brett Bodine of Chemung, New York, and Alan Kulwicki starts 21st of Greenfield, Wisconsin. Davey Allison will go from 20th position from Hueytown, Alabama. Herschel McGriff of Portland, Oregon starts 19th. 18th is Phil Parsons of Detroit, Michigan. Starting 17th, Terry Labonte of Corpus Christi, Texas. 16th starter, Darrell Waltrip of Owensboro, Kentucky. 15th is Benny Parsons out of Ellaby, North Carolina. 14th, Mike Alexander from Franklin, Tennessee. 13th, Dale Earnhardt of Kannapolis, North Carolina. 12th position belongs to Lake Speed of Jackson, Mississippi. And the 11th starter is Mike Waltrip from Owensboro, Kentucky. Checking the top ten, Rick Wilson of Bartow, Florida. Sterling Marlin of Columbia, Tennessee is ninth. Eighth starter will be Neil Bonnet of Hueytown, Alabama. And going in the seventh spot, Mark Martin of Batesville, Arkansas. Sixth is Bill Elliott of Dawsonville, Georgia. And the best qualifying effort for Jim Sauter, the Nacita, Wisconsin driver, going fifth. Fourth will be Ricky Rudd of Chesapeake, Virginia. Harry Gant of Taylorsville, North Carolina, starts third. Second will be Rusty Wallace of St. Louis, Missouri. And on the pole, Jeff Bodine of Chemung, New York, is qualified. Qualifying speed, 123.203 miles an hour. Those who attempted to qualify but didn't are all from the West Coast. Every Winston Cup driver who came to Phoenix has made the show. Those who didn't, Harry Jefferson, John Krebs, Scott Gaylord, J.C. Danielson, Jack Sellers, Butch Gilliland, and St. James Davis attempting to but failing to qualify. Here at Phoenix International Raceway, it is a one-mile racetrack, as we mentioned, settled in between the Estrella Mountains and covering the action in turn. 
returns one and two for MRN today from Davenport, Iowa. Rick Benjamin. Good afternoon. Hello again, everybody. Good to be with you here at Phoenix for the first time. We'll be watching the cars as they pour down the main straightaway and hit turns one and two in this very uniquely shaped oval. It's only 11 degrees of banking in one and two here. We'll be covering the action as the cars race, probably on the low side of the speedway here through most of the afternoon. It is a tricky racetrack. That dog leg in the back of the speedway here makes traffic getting into number three get real critical at a point. It narrows up very quickly up there. And to cover the action up in three and four from Anaheim, California, Dan Hubbard. Turns three and four is really just one turn. It's one long left-hand sweep. Again, not too much banking to it, around 10 degrees. The tricky part is at the exit in the low line of turn four. It's bumpy there, and the steering goes a little light in the driver's hands. One interesting side point here in turn four, as you heard Eli allude to earlier in the broadcast, there's no grandstand here behind turn four. There's a hillside, which was raked for snakes as early as Wednesday of this week. Today, there are no snakes up there, hopefully. Just race fans filling the hillside from top to bottom for today's Checker 500. And those folks have themselves quite a view. It was Governor Rose Mofford who, along with Bobby Allison, who's out here and getting a... He got a great standing ovation from all the crowd earlier. They together said, gentlemen, start your engines. And we are now just a half mile away from getting this race underway. They have put all sorts of improvements into this racetrack. A $5 million improvement has included a brand new expanded pit road, new press tower, new grandstands, a brand new suite in the turn one and two area. But right now, all of those things are nice and fine, but it's racing that the folks have come here to see. Driving the pace car, Jim Graham, as he does at each and every Winston Cup race, he begins to accelerate now through turns three and four. There is a crossover bridge, the Goodyear Bridge, that allows folks to go from the outside to the inside of the racetrack here at Phoenix. The cars come out from beneath that Goodyear Bridge. We're about set to go. 312 laps equals the 500 kilometers here at Phoenix, and here's Barney Hall with the start. Pace car goes behind the pit wall. They're about a 1,000 feet away from the start-finish line. Harold Kinder holds his hand out to hold it down for a good clean start. The green flag is out and the checker 500 is underway. Jeff Bodine tries to break free, get single file into turn number one. He'll be able to accomplish it as he works at the bottom of the racetrack. Jeff Bodine is out in front. Rusty Wallace is second. Ricky Rudd is third. Bill Elliott's up to fourth. Harry got assist. And Neil Bonham and Jim Chowder. Field makes their way quickly through the kink. It is still Jeff Bodine in first. Rusty Wallace tucks in a close second, then two car lengths back to Ricky Rudd. Bill Elliott right on his tail in fourth as the field charges down towards the main straight. The man on the move quickly was Mike Alexander. He has moved up from the 14th to the 12th spot, but now it's three wide for a moment going for the lead. Bodine holds it in the battle for second spot. Has Ricky Rudd inside of Rusty Wallace and one. Rusty Wallace by a fender on the outside. Rudd right back at him on the low side. They are door to door. Fourth is Elliott still. Harrigan is fifth. Bonnet, Souter, and Mark Martin make up the top eight. Ricky Rudd showing some strength early on. Wallace and Jeff Bodine collided at the exit of four, but Wallace is back on the attack, takes second place back from Rudd, and now he's back right on the tail of Jeff Bodine as they exit turn four. They'll race single file back through among the top ten or eleven positions through turns three and four, but when they get back into the straightaway, Wallace took a look underneath for the lead going on Jeff Bodine, couldn't do it. Single file back in turn one. Bodine and Wallace one and two. Rudd settles into third. Here's Wallace on the low side as they come out of two, making a move on Bodine. They're door to door. Bodine, the quick man here all week. Perhaps that is not the case as Wallace does not want to wait around this afternoon. He wants the lead early and he takes it. The low line into turn three. Rusty Wallace is your new leader. Jeff Bodine second. Ricky Rudd challenging now for that spot. Remember, if Rusty Wallace leads a lap, that's worth five bonus points in the Winston Cup standings. Here to the stripe they come. Wallace picks up that five bonus points. Meanwhile, Bill Elliott, who started sixth, is already up to fourth. Elliott is fourth, followed by Harry Gant. They're behind Ricky Rudd. First five, single file. Jim Sauter goes inside. Neil Bonner to take six. Eight is Martin, 9th is Sterling Marlin, Alexander is best. 
top five cars and kind of a mini break away from the rest of the field. Jeff Bodine again attacking Rusty Wallace who holds down the top spot. There is Ricky Rudd in third. Bill Elliott a good fourth. Harry Gant in fifth. Davey Allison is way off the pace. Something happened to his car going through turns one and two. He's on the apron of the racetrack limping through turns three and four. He'll be coming on to pit road. Meanwhile the battle for the lead still a good one as Rusty Wallace not holding anything back has already taken it away from Jeff Bodine. Bodine has his hands full right now with Ricky Rudd. Rudd may have one of the best and strongest cars on the speedway. They're in the backstretch heading for three. That was the rumor in the garage earlier this morning is watch Ricky Rudd. He may be the man to beat this afternoon. He holds down the third spot so far. All the cars handling quite well through turns three and four. Everybody is cinched up and ready to go. As the field comes back off turn number four, we're watching Greg, Scott's, Greg Sachs pick his way from the rear of the field towards the front. Kyle Petty's Ford seemed to be backpedaling just a bit as the lead cars are back in turn one. Wallace opens up three cars now on Jeff Bodine. Rudd is third. They're pulling away from Elliott who is fourth. Dan is fifth and Sauter still fifth. Rusty Wallace exiting the kink here with just kind of a slight left right hand bend I should say before they enter turn three and you're right he starts to open up a bit of a lead on Jeff Bodine but Jeff is able to close it up through turn four. Elliott sticks right at the bottom of the racetrack back there in fourth position Davey Allison's car comes to life again and is now running on the racetrack he did not come onto pit road but he was way off the pace at least 10 or 15 cars went around him through one and two and up the back stretch but now he seems to be running pretty well and will stay on the speedway. Battle for leads in turn two. They are through the kink. There is Rusty Wallace in the Cognac Pontiac top spot. Again, he seems to open up the lead down the back stretch, but Bodine is able to close it up in the handling. Watch that. Turn three. He dives low and puts up right up along the tail side now of Rusty Wallace. Let's set the field for you. Off turn number four to the stripe. Wallace leads Bodine and Rudd. Then Bill Elliott fourth. Harry Gant fifth. Jim Sauter sixth. Mark Martin seventh. Neil Bonnet eighth. Mike Alexander ninth. Sterling Marlin tenth. Eleventh belongs to Lake Speed. And twelfth now Mike Waltrip. Field now really strung out. There is Waltrip in the Earnhardt battle. Waltrip pulls up alongside. Earnhardt's got now. That's Bill Parsons got the edge on Waltrip now. That battle for about 14th and 15th as they go through turns three and four. They'll complete eight laps when they cross the stripe this time here in the Checker 500. Let's go to Pit Road. And we have Robert Gates, car owner for Davy Allison, the crew chief. What's wrong with him, Robert? He fell back. Well, it, you know, it failed to hook up the rear end. We thought we lost an axle, but uh, evidently it's not an axle. Maybe a ratchet failed to work, and uh, maybe the springs and everything set back in place. Hope it'll, you know, work for us good the rest of the day. So Davey Allison's back up to speed, and we look for him to charge back up to the front. He's way back toward the tail end of the pack, but if the car keeps running like it is, he can work his way back to the front. We're working lap number 11 here at Phoenix International Raceway. Rusty Wallace continues to lead Jeff Bonine and Ricky Rudd. From the Phoenix International Raceway, this is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. The Country 500 Music Festival is back at Daytona International Speedway. How do you like me? With Toby Keith, Chris Stapleton. Bentley. We're on a beach, sipping Sugarland. Like Billy Currington. Yeah. And so much more. Country 500. Memorial Day weekend. May 25th, 26th, and 27th. For tickets and information, visit country500.com. Sponsored in part by Budweiser. Pick up Pete Long Life Universal Premixed Antifreeze and Coolant for $8.99 a gallon after mail-in rebate at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Protect against damaging rust and corrosion with Pete Premixed Coolant now $8.99 a gallon after mail-in rebate at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supply. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. 
Here at Phoenix International Raceway, Jeff Bodine has just lost second place to Ricky Rudd as they were battling side by side. And another Bodine is in a bit of a jam. Here comes the Crisco Ford for Brett Bodine. A lot of smoke there in front of Jim Phillips. Also a lot of oil underneath the car, Eli, so it looks like the engine has let go on the Crisco Motorcraft Ford. We'll go down and take a look at it. Uh -huh. Caution is on the speedway. It'll be the first one this afternoon, and apparently Brett Bodine has put some liquid or something down on the speedway as the Bud Moore crew go to work on his car. A lot of smoke coming out from under the hood. We'll go back down there in just a moment, but it has brought out the first yellow flag of the afternoon. It comes out on lap 14, apparently for some fluid and liquid put down by Brett Bodine's car. Let's go back to the pits. That's what the problem was, Barney. There's a lot of oil all the way down pit road, a big line of it. So evident all the way around the racetrack, Brett Bodine left a line of oil. They're going to bring out the caution flag and clean it up. Boy, that really hurts to come this far west, get the car running, qualify fairly well, have a good shot to, to win the thing or even a real top five finish with no problem at all, and then watch it blow up in the early going. They had started in 22nd spot and moved up in a giant hurry, so it is a tough break for Brett Bodine. It turned out to be a pretty decent break, though, for Eddie Beerswall. There was some smoke from behind his car, and NASCAR had already posted him on the board. They were set to show him the black flag to come in for consultation, and the caution comes out just at the same time, so Eddie will be able to get the car checked over. Brad Nofsinger was in on lap number nine for an unscheduled pit stop. Obviously he lost two laps in that exchange, so Brad Nofsinger back on the racetrack, but a couple of laps down. And now here early on lap 15, pit stops begin. Mike Alexander is in, so too Rick Wilson. First to Mike Joy. Well, these cars uh, come off the line and drop onto pit road while most of the leaders stay out there. Barry Dodson talking to his driver, Rusty Wallace. So we'll get a word here with Harold Elliott. Harold, you going to leave him out? Uh, do what, Jerry? So you're going to leave him out? Uh, yeah, we, we only run about 13 laps, so they got a 43-car field here, and we don't want to take the chance of getting in the back. So we're looking pretty good. We'll just stay out there. It's obvious your game plan hasn't changed. Are you guys running for election, or are you just running from Bill Elliott? Because he got out front and got away quick. We're running to make it four in a row. That's what we're looking at. We're, we're just going to try to do the best we can. And uh, I hope luck sticks with us and we can, we can win the race. But... Right now, he's, he's run a little conservative, but uh, he's still got some car left. That's Harold Elliott. Let's check in with Jim Phillips. Well, on this end of pit road, Davey Allison brought the Haviland Ford in. Also, Mike Alexander, Herschel McGriff, Ernie Irvin, and Dale Jarrett were in for right side tires. In fact, Mike Alexander and Davey Allison took on four tires and gasoline. Davey was started in 20, 20th position. He was running 32nd at the time of that caution. Today's broadcast of the Checker 500 is brought to you under exclusive radio rights granted by the Phoenix International Raceway to motor racing networks only for the private, non-commercial use of our listening audience. Any publication, reproduction, or other use of the descriptions and accounts of this race without the expressed written consent of NASCAR and Motor Racing Network is prohibited. Well, it was a short day for the Crisco Ford. Brett, uh, what happened? Ah, uh, looks like uh, something broke in the motor chop. Uh, it just seemed to, uh, as I went in the third turn over there, it, it just broke. It didn't tighten up or anything. It just seemed to break. Yeah, you know, just fortunate we didn't get the car in the wall or anything. Uh, you know, we hate to have such a short day. These last two races, even though there there's a championship going on, there's a battle to stay in the top 20 in the driver's standings, and I'm sitting 19th right now, and uh, this is really going to hurt us. Could you tell anything with 15 laps of the race about the racetrack, whether it's changing any or not? Well, the track seemed to be in pretty good shape. Uh, my car was a little tight. Uh, yesterday's practice, the car seemed to be a little loose at the end of the day, and then at the start of the race today, it was tight. So, uh, you know, some of the guys might be fooled a little bit, and they're going to have to make some changes to get their cars dialed in. Sorry to see you out of it. Good luck at Atlanta. Thank you very much. 
Brett Bodine, he's out of the race this afternoon here at the Checker 500. And Jim Allen Kowicki is on pit road. He did not come in during the first lap of this caution, but he and crew chief Paul Andrews talked over the situation. He did not qualify in the first round here, kind of rare for Kowicki of late. They didn't like the tire combination they had on the car, so Kowicki gets gas and four tires. We'll be going back to green in just one more lap, but a vision in pink, as always, has joined us here in the booth. Mel Larson from Circus Circus out in Las Vegas, and Phoenix may be hosting the Winston Cup Tour today, but you're going to be hosting just about everybody tomorrow and for much of the rest of the week. That's right. Uh, many of the fellows do have reservations there at Circus Circus. We always enjoy seeing them up there, but uh, today is a great day for me because I'm from Phoenix and get to see all my racing friends as well as in my hometown. And uh, I'm responsible, I think, for a little bit for this because I brought NASCAR to Phoenix in 1953 in the, with the sportsman division at the South Mountain Track. I was uh, promoting and driving at, and then I had the Grand National cars at the uh, fairgrounds and the dirt, you know, mild dirt. So it's great to see NASCAR, uh, you know, the Winston Cup cars here. It'll be a good show. It'll be a good. It's really a good track for these guys, isn't it? Oh, this is great. It's a beautiful track. I've driven on it many times, so it's a great race going on here today. Stick around a second. We'll chat with you again. They're about to drop the green, and we'll follow and see what happens here. The green is out. Rusty Wallace takes off, going right in behind him. In the second spot is Ricky Rudd, single file. They get in turn one. Jeff Bodine is next in line, and Bill Elliott followed by Harry Gann. Mark Martin, Jim Stoddard, and Neil Bonnet. First nine are sprung out. Dale Earnhardt on the move in the dead spot. Field out of the kink into turn three. It is still Rusty Wallace with just a slim lead over Ricky Rudd. Jeff Bodine, a tight third. Bill Elliott holds down the fourth spot as they charge underneath the bridge towards the main street. A good battle now for 10th place. Lake Speed working inside of Sterling Marlin out from beneath the Goodyear Bridge coming through towards turn number one. Lake Speed wins that battle from Sterling Marlin as Darrell Waltrip now joins them as well. Waltrip to the inside and Marlin picks up a spot out front. Still Rusty Wallace and Ricky Rudd starting to move away from Jeff Bodine and Bill Elliott. Very good right Yes. Waltrip is running a good race so far this afternoon. He does dispose there of Sterling Marlin, and now he is chasing Lake Speed. This is the battle for about 10th or 11th spot. Waltrip on the low line. He's been running the low line all afternoon, and that's the tricky line here at turn four. Now he goes high, but Lake Speed still holds down the 10th spot. It's very obvious in the early going. You can see the drivers that have hit up on the right handling combination, and handling is very critical at this racetrack. The cars that are sticking at the bottom of the speedway are the ones that are really getting around here. They're single file right now, back among the top 10 or 12. Mel, will talk to you about that you just commented a moment ago that you had run a lot of races here at this racetrack so you're familiar with what it takes to get around the speedway you find out real quick i guess within a lap whether you've hit the combination or whether you've missed it well that's right that dog leg really uh, puts you to work you get down low and then you drift up high and it gets very tight and quick coming down into three and four and it's very hard to pass here for many years until they made some changes it was almost impossible to pass anyone trying to pass in the turn while they were headed for the wall and of course the indianapolis car is racing here for years but what a great thrill to see the winston cup boys go and as you saw we've only had one yellow and uh uh, that was, I think, was for oil on the track. So these guys really know how to get around this place. They're still strung out back among the top 15 at a single file. Leading him out of turn number four, Rusty Wallace, just one car length behind him, rides Ricky Rudd. And Rudd has been on a tear lately. He's been one of the hottest cars in Winston Cup racing, aside from Rusty Wallace, of course, being able to stay at the front of the pack. I've been meaning to ask you this every time you've been in our booth for the last two years. Why have they, have they never considered really building a super speedway in Las Vegas? Trouble in turn one. There is trouble indeed. It is Derek Pope spinning. Jimmy Means spins as well. Everybody jumps on the binders. Dave Marcus snakes through the pack. Kenny Bouchard goes up to the wall. Derek Pope looped it up here in the middle of turn two, kept it off the wall. He has stopped in the middle of the speedway. Jimmy Means went around once, is able to keep it on the track. Both cars get back in gear and take off. 
It'll put us under caution for the second time. It comes out on lap number 24 as they're waiting for the caution car to come out of the speedway to pick up the field right now. We're seeing one pit stop. Looks to be Bill Elliott. Let's go to the pits. Down at the end of pit road. Elliott. Bill Elliott taking on right side tires, Barney. We're trying to make some caution notes here, and uh, they, he's going to get four on the Coors Ford. It's kind of rare to see somebody jump out of the lead pack. As, uh, as Harold Elliott told us, track position is so important. Everybody puts tires up on the wall, gets a gas can up, and comes out with a pit sign. Whether or not they'll actually stop, well, that's another story. One of the coolest pieces of driving out there in turns one and two belonged to Eddie Beerswall. He had uh, the groove he was taking blocked by the spinning car of Derek Cope, and Eddie just kind of squeezed up against the outside retaining wall and managed to get by a good close piece of driving there. The second caution again brought out by the spinning car of Derek Cope. Later on, it was Jimmy Means who spun, and as we say, Eddie Beerswall going to the high side of the racetrack. Down to the pit lane, Sterling Marlins in for a stop. I think Jake would like to have brought him in one caution flag ago, but left him out. The situation obviously didn't improve, so they'll put four good years on the Piedmont Airlines Oldsmobile. Here's Jimmy Means also in, and Chad Little has some front-end damage. He must have picked up a piece of debris in the grill uh, as the caution flag came out. Some of the other cars that are on pit road, the two that were involved in the caution up there, are also in the pits right now, Jimmy Means and Derek Cope. Let's go to Jim Phillips. Derek Cope didn't show a lot of damage from his accident with Jimmy Means. Dale Jarrett also had the Hardy's Oldsmobile in, and Kenny Bouchard, with the rookie candidates, also went on pit road for service. They're getting tires and gasoline. Eddie Beerswall's car has now gone behind the wall. The Wayne's Paging Oldsmobile being worked on there as Joe Rutman in the Helen Ray Special rejoins the activity after his pit stop. If you're just joining us, we are in the midst of caution flag number two here at Phoenix International Raceway, the inaugural visit for the Winston Cup cars here to the Pacific Southwest, and our coverage will continue. But first, Barney, you and Mel need to wrap up the remembrances of this racetrack. I was about to ask you, I'm really surprised Las Vegas has everything and why they have never been built a super speedway. Well, I think the problem there is you just answered it, uh, is Las Vegas does have everything. There's so many shows, there's so much competition, not that the racing isn't great because it has been tried at uh, Caesars at the Grand Prix course and years before at the Stardust, but there's just too many uh, diversions and it uh, just doesn't appear that, you know, everybody, when they come to Las Vegas, they have other things in their mind from but racing, and of course, we love racing. We've tried to see it happen there, but uh, I think that's the problem. It's just a lot of competition. Maybe one of these days it will. Mel, thanks for stopping by. Well, thank you, and we'll see you all at Circus Circus. Okay. We're under green again here at Phoenix International Raceway in the Checker 500. Dale Earnhardt on that restart came up through traffic like a rocket. He has always already worked his way up to fifth position out of turn two. Earnhardt is on the move. He's right behind Harry Gant as they race for fourth. Earnhardt goes low for the position. He is cut off temporarily there by Gant, but Gant's been having handling problems here through three and four, and that shows right there as Earnhardt dives low and passes Harry Gant. Earnhardt now in the fourth slot. That was a strong piece of driving by Earnhardt going through that dogleg on the back straightaway. He cut to the inside and made the move. He's in fourth place now ahead of Harry Gant, who's fifth, and Mark Martin is sixth. The lead is still Rusty Wallace. Wallace followed by Ricky Rudd, Jeff Bodine, Earnhardt closing the gap on Bodine for third spot. Then Harry Gant, Mark Martin, Jim Schauder, and Neil Bonnet make up the top eight. Leaders out of the kink into three. It is Rusty Wallace opens up just a bit of a lead now on Ricky Rudd. Jeff Bodine a close third. Here is Harry Gant, or excuse me, Dale Earnhardt in fourth. Harry Gant fifth. Again, he's sliding into turn four, and that gives Mark Martin a chance to close it up. 
You can tell several of the cars, as we said, are still having handling problems through both ends of this racetrack. We're working lap number 29 here in the Checker 500. Rusty Wallace grabbed the lead real early this afternoon and just simply refuses to give it up. Ricky Rudd is a couple of car lengths behind him. Jeff Bodine rides third. A couple of car lengths back to him. It's about a full second back to the third place, fourth place battle, and that is still a good one in turn three. They are in turn three. It is Dale Earnhardt, number three, just in front of Harry Gant. He closes up right on the bumper. Let's see if Harry can control the car. He's been having problems all afternoon. He does. He's right on the bumper of Dale Earnhardt as they charge down the main street. Off turn number four, back to the stripe. Rusty Wallace continues to lead. He can't shake Ricky Rudd, who's just a car length and a half back in second. Jeff Bodine third. Earnhardt fourth. Gant fifth. Mark Martin sixth. Jim Sauter seventh. And now Neil Bonnet beginning to rumble just a bit. He's won a Winston West race here at Phoenix years ago. He likes this racetrack. He's in turn two. Bonnet running very well right in front of Lake Steve. But that'll protect going on between Jerry Labonte and Ken Schrader. They've been door to door up here for several laps field makes its way through turn four. It is Rusty Wallace and Ricky Rudd, and then Jeff Bodine is running all by himself in third as they make their way towards the stripe. The best battle on the racetrack is Terry Labonte right now and Kenny Schrader. They come off turn number four, riding exactly door to door and waiting for either one of those two to make a slip right behind them is Darrell Waltrip, Phil Parsons, and Kyle Petty. That's the best battle on the racetrack. It's heading for turn two. Terry Labonte on the low side, Schrader up high. They've been riding this way for several laps. Waltrip right behind them in 12th spot, and Kyle Petty and Phil Parsons are door to door for 13. They have been side by side for the last two laps. Terry Labonte on the low side. Kenny Schrader on the high side again through turns three. As they say, door handle to door handle and Darrell Waltrip right behind. Right behind Darrell Waltrip. You've got a side-by-side Kyle Petty and Phil Parsons battle, but we're watching Labonte and Kenny Schrader. They still grapple for 10th place and still side-by-side to turn one middle of the groove. Labonte on the low side. Schrader's been able to make his car work in the middle of Phoenix International Race. Right now, Labonte pulls Schrader by half the car length out onto the backside. Good time. Schrader will try to get that advantage back on the backstretch, and he does. you got to give credit to Ken Schrader. The high line here at Phoenix is a very difficult one to negotiate, but he's doing it well. Give the edge just slightly to Labonte as they exit turn four. We haven't seen all that much passing going on in the corners, but most of the teams and drivers said they would run at least 20 or 30 laps to get the feel of those turns and make sure the car would stick before we see that door-to-door racing, at least in the turns. We're seeing quite a bit of it in the straightaway. The leader is Rusty Wallace. Two car lengths behind him rides Ricky Rudd. About three seconds now back to Jeff Bo- the third place car. Earnhardt is fourth and he took off on that restart like he was going to run down everyone but now he's settled in back there in fourth position. Harry Gant's car not handling all that well on either end of the racetrack but nevertheless he's getting in some good lap times. He's hanging back there in fifth spot right behind Earnhardt. Then comes Mark Martin. It's a ways back to Jim Sauter, Neil Bonnet, Lake Speed and Terry Labonte. The leader is turning this racetrack in about 30.5 seconds. That's about 119 miles an hour as the lead battle heads back to three. And just in a couple of laps here we may be starting to lap the back markers as Rusty Wallace is really setting a blistering pace. Him and Ricky Rudd all by themselves. There is Jeff Bodine, a lone third, and Dale Earnhardt holding down the fourth position. Barney from Pitt Road were able to see just how tough it is to pass on this racetrack. Bill Elliott getting those fresh tires should have been one of the quickest cars in the speedway. But since the caution flag restart, he's only been able to climb up to the 27th position. So getting out of line here and making a stop, you give up field position here, you really give up a lot. He has now, as Mike was saying, trying to pick his way through traffic. He's up to 24th spot Bill Elliott is, but as Jeff Bodine told us yesterday, it is tough finding a place to pass here at Phoenix. Yeah, that, I think that's going to be a problem. It, it is kind of a one, one lane racetrack, one lane entering turn one and one lane entering turn three. Uh, uh, I don't think I want to go in outside of anyone going into either one of those corners and, and the groove is pretty much low. It's pretty much on the bottom side of the racetrack through the corners, so uh, uh, and you don't have the banking on the outside to get up there and, and get outside of someone. I, 
I think what you're going to have to do is uh, wait for the, the guy to slip in front of you, slide up a little bit where you can duck underneath him off these corners. Uh, the back straightaway is just one big arc. Everyone seems to be running pretty fast down through that. It's a very fast section of this racetrack, the fastest, I guess. And uh, So I don't know where you're going to pass there. Uh, the groove goes from the outside against the wall to the inside in the, the middle corner, then back out to the outside. Uh, so if you're running the groove, you're kind of blocking the whole racetrack as you run down through there. Well, so far, Jeff has hit around the head. The passing has been somewhat uh, rare in the early going, and those who are making their passes are really having to pick their spots as best they go. Eddie Beerswald has just returned to the race. He was behind the wall a number of laps down, 13 in arrears to the race leader, Rusty Wallace, and Wallace is in turn number two. Wallace still in front of Ricky Rudd by Justin Carlin. Rudd dogging him every step of the way. They've opened up a dozen lakes on Jeff Bodine, who's third. Dale Earnhardt and Harry Grant and Mark Martin have settled down. They're riding single file. Jim Sauter leads a good battle now between Terry Labonte and Neil Bonnet for ninth. Leaders are through turn four. There is a course condition here at turn four, no doubt about it, and it almost caught Benny Parsons. He was definitely sideways and almost took Richard Petty with him, and now all the cars are taking a wider line through three and four. Terry Labonte has gotten away right now from the 25 car of Kenny Schrader, pulled on up into traffic. Schrader's dropped back a little bit. Darrell Walker's got around him now, but Schrader has his hands full with Kyle Petty and Alan Kowicki as lap number 42 is flashed on the board here. The leader is Rusty Wallace. We'll be back. There's no place on earth that I'd rather be than out in the open where it's all plain to see. If it's gonna get done, it's up to you and to me. There's no place that I'd rather be. Head for the mountains of bush. Head for the mountains of bush. Anheuser Bush, St. Louis, Missouri. Join the fun Saturday, Sunday, for picnics, for barbecues, anytime you want great taste. It's the United States Great Taste Championship, featuring Van Camp. Van Camp, America's favorite pork and beans. Plump tender beans in a rich, savory tomato sauce. The taste everyone loves. They're fast. They're fun. Try the great taste of Van Camp's Beanie Weenie 2. Van Camp's, the first name in beans. And winners of the United States Great Taste Championship. Don't miss them. We're under caution for the third time here at Phoenix International Raceway. The driver involved, Gary Collins, had problems coming out of turn number four, went across the inside part of the racetrack and hit the inside pit wall. The car is resting there right now, facing traffic coming out of turn number four. Everyone has cleared the accident. He apparently is okay. We see him moving around in the car, but we'll have to wait and get a wrecker out there to get him moved, and we're under caution as we see the wreckers heading to him right now. Meanwhile, pit road is a busy place. Mike Joy. Barney, this race could be won or lost on pit road. It's so tough to pass out on the racetrack. And a lot of jockeys for position down at the pit exit. Virtually all the teams are in here to replace four tires in the first tank of gas, including those that pitted on the earlier cautions. Jim Phillips. Terry Labonte had the Budweiser Chevrolet in. So did Mike Alexander with the Miller Buick. Four tires for all these guys. Also, Harry Gant, who's having a good run this afternoon, had the skull banded in. They put four new Goodyear tires on his car in Castleby. We're waiting on Neil Bonnick to come down pit road. Phil Parsons was also in. So pit stops continue. Here comes Greg Sachs. They were about to black flag him during the event, and the caution came out. Jim Phillips, what was the story there? His window net had fallen down, Eli. You can't run NASCAR races without that safety window net up. It had fallen down. He kept on running, but one of the NASCAR officials saw it, and lucky for him, the caution came out, and he's able to come in without losing a lap. 
Johnny Rutherford in for service. Derek Cope, Neil Bonner. It seems to be fairly routine all the way around as the wrecker here on the front straightaway hooks up to the Gary Collins car that tagged the wall and brought out this caution flag. One thing that we are seeing now during this caution flag, Mike, is the fact that Bill Elliott is using it to his advantage. He pitted earlier back on the 25th lap, but not now, and he's moved up in the field. Well, here again, Eli, we talk about the importance of track position. Alan Kulwicki, who pitted on the first caution, back at lap 17 stayed out, so he inherits the lead. Likewise, Sterling Marlin and uh, Bill Elliott did not come in, uh, nor did Dave Marcus. I don't believe Marcus has made a pit stop yet in this race. He'll often do that and stay out and pick up those five bonus points for leading a lap. Uh, this time, there are a couple of guys up in front of him, but uh, that's one way to end up a little higher up in the final point standings at the end of the season. It is so tough, as we've seen here to already, to pass on this racetrack that uh, I don't think I'd want to make a pit stop even if the car wasn't working too well. If you could stay up toward the front of the pack, stay out there, and then hope for later caution and get in and get your work done. Well, these fans have really been getting into this race this afternoon. I've been looking down trackside, and here's the grandstand in front of us, and every time there's even a close battle going on on the racetrack, man, they're on their feet. They are really into Winston Cup racing. Of course, this racetrack, as we said during the opening of our broadcast, has played host of the Indy cars uh, ever since this track opened years and years ago. Uh, their racing and their style of racing is far different than what the Winston Cup cars have to offer as far as the side-by-side nose-to-tail competition, and that's something new here. With one one lap to go now. Harold Kinder giving that indication to the field. Alan Kulwicki will come in for his pitch stop. Let's remind you, you still have time to enter the Goodies Race for the Money contest for 1988. The Daytona 500 Dream Vacation is going to be drawn for here very shortly. A chance for you to win two tickets to the 1989 Daytona 500. An escorted tour of the NASCAR garage area. Two tickets to the Goodies 300. Accommodations for two people for four nights at the Treasure Island Inn and Daytona Beach Shores. $1,000 in spending money and airfare for two people provided by Piedmont Airlines in the city closest to your home that Piedmont serves. If you'd like to be eligible for the drawing, simply send your name, address, telephone number, the call letters of the local MRN station you're listening to, and the front panel from any size package of goodies, headache powders, or just write the name, goodies, headache powders, and a piece of paper, and send it to goodies, race for the money, post office box 500, Daytona Beach, Florida, 32015. Of course, void where prohibited, but a drawing will be coming up in just another couple of weeks. You still do have time to enter. Getting ready to go back to green as the field heads up to turn number three. The leader right now will be Sterling Marlin. Bill Elliott rides second. Right behind him is Dave Marcus as they get ready to cut him loose up in turn four. Marlin will be the leader. Elliott right up in, and we're looking for a green flag. Pace car pulls off into the pits, and the field begins to apply the throttle towards the strike. Sterling holds him down until he gets all the way out and has the straightaway lined up before he punches the throttle. The green is out, and Marlin takes him back to turn number one. Dave Marcus back in that third spot, and here comes Earnhardt from fifth position, trying to take away fourth over in turn two. He's got Joe Rutman right in front of him. Earnhardt to the low side. Rutman able to hold him off for the moment as they move on to the back stretch. Earnhardt goes low for fourth, and they get together. Earnhardt and Rutman get together. They slide down into the infield. They come to a stop by the concrete in- interior wall, the inside retaining wall. I don't believe either of them touched the wall. Both cars are stopped on the dirt right inside the kink portion of the backstretch. So we do have caution again here on lap number 49. The leader takes the caution, Sterling Marlin. And as Rick Benjamin mentioned, the cars got together coming off turn two. And I think the, the, the special thing there, Rick, is the fact that you do have a lot of runoff area before you get to that inside guardrail. And that's why neither man made any contact. The track is very wide back there, Eli. We didn't get a chance to speak much about it before the start of the broadcast. But there are two different places 
where safety crews have access onto the backstretch, and they have paved further than the racing groove. There's another almost a double width to the racetrack in some portions there. But uh, Rudman was a little bit in the middle of the racetrack. Dale Earnhardt just was able to get the nose of the Goodrich car underneath him, and they just made ever so small contact going onto the backstretch portion. Two cars made a nice gentle turn onto the dirt, and they came to rest separate from each other. I don't really think either car was very seriously damaged. But what we can see, Earnhardt's car is stopped at the moment and has not yet refired. I believe Joe Rutman has already refired and back onto the speedway. Joe Rutman told us the other day that this is not an easy one-mile racetrack. It is a much more difficult track than people might imagine. I think the key to it is, is turn threes and three and four. And, and as the race grinds on, you'll see the fellow that has his car set up is, is a guy that's going to win or lose is a guy that has his car hooked up in three and four. But as we mentioned earlier, Joel Rutman was the longtime stock car track record holder here. But that track record was in the older days, if you will. They have since resurfaced the racetrack, and the record was fallen or it was, was broken by some five miles an hour here this weekend. It took a record to get Earnhardt's car pushed off. It finally fires. He spins back out on the racetrack and now is heading for Pitt Road. And I guarantee he's a little bit hot under the collar right now. Let's go to Pitt Road and Mike Joy. Barney Dale Earnhardt, after firing that car, brought it around, and they changed all four tires, which certainly were flat-spotted uh, in the spin. So Earnhardt came around. They uh, did some sheet metal work on the right front corner of the car. Kirk Shelberty went back over to the over the wall to the Mac Tools box and pulled out a ratchet and some uh, very small-sized fittings. And now they're going to go underneath the right side of the car, make sure that everything there is buttoned up. They're taking a look, siding down the right side to make sure that the alignment of the car appears to be okay. And now Shelmerdine is underneath the left front of the car, uh, making an adjustment to the tie rod, trying to get both front wheels pointed in the same direction. So Earnhardt's car is running. He has lost at least one lap sitting out there on the backstretch. And they continue to work on the sheet metal in the right front corner of the Goodwrench Chevrolet. Mike, the preliminary indication we're getting from NASCAR scoring is that uh, once the, the car came out, apparently picked up the field and they slowed the pace down, that they're saying right now it, it looks like he did not lose a lap, but we'll check that out a little bit further and let you know. 51 laps are complete, and we are under caution here at Phoenix International Raceway. It is the fourth one of the afternoon, and now they're saying that Earnhardt is indeed one lap down. From the Phoenix International Raceway, this is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. Chris Crockett straight from Victory Lane to congratulate the Toyota Racing family, mechanics, extremely sunburned guy, and you, Mrs. Lippincott. Your support helped Martin Truex Jr. bring the championship home. Kyle Busch won Toyota's 100th race. Screaming fan who lost her voice, that victory is yours too. And Eric Jones, Rookie of the Year, joins Daniel Suarez and Denny Hamlin on the team. NASCAR and Toyota Racing. With a family like this, who knows the places we'll go this season? Learn more at toyotaracing.com. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of the National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. At Victory Junction, it's simple. We believe every child, no matter their diagnosis or disability, deserves the chance to just be a kid. So we provide a medically safe environment where children who live in a world of hospital stays and doctor's visits are free to do everything from riding horses, zip lining, swimming, fishing, and bowling, all at no cost to the camper. The experience inspires confidence, builds self-esteem, and changes the life of every child who comes here. Help us change a child's life at VictoryJunction.org. Still under caution here at Phoenix International Raceway in Arizona. Dale Earnhardt back in the pits again. Well, they brought him back in again to check the toe in and uh, without benefit of measurement to try to make sure the car is pretty well lined up. 
toe is, is real critical to these cars, just as it is to your street car. If the toe-in is not right, you'll go into the first corner here, and you'll actually be dragging that left front tire along, and it just won't help the car to handle, and it also won't help tire wear at all. You can really burn up a set of front tires that way. Richard Childress and Kirk Shelmerdin talking on the radio with Earnhardt, trying to see how the car is working right now, see if they can leave him out there. Alan Kowicki has been in twice under this caution. We'll go up and check with Paul Andrews on the reason why. One to go is the indication from Harold Kinder. Next time by, they'll be racing. This is, as we've been saying, the next to the last Winston Cup race of the year. The final event, the Atlanta Journal 500 at the Atlanta International Raceway, November the 20th. It's a busy racing weekend there. They run for the Bush Pole on Friday, November the 18th. The ARCA cars will be running their Atlanta Journal 500-kilometer event on Saturday the 19th, and the Winston Cup cars on the 20th. The only seats that remain are the unreserved North Grandstand general admission tickets, and both one- and two-day infield passes. So if you've not yet made your plans to get there, make sure you do so in a hurry. Remember, Bush Pole qualifying on Friday, November the 18th. A couple of late pit stops going on. Let's go down to Mike Joy. Arnie, I'm down in Alan Kowicki's pit. They brought him in now a third time, and uh, Paul Andrews is on the horn with his driver trying to figure out if now whatever the problem was, they've got it right, but they keep uh, keep changing uh, tires to change the stagger, and also uh, they've been keeping adjusting the wedge in the car trying to get it to, to handle the way Kulwicki wants. Uh, I can't get Paul right now. He's talking to his driver. We'll get him a bit later on. Pace cars behind the pit wall. We're set to go back to green. It'll come out on lap number 54 as they bring him out of turn number four and back down to the line. The leader right now, Sterling Marlin, pulls him off into the corner. Right behind him is Bill Elliott. Behind him is Rusty Wallace as they hit the corner. Single file. One, two, and three. Marlin's still the leader. We'll see how quickly Wallace can get going here. He dominated early. Ricky Rubbers fourth. Jeff went on the fifth. Harry Gatt on the outside of Dale Earnhardt moving into seventh spot. Marlin gets a good jump on the restart. He's got about a four-car length lead on Bill Elliott as the field dies into turn three. Rusty Wallace is able to take a lower line than Elliott, and he'll try to take away second spot as they go down the main stretch. Try to make that move for second place. Bill Elliott side-by-side side with Wallace. Rusty has the inside. Elliott the outside. Dale Earnhardt trying to pick his way back towards the front and get back on the lead lap. He's in traffic, but the battle for second's a good one. It is Wallace on the inside by a bumper over Elliott. Ricky Rudd right there in fourth. Jeff Bordine joins to make it a four-car battle. Marlin all by himself, unfettered by what's going on behind him. It is Wallace to the low side, and he will take second place away from Bill Elliott. Now Ricky Rudd is going to get on the act as they charge underneath the bridge. Talk about a battle for second spot. They've got four cars locked up in it there as they come out of the corner, and they hang them out, dirt track style. Rusty Wallace right now prevails for the second spot. The battle for third going off into the corner. Ricky Rudd at the bottom of the racetrack. Rudd working well on the low side, goes by Elliott to take over third. Jeff Bodine is right there, too. He pulls up alongside Elliott as they battle for fourth down the back straightaway out of the kink. What's happening here is Bill Elliott's car is not handling like he would like. He cannot take the low line, and everyone is taking advantage of that. Now, Jeff Bodine is doing that, and he takes away fourth spot from Bill Elliott. Meanwhile, Herschel McGriff slows on the back straightaway. The veteran driver here on the West Coast with a problem will update that as soon as he gets to pit road. Jeff Bodine holding off a challenge of Bill Elliott there, running back in fifth spot. Up front, Rusty Wallace trying to track down Sterling Marlin. Marlin gets a little sideways in two, so Wallace closes right up on the rear of the Piedmont car. It is Marlin, then Elliott, then Ricky Rudd. Less than a car length separate Marlin and Wallace. Will Wallace dive low into turn three? He's been doing that all afternoon. Yes, he does it once again. Pulls up alongside Sterling Marlin. Their door handle, the door handle out of four. You give Rusty an inch, boy, he'll take it. He gets underneath him, coming out of the corner, goes for it, punches the throttle, dead heat at the start finish line for the lead as they go back into the turn. It is door to door, right at the bottom of the racetrack. Wallace pulls him by a fender into turn one. Rusty Wallace working very well on the low side. Recaptures the lead. Marlin jumps back at him. They battle. Out on the back stretch. Ricky Wright comes up to make it a three-car dog fight. 
Marlin showing some tough stuff there on the horsepower advantage. He pulls up even against Wallace. He's not going to give any quarter, and they are again side-by-side side through turns three and four, and now Ricky Rudd is pushing his weight. And the problem here, Sterling Marlin got shunted to the outside. That's not the easy way around this racetrack. Rusty Wallace has the lead, and Ricky Rudd saw the opening inside of Sterling Marlin. That's the battle for second in turn one. Rudd down low. Marlin is hung out to dry on the top side as we document it being up high here does not work. The drivers have established that the low line is the quick way around the track this afternoon. Ricky Rudd is on that low line as he gives chase now to Rusty Wallace for the top spot. Jeff Bodine is a close third. Jeff Bodine will scoot underneath and try to take away the third position right now as they come out of corner number four and back into the front straightaway. While all that racing's been going on from second on back, it's allowed Rusty Wallace to pull away by about four car lengths on Ricky Rudd. But Rudd has had the hot hand for the last seven or eight races. It seems like in the latter part of the season that team has really got it together. He has his sights set on the leader as they work to turn three. Yellow flags, cautions, and delays just do not seem to bother Rusty Wallace. He has come from behind all season long. Again, he is back on top. Ricky Rudd is second. Jeff Bodine third. Marlin in fourth. Meanwhile, Dale Earnhardt gets somewhat out of shape as he and Harry Gant work themselves together coming through turns three and four. But those cars straighten themselves out. Others involved there were... Uh, Mark Martin as well, but they all seem to point themselves back in the right direction and continue around. Joe Rutman has taken the Helen Ray special behind the wall for service, and Jim Phillips was in the Herschel McGriff pit when he stopped. Herschel's story, Jim? The left front tire on Herschel McGriff's uh, U.S. Bank Pontiac was down, Eli. And we're on over here with Joe Rutman. Joe, what's pushing behind the wall? Well, uh, coming off the corner, Dale and I, you know, we're just racing hard and uh, Got, we just got it to get moved up just enough and it didn't let me enough room up along the wall and got it at the wall and bounced back into him. Are you going to be able to get back in the race? Uh, the guys are looking at it right now. We don't know uh, exactly what's, uh, what the problem is. It usually hits the bends of ball joints and stuff on the right front, so we just have to wait and see exactly what the problem is. So Joe Rutman sitting in the Helen Ray Special behind the pit wall. 62 laps are on the board. They're about to complete 63 as the leader streaks across the start-finish line. The leader being Rusty Wallace. He's got her hung out and has had since they dropped the green flag this afternoon. If he wins the championship, he's going to earn it because he is run for it. He looks in the rearview mirror, and he's got company closing in just a little bit every lap around. Ricky Rudd, those two have broken away from the rest of the field. Back in third position, Jeff Bonine. And fourth right now, Sterling Marlin has fallen all the way back there. They're heading for three. Behind Sterling Marlin is Dale Earnhardt. It would be safe to say that he is a hot driver. On the restart, he passed two drivers literally pounding the steering wheel with his fist. So Dale Earnhardt is a man with a mission right now. But again, remember, Earnhardt, if you're just joining us, is not on the lead lap as one car smokes heavily in turn three. We're at turn three. Number one automobile, Jim Bound. Jim Bound is smoking through turn four. Oh, the West Coast driver now takes it all the way to the inside of the front straightaway. And now as he crosses the line, lots of smoke begins to billow from behind his machine back into one. Caution is on the speedway because of the problems involving Jim Bound. He's put a lot of liquid on the racetrack all the way down the front straightaway and going off into the turn. And caution is indeed on the speedway. So we may see an afternoon of yellow fever here in the inaugural event, the Checker 500 for the Phoenix International Raceway. Pit stops a moment ago. Let's First, go to Mike Joy. Barney Bill Elliott came in. He hadn't been in since lap 25, so he made a stop with the Coors Ford. We promised we'd update you on Alan Kowicki in the Xerox Ford. That they have a problem with a stuck lug nut on the right rear, and then that was comp uh, compounded uh, by problems uh, with an airline fitting. So Kowicki is back in. They'll have a little time un under this caution to work and try to get that one free and get that tire changed. Bill Schmidt is also in, one of the West Coast drivers at this end of the pit lane. Jim Phillips? Jenny Schrader has the Folgers Coffee Chevrolet in on this end of pit road. Also, Ernie Irvin. The hood goes up on the 
88 car of uh, Greg Sachs. They've had some problems the last two. We're going to check that out for you in just a moment. But Greg Sachs is having problems up with the engine R. They're adjusting weight on the right front of that car. A lot of these cars getting loose early. Well, we're seeing a lot of adjusting going on on the chassis on these cars because as we were talking about here in the tower a little bit earlier this afternoon, an awful lot of them have really missed the setup as far as getting that car to work and doing side-by-side racing, getting in and through the corners. But they'll continue to work and get them dialed in, and we may see some three wide before the day is over. We're still early. It's lap 67 of 312 laps that make up the distance. We just saw Greg Saxon repeatedly for pit stops. Jim Phillips? And we've got Joey Knuckles, crew chief for Greg Sachs. You brought the Red Baron pizza in again. What's, what's wrong with the car? Well, when they had that wreck a while ago, Greg got into it a little bit, and it busted one of our brake lines, so we've been in here making repairs on it, but we've got it fixed 100% now. We're, we're going to go back to racing. Had an unusual thing happen earlier in the race. His window net came down. He got in the side of somebody over there, and uh, luckily we caught the caution just right. And we put her back up and grabbed a hold of him, and he's going to get up there and play with him now. So Joey Knuckles has the Red Baron pizza fixed, and he's ready to go back up to the front. Well, there isn't an inch of space around this racetrack. Every seat in the house has been sold out. The unreserved sections filled up before 10 o'clock this morning. Traffic was backed up for several miles getting into the racetrack. All the beautiful mountains that surround this racetrack are totally just looks like everybody having a picnic out there. Let's go to pit road. Barney, uh, down toward turn number one. Trevor Boys is in uh, to make this stop under the caution. Alan Kowicki came in. They did get that problem solved with the right rear wheel, got it off, and got a fresh tire on there. Dale Earnhardt came in under this caution to put four fresh tires on the Goodrent Chevrolet, and that's not a bad move. If he is indeed a lap down, he'll be able to get to move up along the inside and start up near the front end of the field anyway, and having fresh tires on to do that will help him try to get his lap back. So that's the story. As we continue to work under caution, there was a good bit of oil and fluid put down on the racetrack by Jim Bound, whose car obviously is behind the wall at this point. So the NASCAR inspectors making sure they get all of the speedy try on the racetrack that they need, and because they're putting down a good bit of it, they're running back around through it, scattering that speedy dry just a little bit more. Rusty Wallace has really hung it out here this afternoon along with about 10 or 15 of them up at the front of the pack seeing some good racing for the fans here in Arizona for the first time for a regular scheduled Winston Cup event. And Wallace is still at the head of the class. Ricky Rudd rides second. Jeff Bodine is third. Sterling Marlin is fourth. Then Terry Labonte round out the top five. Harry Gant is sixth. Mark Martin is seventh. Lake Speed is eighth. Kyle Petty being posted ninth. Mike Alexander is back to round out the top ten. And watching Wallace run with just two races left, he is running for, as we said, one of the most prestigious titles in motorsports in the world, the Winston Cup Championship. You would think he would try to be a little bit conservative or, well, I don't know what the word is to, to watch a driver, but you would, the way he is, it's just like, who was it said, damn the torpedoes full, full speed, speed ahead. ahead. That's been yep. his philosophy for the second half of the season. I talked with his crew chief, Barry Dodson, about that, and I said, do you ever try to tell Rusty how to drive once the race starts, or does he just have his own head and do what he wants. He does most of the time. I help him sometimes. Uh, long races like uh, Dover, when you see him getting a little too aggressive, we woe him down a little bit. He asked me to do that about a month ago. He said, help me like you did when we first started. You know, if I need to slow down or if I need to do this or that, let me know and help me out. But all in all, he does a fine job just, just being Rusty Wallace. Well, he's being Rusty Wallace right now, and he's running the wheels off that thing. And as we said, if he wins the championship, he's going to make one of the biggest come-from-behind efforts that I've ever seen. And by the way, that was Admiral Dewey. 
Right. According to our engineer, Harry Howard, who is our traveling uh, military historian, etc. He et also is a torpedo expert. <laughs> there you go. One other fellow who's out here, we've mentioned his name in passing in some of the rundowns as the field gets the one-to-go signal from Harold Kinder. Johnny Rutherford is in the field. He's driving the slender U-car. Of course, Johnny, who was very quick to point out that he has run more laps on this racetrack than most any other driver with so many IndyCar events under his belt. But I was wondering whether he might be looking towards Winston Cup racing for 1989. Well, I'm, I'm working on that. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about it. It's something that I would like to do, I think, because it's very competitive and uh, it's all oval track racing with the exception of uh, uh, the Glen. And, and uh, so I, it's, you know, I'm, I'm looking at it. It's, it's a very competitive type of racing. And if I could get hooked up with the right situation, I would uh, most certainly take a long, hard look at it. Lone Star JR is 25th right now, still running on the lead lappers. We're about set to go back to green. The True Value Hard Charger Award battle at 50 laps. We are now at lap 70, but at the 50-lap mark, Rusty Wallace was leading that battle over Ricky Rudd, Jeff Bodine, Bill Elliott, and Harry Gant. If you're not familiar with that, the drivers who are running in positions 1 through 5 on each and every lap of these Winston Cup races get points towards the season-ending True Value Hard Charger Award. Again, Jim Graham steps on the button. He pulls the safety car away from the field. Right now, that front row, Rusty Wallace, the race leader, and alongside him, Dale Earnhardt, who is trying to get back on the lead lap. They come out from underneath the Goodyear Bridge. We're set to go. Earnhardt trying to get his lap back as they've dropped the green, come out of turn number four. Harold Kinder waves the flag, and that's just like a red flag and a bull for Earnhardt. Here he goes after Wallace down in turn number one. Now, these two drivers will race each other as hard as anybody in the business. They're door-to-door. Earnhardt may get his lap back. Earnhardt is on the inside. He has gotten by Wallace, but Wallace comes right back at him to the inside. Run is second. Bodine is third. Earnhardt out of the kink. Still has a slight edge over Rusty Wallace, but again, Rusty will take that low line, and he's been doing that so well all day. Door handle to door handle, side by side. They touch briefly in four. Touch again. They're trading fenders. They're banging all over the place through four, and they're going down the main stretch the same way. It's as though a judge has walked into the speedway because all the fans have just stood as one. Rusty Wallace, the race lead, trying to hold off Earnhardt, who wants back on the lead lap. Earnhardt on the top side is backed by Wallace. Wallace slips a little. Here comes Run up on the inside to challenge for the race lead. Ricky Rudd and Wallace are door-to-door. Something may have happened on the Wallace automobile. Him and Earnhardt were really doing some body slamming through three and four. Earnhardt now has got back on the same lap, about five car length between him and first spot, Ricky Rudd. And Wallace has dropped back right now as Rudd moves up into the number one position. Rudd is the leader. They bring him back down the front straightaway. Wallace rides second. Third is Jeff Bodine. Fourth right now, Sterling Marlin. And fifth, as they work back into the corner, is Terry Labonte. Earnhardt has got his lap back. Rudd riding comfortably now. Two cars in front of Wallace. Then Bodine, Marlin, and Terry while he may be on the same lap, does he have enough to get around this field that is really flying? Ricky Rudd in the top spot, Wallace a close second. Here is Jeff Bodine in third, Sterling Marlin in the fourth slot. Back at 12th position, Darrell Waltrip and Harry Gant. That's a good battle as Darrell tries to make the inside groove work. This is again back for 12th spot as the leaders work uncontested. Harry Gant holding off Darrell Waltrip, but there's a good battle behind those two cars. Gant and Waltrip, Richard Petty is alongside Joe Parsons. They've been together for several last two. Parsons on the inside. That's the battle for 12th 
field. Charges out of the kink. It is still Ricky Rudd in the top spot. Wallace able to close up again in turn three. He's really got the car hooked up. The Kodiak Pontiac handling real well here in the Checker 500. They'll put 75 laps in the record book when they cross the start-finish line this time with Dale Earnhardt back on the tail end of the lead lap. Ricky Rudd is the leader in the Checker 500. One thing that is very similar here to what we saw at the first race of the brand-new racetrack in Richmond, Virginia, the Richmond International Raceway. There, the drivers were concerned before the race began that it might just be a one-groove racetrack. There'd be very little passing, and they didn't know exactly how much they'd be able to flex the muscles on their car. But Dan Hubbard, particularly up in front of you there in turns three and four, we're starting to see some three-wide racing, which you didn't see as recently as uh, 30 or 40 laps ago. There's no question. The drivers now are starting to dial in the handling, and they are getting two and three-wide through turns three and four. An interesting situation that we'll bear watching here right now. Remember a few weeks ago at the North Wilkesboro Speedway, Ricky Rudd and Dale Earnhardt had some problems up there. Have a little unnecessary rough driving is the way NASCAR put it. Right now, Rudd is closing in on Dale Earnhardt, and that will be to put him a lap down again. He, he got back on the tail end of the lead lap just a moment ago. Let's see how much racing room they give each other. Once they get that close, they're back in three. Earnhardt needs a yellow flag in the worst way so he can catch up with the pack. Rudd is not going to give him any breathing room. He's got about two car lengths before he passes Dale. At the same time, Rusty Wallace beginning to close in in his Kodiak Pontiac. He's within eight or nine car lengths now of the leader, Ricky Rudd. Then the lap car of Johnny Rutherford before you find Jeff Bodine and then Sterling Marlin. It is Wallace trying to catch up to Rudd as they work out of turn two. Jeff Bodine has no room to get by Johnny Rutherford. Now he gets the low line working up by Rutherford into the cake. Once again, now out of the kink. The kink is a slight right-hand bend before they set up for the left-hand turn three. And Rudd now right on the back bumper of Dale Earnhardt. Ricky's car may be working a little bit better than Dale Earnhardt, but he's not getting all that close other than a half a car length. Take that back. Here he goes after him down in turn number one. And this is to put him a lap down. Earnhardt sees him coming and moves it right down to the bottom of the racetrack and squeezes him back in there. Rudd again tries to get under him out of turn number two. There's no room there as Earnhardt pulls away by half a car length. But this battle is far from being over. We have seen this everywhere on the NASCAR circuit. Dale Earnhardt will drive the wheels off of any car, handling or not, and it is sheer will that is keeping him on the same lap right now with the leaders. At the same time, Sterling Marlin running a strong fourth. He has begun to close in on third place. Jeff Bodine, both of those men having gotten around Johnny Rutherford, but Rusty Wallace and Ricky Rudd, they're running near the point. They want to put Dale Earnhardt a lap down. They are working on him, but Earnhardt refuses to give in. Earnhardt using up a lot of racetrack, dropping down low, moving back up high. He's got Rudd covered out on the back stretch now. Dale Earnhardt is a fighter. He brings that black car, that Chevrolet automobile, to the low side now through turns three and four. Hasn't been doing that the last couple of laps. He's trying every line he can to stay in front of Rudd. Meanwhile, Bill Elliott is mired back there in traffic at about 17th or 18th position as he is trying to get a little closer to the front of the pack. That battle again between Ricky Rudd and Dale Earnhardt heats up down in turn number one as Rusty Wallace says, hey, let's make this a three-way deal as they get out of turn number two and down the back chute. Here goes Rudd. He's got a fender alongside of the middle of the back stretch. And Ricky Rudd take the low line away from Dale Earnhardt. No, Rudd goes a little high this time, content to just uh, ride behind Dale Earnhardt. That gives Wallace the low line, and Wallace will draw up alongside Ricky Rudd. Meanwhile, Bill Elliott, he's 21st in line, working hard to get around race traffic. He's closed in on Alan Kulwicki. At the point, though, with Dale Earnhardt running as the lead man on the tail end of the lead lap, Wallace wants to grab the lead from Ricky Rudd. Wallace down low. Rudd slips up a little higher, but Wallace doesn't have it up. It's still Ricky Rudd in front of Wallace. They're behind Earnhardt on the backstretch. All Ricky Rudd was concerned with was Dale Earnhardt. Wasn't able to get around him. Now he's got to be concerned with Rusty Wallace, who's right behind. Rusty dives low into turn three, snicks up behind Ricky Rudd. 
inside. Those top three cars with Dale Earnhardt in front go down the main stretch. They hit the front straightaway. They tuck in single file this time as lap number 87 goes up on the scoreboard here at Phoenix this afternoon of the Checker 500. The third place car continues to be Jeff Bodine riding along in fourth position right now. That's Sterling Marlin. Fifth is Terry Labonte. Sixth is Harry Gann. And Gant still doesn't quite have that car dialed in, but nevertheless doing a great job of keeping it up in the front of the pack, currently running in sixth position. Mark Martin would be seventh. Lake Speed, eighth. Kyle Petty rounds out ninth. And Mike Alexander showing up in the top ten. Out of turn number four and back into the straightaway. Rudd not about to give it up, and the fans come to their feet again as they get exactly door-to-door working into turn number one. Now, this is not a battle for the lead. It's a battle for Ricky Rudd to put Dale Earnhardt back a lap down as they head for turn two. Rudd to the inside. He's got past Earnhardt. He's halfway by him, and he's all the way by him. So Earnhardt is off the lead lap at the moment. A very delicate situation now in turn four. There, again, is a course condition because the drivers are tiptoeing very delicately around four. Earnhardt on the high side. Rudd on the low side. Will the car stick? Yes, it does this time around. It sticks to Ricky Rudd, but not for Dale Earnhardt. Earnhardt went a little bit wide in the corner. It opens the inside for Rudd. It allows Rusty Wallace to close back in within a car length, but Earnhardt, give him credit, he battles back on the front straightaway, and it's again side by side into turn number one. They come off the corner, and still Ricky Rudd inside of Earnhardt trying to put Dale a lap down. Dale Earnhardt, all kinds of heart for a race driver. You know, he's not battling for the lead. He's just trying to stay on the lap, and he's giving Ricky Rudd everything he can handle. Again, side by side, through turns three and four, give Rudd the edge by half a car length. A lot at stake for all three of those drivers up front. Rudd needs another win here before the season is out as he works back to the line. Earnhardt misses him by inches this time as he tries to get around him there. Going back into the corner, has to tuck in single file, and Dale Earnhardt has gone a lap down. So Ricky Rudd is out front all by himself. Well, not literally by himself, because there's two cars behind him. Earnhardt is the lap car right now, and then behind him, the second place car rides Rusty Wallace. They're back in three. Out of the kink and into three. Rusty Wallace has got the best seat in the house for this show. He tucks up right behind Dale Earnhardt, and he'll be the next in line to put him a lap down. The Winston West champion, Roy Smith, he's just been black flagged by Harold Kinder. Something with the sheet metal seems to be flapping on the front end of his automobile. He'll be coming in for a a bit of work on the pit lane, but the black flag is out for him. 91 laps are complete. 312 make up the total distance here for the Checker 500. That's 500 kilometers, 312 laps on this one-mile racetrack. Let's give you a bit of a rundown. Behind Ricky Rudd, Rusty Wallace is second, Jeff Bodine third, fourth is Sterling Marlin now, and fifth Terry Labotti. Sixth belongs to Mike Alexander. Seventh is Lake Speed. Eighth, Mark Martin. Kyle Petty, ninth, and tenth is Harry Gant. Phil Parsons runs eleventh. Twelfth is Darrell Waltrip. Thirteenth now, Bobby Hillen Jr. Fourteenth is Richard Petty. Fifteenth, Benny Parsons, and 16th now is Jim Sauter. 17th, Davey Allison. Dale Jarrett is 18th. 19th, Alan Kulwicki and Bill Elliott still running back in 20th. He can't get free of that race traffic. 21st is the Michael Waltrip car. Next in line would be Kenny Schrader. Then 23rd is Rick Wilson. 24th, Neil Bonnet. 25th is Greg Sachs. We'll take you all the way back. 26th was Roy Smith before that unscheduled pit stop of moments ago. 27th was Kenny Bouchard. Jimmy Means was 28th. 29th belonged to Chad Little. And 30th was the Bill Schmidt car. Dave Marcus, 31st. 32nd was Ernie Irvin. And 33rd was Trevor Boys. 34th was Dale Earnhardt, who has now gone a lap down. So all those cars, positions 1 through 33, on the lead lap here at the Chucker 500 here in Phoenix, Arizona. The battle on the racetrack now is for fourth place as Terry Labonte works inside of Sterling Marlin into turn 3. Labonte dives low. He will take that fourth spot away from Marlin as they go towards the strike. 
down to the bottom of the racetrack. That car is beginning to get a little bit more hooked up also, talking about Terry Labonte's Budweiser machine, and it looks like the handle has gone away just a little bit on the Piedmont Airlines car right now, Sterling Marlin, so they'll swap positions with 100 laps coming up next time by for the leader, Ricky Rudd. Now talk about having it all together here this afternoon. Rudd has. He's caught some lap traffic, and he's some of them are running door-to-door through both ends of this racetrack, so let's see if he can just thread his way on through. As good as that car is working, he should be able to. Here he is in the front straightaway right behind Kenny Bouchard and Brad Nofsinger down in turn number one. Has to get out of the throttle just a minute. That'll allow Rusty Wallace to close in a little bit closer to a couple of car lengths more. As they work out of turn number two, he's still in heavy traffic, heading for three. But down at the back stretch through the kink, the right left-hand bend. You've got to be real careful here through turn four. The handling is going away on so many cars. The inside driver, the driver's got the inside line, is literally leaning on the outside driver. A lot of paint being traded here this afternoon. The leader's going around Roy Smith. He is the Winston West champion who had that unscheduled pit stop. He is now two laps down. Ricky Rudd continues to lead. We pause 10 seconds on the Motor Racing Network for station identification. We welcome you back to the Phoenix International Raceway Motor Racing Network. Live coverage of the Checker 500, the next to the last Winston Cup Series event of the 1988 season. Alongside Barney Hall, I'm Eli Gold. Rick Benjamin, Dan Hubbard, Mike Joy, and Jim Phillips bringing you the action. Our engineers, Harry Howard and Clay Stalka. And Mike Joy is right now in the pit area of the race leader, Ricky Rudd. Well, they're all breathing here once again. Uh, they had uh, there with Larry McReynolds as he watches Ricky get around this racetrack. They're just out distancing the field by a pretty good bit here. He's on the horn with Ricky right this minute. But they weren't breathing too much when he was trying to lap past Dale Earnhardt. Of course, uh, Ricky's car is some $6,000 lighter than Earnhardt's after that incident up at North Wilkesboro. And uh, Larry, give a lap time here. I see you're starting to breathe again. You look like you're holding your breath for about five laps there as he and Dale were working at it. Well, yeah, the biggest thing here, the way they got the pace car is... We need to pit as soon as this yellow comes out, but if we, we we got Dale down a lap, then we got the fact of giving him his lap back. So I was glad to see us and Rusty clear him. That way it gives us the opportunity to pit as soon as the caution comes out. They're pretty calm right here because they know that for now, Barney, they have really got it hooked up. They're working probably better than any car on the racetrack. And that's not to say everybody else didn't do their homework. It was just kind of an educated guess as to the setup, the gear combination, and everything else you put in the car here. They didn't get all that much practice, although most of the teams felt they had the right combination when the race started, but obviously they did not once they put them under green. The leader is Ricky Rudd. He has an advantage of 1.13 seconds right now. That translates to about 25 or 30 car lengths, Rusty Wallace being the second-place car. It's a ways back right now to the third-place car as they continue to drop back. Jeff Bonine losing a lot of ground. He's a full straightaway behind the leader. He's going to be a little in danger here in a moment as Terry Labonte closes in out of turn number four and gets up there within a couple of car lengths of catching Jeff Bonine, who started on the pole but found himself going through the pack very quickly toward the tail end of the field right now. That car not getting through the turns exactly like they'd like either. While behind them, good run for Mike Alexander, currently being posted in fifth position as the battle for lead heads back to turn three. He really was keeping Rusty Wallace in the hunt right now. He's a little tail happy here in turn four, so the handling isn't perfect. And really what's keeping him in the hunt for the lead is the slower traffic that Ricky Rudd has to contend with. Ricky now going
going to the inside of Johnny Rutherford, closing in on Dave Marcus's Lifeboy car, bypassing him easily enough. 106 laps are on the board, 312 make up the distance. Richard Petty, Dan, is really using every inch of real estate, I guess, wherever you run, and Richard knows his way around this racetrack. He's won three times here in Winston West competition, but in front of you in three and four, he's all the way out to the wall. No question. We're accustomed to seeing Petty take the high line, but here you really don't want to do that, and Petty is sliding closer and closer to that wall each lap. Richard still having a good run. He'd been posted running 14th about 10 laps ago. He's still up in the top 15 here this afternoon and getting around the racetrack pretty well. The leader continues to be Ricky Rudd having a field day here in the early going this afternoon, but this is an awful lot of racing left to keep it going all day long. That's no easy task. Most of the drivers at this point in the Winston Cup season with two races left are pretty happy that the season is about to wind down. They usually get tired. They've been on the road so much, run so many races, and most of them are pretty glad the season is over. But Ricky Rudd told me yesterday that as good as they have been running in the last six or eight races, he kind of hates to see the year end. Well, we really do, Barney. This Quaker State Buick has really been coming on. It's been running up front, and uh, we, we hate to see the winter come on because the car has been progressively getting better each week. And, uh, you know, the winter time will come, and hopefully that won't change our momentum, but you know, I couldn't be more pleased the way these cars have been running. And, uh, so we really, like I said, we hate to see it end. And a lot of the teams are kind of worried about them next year because, if anything, they won't be weaker. They'll be stronger with the addition of Lou LaRosa and some other people and plus the year under their belt right now. And they've kind of been able to communicate and get the things that they need to get going for them. Everything seems to be in their corner. They'll be tough in 89. They've got Bob Riley as a team engineer, and ever since Watkins Glen and that victory, you could see the team turn around. And, of course, as you mentioned, Lou LaRosa, unscheduled pit stop for Jimmy Means. He brings the Eureka vacuum cleaner's car onto the pit lane. The man on the move now, very quietly, has been Bill Elliott all of a sudden in the last handful of laps. He finally picked his way through that race traffic we told you about earlier. He's now up into 13th position, and we are just, what, 203 laps away from conclusion. There's still plenty of racing time here, and all of a sudden, Bill Elliott's got that car dialed in better in the corners now than he has seemingly much of this afternoon. 110 laps now on the board on this one-mile racetrack here at Phoenix International Raceway. 26 cars remaining on the lead lap. The last man on the lead lap, who now, as a matter of fact, goes a lap down is Chad Little. And Barney, he was smiling, but right behind Chad Little, now we see a three-wide battle as those cars come off the corner. Rusty Wallace and Greg Sachs battling as they work off the turn. Sachs all of a sudden having caught fire and running well, battling Rusty Wallace, trying not to lose any positions there. Let's go down to pit road. Since Jimmy Means' stop was unscheduled, I thought I'd take a look at the tires that came off his car. The right front has acquired quite a buildup of rubber. It probably got out of balance that way, but uh, the cars now, as they start to move up, as the racetrack at the bottom starts to get a little slick, uh, since everybody has been trying to run the bottom, the rubber moves up the racetrack that sits there that wears off these cars. And if you get a little too high up, way up out of the groove, you'll pick up some of that on the tires, and you get a real bad vibration. Apparently, that's what's happened to Jimmy Means. Well, we're down here. I want to mention that Scott Houston is out here. Uh, he was crewing Mark Alexander's car yesterday, and he's changing tires for Mike Waltrip today. I asked him, he said his dad didn't banish him to the West Coast after last week's race at Martinsville that you hear, heard here on MRN, but he did say that Tommy Houston, after leading 198 laps of that Bush Grand National race, the tank was completely dry. There was not a drop left in it. They just didn't get the fuel mileage they anticipated, but he says he is welcome back home next week. Well, they took their best gamble up there, and Tommy, uh, that as Harry Gant was talking to me about the same thing. He and Tommy have been good friends for a lot of years. He said, I know what he's going through because we've lost a few that way, and those kind of live with you for a long, long time. Great third-place battle here at the start-finish line. Terry Labonte trying to grab third place away from Jeff Bodine. They're in traffic 
traffic in turn one. Bodine still holding on, but Labonte and Mike Alexander have been closing for laps. They're nose to tail, one, two, three. Bodine, Labonte, and Alexander. They were leaning on each other last lap. I mean, really leaning on each other. These drivers really got to trust each other through three and four. Give the edge to Labonte. He's got about a car length lead. No, Bodine passes Labonte. Mike Alexander right behind. So they'll tuck in single file here in the front straightaway. 116 laps are on the board here from Phoenix International Raceway. This is MRN, Motor Racing Network. Whatever you drive, wherever you go, Hercules tires will get you there. Whether you're running on dirt or running a job. Our dependable, high-quality tires are the perfect fit for your needs. For unmatched value, selection, and warranty with industry-leading road hazard protection, there's only one choice, Hercules Tires. To learn more, visit HerculesTire.com or call 800-677-9535. Hercules Tires, right on our strength. A new season is right around the corner, and NASCAR Today takes you along for the ride. It won't be a, a huge change, but I'm looking forward to it. To be able to drive for Roger Penske on the cup side has been something I've always wanted to do. Nobody covers the sport like the Motor Racing Network, and NASCAR Today keeps you up front. Go race and try to go for wins and keep developing our equipment and making sure our stuff's good for the kids that are coming up. Get set for the green flag on the 2018 season with NASCAR Today right here every weekday. We are here at Phoenix International Raceway as Motor Racing Network brings you the Chucker 500. One of the stories right now is the ride that Mike Alexander is giving his car, but behind him, with Alexander up to third, is a great battle for fourth. Labonte and Jeff Bodine in turn three. Let's check into that battle. It is Bodine on the high side, Labonte on the low side. Mike Alexander just in front handling so well. Give the edge to Labonte, though, for fourth. They're door handle, door handle down the main stretch. They're inches apart out of turn number four as they work back to the start-finish line. Labonte at the inside, Jeff Bodine on the outside, still racing side by side into the corner and they'll stay that way through the middle of turns one and two. We've been watching Bodine go higher and higher as the laps are going down. He's back behind Labonte now, so Labonte is fourth, Bodine is fifth. While the handling here is treacherous right now through three and four, the drivers are really tiptoeing through this portion of the course. They're still able to get too wide here, and that's very, very talented driving indeed. Labonte now just in front of Jeff Bodine. And Sterling Marlin is on pit road. Well, this would be a scheduled pit stop for the teams that have not pitted since the lap 43 caution, including Marlin. He is away with two tires on the right side, and they took out about three rounds of wedge from the right rear. But two tires, and he's gone. He will lose a lap, Barney. Sterling Marlin will go down one lap. The attrition rate has not been all that high here this afternoon in the Checker 500 from Phoenix International Raceway. We're not quite halfway through it yet. 120 laps are on the board. 372 will make up the distance this afternoon. And we're showing the first car out this afternoon. One of the top cars would have been Brett Bodine in the Bud Moore machine. And apparently they lost an engine and he is through for the day. A couple of other cars had trouble and gone back onto the racetrack. Joe Rutman and Eddie Beerswall are still running. Gary Collins uh, was out for a while. He's gone back onto the racetrack and Jim Bound is out. Those are the, the only cars that we're showing behind the pit wall. Go ahead. Barney, it's interesting. Uh, most of these green flag pit stops early on, representatives of other teams will come and they'll take a look at tire wear. But since this is the first time we've had an extended run under green, other teams are coming along to try to get a look at the heft of the second gas can that came out of Sterling's car and maybe get a better guess at what their fuel mileage might be. I expect most of the teams to go about 85, maybe even 90 laps. And some of them are getting ready for green flag pit stops right now, including the Rusty Wallace team. 
Right now, the big story also is Mike Alexander. As we had mentioned, that car is now running up into a strong third-place spot. And Mike brought out a good point. Alexander did. He said this is a new racetrack for the for him and with the Stavola brothers team. He said, but that's the way it's been all season long. We'll get his comments in a moment as the leaders now are on pit road. Both Ricky Rudd and Rusty Wallace down to Mike. Well, as we said, these are scheduled stops. The Kodiak crew led by Barry Dodson going to put right side tires on for Wallace, though he has stopped well away from the wall should they elect a four-tire chain. No question on Ricky Rudd's strategy. Two tires only. Right side Goodyear's going on the Quaker State Buick. It'll be two tires for Wallace also, and Rusty is away quicker. Boy, they have done some fancy pit work all season long as they drop the jack and Ricky Rudd's team drop him and go back out of the racetrack, but he'll come out behind Rusty Wallace. This will move Mike Alexander up into the lead at lap 123. Terry Levani will move to second. Alan Kowicki should be running up there in the top three right now along with Jeff Bodine, and we'll see some other stops coming up here in just a moment. Again, Mike Alexander said that everything has been new for their team together this year, and that's why Phoenix is really just another of the new racetracks. We're going to take an All-American Challenge car that we had in Anderson, South Carolina, a couple of months ago. We're taking it out there just so we can get more track time uh, for next Sunday's race. I was going to ask you that. How long before you get what you'd consider really comfortable, assuming you can get you know, the Miller car dialed in, how long before a driver who's never been on a track is really comfortable there? Well, it's been it's been somewhat like that all year for me. You know, when I stepped in for Bobby, some of these racetracks I hadn't been to in, in five and six years, but they make me feel comfortable, and they make me feel like whatever I want to change, we can, and, and Jimmy Finnick and Keith Allman and the whole crew get together, and and that's what we work to do is make the car comfortable but where you can run 500 miles it's the same attitude bobby allison had about it and i think that's the same that we're going to have in phoenix one of the interesting note guys like davy allison sterling marlin mike alexander all said that this racetrack reminds them of the birmingham international raceway where alexander has run so very well and turns three and four are a carbon copy he said if anybody is going to do well surprisingly here in phoenix it could be one of those fellows who knows that racetrack or ran well at the old richmond fairgrounds we're seeing some more pit stops let's go to jim phillips harry gant had the skull banded in a couple laps ago right side tires for harry gant the tires he took off the car looked good. No excessive tire wire on the skull vented at all. Also, Benny Parsons is in for right side tires on the bullseye barbecue car. And we're waiting on Mike Alexander to come down pit road. Good third and fourth place battle now as Jeff Bodine and Harry Gant are in traffic in turn one. And it's indeed a good battle. Gant has opened up about four car lengths on Jeff Bodine. Bodine's handling's been slipping back, you can tell. They're about five car lengths apart now down the back stretch. They are, and they'll hold that advantage. Gant dives low, going underneath a back marker. Bodine about four car lengths back as they charge underneath the bridge. And the cars that have been on pit road and put on new rubber, you can really tell a difference when they're catching the cars that are still out there on the older tires. They're just able to drive by them when they catch them here. 127 laps are on the board. Here's Jeff Bodine making his scheduled pit stop. Let's go to Mike Joy. Right, Barney, uh, this is a scheduled stop, and he'll be in for two tires on the right side and a tank of gas as well. Uh, they had scheduled this stop to come, uh, well, perhaps as early as five laps ago, but looking at the fuel mileage everyone else was getting, and this is one of the cars that leads in that department, they try to leave him out just a little bit longer. So this will kind of jumble up the field a bit as Bodine gets his two tires on the right side. The ones coming off look good, and he's away. Richard Petty is on pit road, and there's been a little smoke coming off the car. Part of it was tire smoke, and part of it may not be, as we're seeing it right now. The smoke coming out from under the car while he's sitting on pit road. Phil Parsons is in. Mike Alexander is making his stop. Let's go to Jim Phillips. It's going to be right side tires for Mike Alexander and a tank of Union 76 gasoline. And a good stop for this Miller Buick team, and they're away. Also, Phil Parsons at the Skull Crown 
Oscoville is on pit road for right side tires and gasoline. Richard Petty leaves as Michael Waltrip comes onto the pit lane. Back to Mike Joy. Mike Waltrip in with the Country Time Lemonade Pontiac. Chuck Ryder telling us this morning they're all set for next year and shortly will announce a new associate sponsor. Also may put together a Bush Grand National deal for Mike for 1989. He gets his right side Goodyear's and fuel and he's away. Jim Sauter and Mark Martin coming in next lap. 130 laps are complete here in the Checker 500 from Phoenix International Raceway. Quite a few of the front runners have made pit stops in the last five or ten laps and that's going to jumble up the running order. That smoke that we we're talking about a moment ago on Richard Petty's car. Usually you'll watch Richard. He'll really hang it out in the corners and the, it'll be tire smoke. And there is still some tire smoke in the, each end of the racetrack, but the smoke also is coming out from under the car from another source along with that. So there may be some kind of a problem on Petty's car. We're talking about Richard, not Kyle. And he's had a pretty good run. He's been up in the top 15 most of the afternoon and now the smoke intensifies a bit. Let's go to pit road. Barney, I'm with Ken Wilson, the engine builder for Richard. Kenny, they're talking about a little bit of smoke from the car. Richard said anything? No, he hasn't said anything. NASCAR... They're, war they're watching and warning us about it. We just made a pit stop there, and it's got a little bit of oil, so it's got, you know, a little bit of oil leak somewhere. It's probably right near a header why it looks so bad. Okay, but they're hoping it's nothing serious. And we may try to get a word also from Bill Elliott's pits because Elliott's car right now is really out to lunch, so to speak. That's not knocking the crew or anybody else. He, they have just missed the handle, and he is really having the most trouble we've seen him have all season long getting through the turns at any racetrack here this afternoon. We'll track that down a little bit further when we come back. 134 laps are complete with Alan Kulwicki setting the pace right now. Well, the black flag was out for Richard Petty. He's on pit road. That was more than just a little inconsequential leak. They are, with the engine running, especially with a fan running on these cars, sometimes it's tough to tell the source of what could be a small oil leak. It looks as if it could be the right side rocker cover leaking oil out, and of course right below that is the headers. So when that oil hits the headers, it'll start to smoke. And that is causing, apparently, the problem. That's where Ken Wilson is directing his attention right now. Darrell Walter makes a pit stop, a scheduled one under the green here at lap 137 for right side tires. And Jim Phillips, Terry Labonte was just in. Yes, Terry Labonte into right side tires and gasoline on the Budweiser Chevrolet. Also, Kenny Bouchard is leading that rookie battle. Is input pit road for service at this time. It's going to be right side tires for Bouchard. Still a lot of cars out there looking for the right handling combination. As we talked about, Bill Elliott is one of those. He's not been running that bad, but when he gets to the corners, the car just simply washes up in the middle of the turn, and that will cost him anywhere from a couple of tenths of a second. And after about 10 or 20 laps, you find yourself way back in the pack. Here he comes out of turn number four, Elliott right now, and he's just not really getting the bite in the turns that he needs, and it's costing him a lot of ground here, and he can't afford to give up any points. If he finishes about 20th or 21st, somewhere back there, and Wallace finishes up in the top three or four, talk about a battle at Atlanta for the Winston Cup championship, it will be a dandy. It'll be remarkable and the man who had the lead now relinquishes it as Alan Kulwicki is on pit road. Kulwicki coming in and for him this would be this would be on schedule. I have a last in at lap number 85 so if he follows pattern down toward the end of pit road, he'll get right side tires as well. Under Richard Petty's pit there is a little bit of a puddle of oil underneath the hood and also a little water out the overflow tank, but now after removing the left front wheel to try to look underneath the wheel well and isolate the trouble further, they're going to button it up and try to send Richard back out. Kenny Schrader makes his routine stop and goes back onto the racetrack. Herschel McGriff, a long stop for one of the top West Coast 
most drivers right now. There are four tire chains on his car. Drop the jack and send him back onto the speedway at lap 139. If you're just joining us, we have had five caution flags. However, none since lap number 64. The first came out with an engine problem for Brett Bodine's Crisco car. Then a couple of cars getting together up in turns one and two. Derek Cope and Jimmy Means were involved there for the second caution. Gary Collins, one of the West Coast drivers, tagged the front straightaway wall here on lap 43 for caution number three. Then Dale Earnhardt and Joe Rutman got together in lap number 49 for the fourth caution. Then Jim Bound blows on lap number 64. And problems on the back straightaway for Neil Bonnet, Dan Hubbard. There he is. He is slowing way down. He is on the low line. He is really, really slowing down. He's probably going to try and limp it back to the pits. He may be out of gas. He's due for a stop. So Neil Bonnet, who was one of the very first drivers to ever run here back in the fall of 1977, one of the first Winston Cup drivers, he and Cale Yarborough drove a couple of Jim Stacy cars out here in a Winston West event. Here comes Neil on the Valvoline Pontiac, the Raymock efforts. He comes off turn number four at maybe 15 miles an hour, just limping it on around the racetrack as we are showing now nine cars on the lead lap in the midst of these green flag pit stops. Bonnet could be out of fuel. There's no power on the car. Does not appear to be as he coasts into his pits. The Raymock team jump over the wall, get ready to go to work on it. Let's go to Jim Phillips. It's going to be right side or left side tires this time. In fact, we're going to change all four tires this time, Barney. On the Maveline Pontiac, I asked one of the guys if he ran out of gas. He didn't have time to tell me, but I think that was a problem. He's just out of gas. They're also making a chassis adjustment on the Maveline Pontiac. And Richard Petty is back on the pit lane as well, although this time he goes right by his pit stall, and he'll be taking it back behind the wall. Tough break for Richard Petty. And Eli, Bill Elliott has made a pit stop uh, at lap 141. The curved front straightaway here wouldn't allow us to see down to see if they put on two or four, but it would be just a little early for a scheduled stop for Elliott, and uh, let's hope they made some improvement in that car. Well, he didn't have much of a choice about pitting that thing as bad as they were running. They almost had to come in and do something. Neil Bonnet's car will not fire. The pit crew pushes it about 75 to 100 feet down pit road. It finally comes to life, and Bonnet goes back on the speedway. Let's go to pit road. I talked to Butch Walk, Neil Bonnet's crew chief, and he did stretch the gasoline mileage too far. He indeed was out of gas. So Neil Bonnet gets a costly pit stop here. It's going to cost him at least a lap or so. 144 go up on the scoreboard in the Checker 500 this afternoon. As the scoreboard is being updated, they're now posting Rusty Wallace back in the lead after this round of pit stops for just about all the front runners. Ricky Rudd would be right back up in the number two position. Bill Elliott had been running third before he made the pit stop, so he's going to drop a little bit back in the running order. The differential between Rusty Wallace and Ricky Rudd is now just about a second, although Rusty has three, six, eight cars directly ahead of him, so that's going to allow Ricky Rudd to close in, no doubt here. As we near the halfway point, we are 11 laps away from halfway, and as we told you earlier, we have another of the Gillette halfway challenges on the line here this afternoon. $10,000 to the driver who leads the halfway point of today's race, and $10,000 as well to a lucky consumer somewhere in this country who nominated that very same driver to lead at halfway. Rudy Peterson is with us here in the booth. He's a district manager for the Los Angeles district of Gillette, and it's great to have you with us, and uh, this has been a very popular contest, and this, of course, was not supposed to be on the original list of halfway challenges, and I know the folks out here are happy that you decided to add it to the schedule. Well, we had four races originally, and we decided to add Phoenix at the last minute, and we're we're really happy that we did because this is really an exciting event for the Phoenix market. We had a chance to uh, visit with a gentleman who won the $10,000 from the Daytona Pepsi Firecracker 400 back in July. He was a gentleman out of the DeLand area, and he was just tickled with $10,000. Who wouldn't be? Well, we're going to have a very happy consumer here in Phoenix 
very shortly. What are the plans for next year? I understand it's going to be a bit more ambitious even than it was here in 88. Well, this year was, was sort of a test for us, and we're so happy with it that we're going to expand from five events to 14 next year. 14. 14, 14 had Gillette Halfway Challenges. That's super. Rudy, it's good to see you, and uh, we're glad you've made it over to join us here in Phoenix from L.A., and uh, we look forward to visiting with you a number of times next year. Great. Thanks a million. Thank you. Rudy Peterson joining us, District Manager of the Los Angeles District for Gillette. Here is Dale Earnhardt on pit road. Let's go to Mike Joy. Barney, I'm down behind the wall with Richard Petty's race car, and they have a serious oil leak that Dale Inman and Ken Wilson are trying to isolate right now, so let you cover that one from the tower. They're putting right side rubber on Earnhardt's car. They take a look, dump in a can of fuel, and caution is coming out of the speedway right now as we're seeing a little bit of smoke out of Eddie Beerswall's car going off into turn number one, so apparently he's dropped something on the racetrack. They drop the jack on Earnhardt and send him back out of the speedway at lap 146. The third place man in the field was one of the first ones on the pit road, Mike Alexander. Let's go to Jim Phillips. It was a fourth tire change for Mike Alexander of the Billy Drink team. We're waiting on Harry Gannon. He's having a good run today. Also, Terry Labonte brings the Budweiser Chevrolet in. Leo Bonney came in, just made a quick stop, and went out. He might come back in for tires, but it didn't take him on the first time. Let's go to Mike Joy. Well, now, Barney, since all these teams had just gotten right-side tires less than 10 or 12 laps ago, I thought some might come in under this caution just to get left. But most of the top teams did take on four tires go all the way around. Benny Parsons, Jimmy Donnelly, McCrew servicing uh, his car. They're going to put the right sides on. Mike Smith runs around the lumber of that cap. He's going to go all around and put four tires on. That's been most everybody at, the, at this end of the pit lane. Apparently, tires are making a big, big difference here this afternoon. Instead of the normal two-tire change that we'll see on a caution flag, just about 80% of the cars have been changing all four every time they've been on a pit road. From the Phoenix International Raceway, this is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. Hi, I'm Rob Tanner, inviting you to the all-new America's Tailgate Party NASCAR USA. The sound is updated with fresh features and more of the voices you hear at the racetrack each week. The one thing that hasn't changed, it's two hours of the hottest hits in country music as we get you ready to go racing. So join us for the brand new edition of America's Tailgate Party, NASCAR USA, at the same place right here on the Motor Racing Network. From the racetrack to the road home, fill up with Sunoco, the official fuel of NASCAR. Sunoco makes high-quality performance fuels for the greatest drivers in the world, both on and off the track. Whether you are pulling up to the pump or experiencing the excitement of being at the track on race day, this will be a four-tire change. They've already topped it off with Sunoco fuel. Side service complete, second can of Sunoco fuel in. He's down and away. You can trust Sunoco to be the fuel that keeps you going. Capture the essence of racing and fill up with the official fuel of NASCAR, Sunoco. We are in Phoenix International Raceway, working caution flag number six of the afternoon. Pit stops continue. Jimmy Means is on pit road along with a number of others. Mike Joy. Johnny Rutherford's here as well. I thought Means' car might be overheating because one of the crewmen came across uh, with the water jug for the radiator, but they never lifted the hood. They just pointed the nozzle inside the window net and emptied it right on Jimmy. I talked to him this morning. He says uh, he's still negotiating with both Eureka Vacuum Cleaners and Alka-Seltzer for next season. Didn't have anything concrete to announce, but he said nobody said no yet. So he's uh, still trying to put together a deal with a major sponsor to be able to run all the races next season. The Slender U team putting on four tires. They're on Hoosiers today. And uh, the three-time Indy winner, Johnny Russell, back out into the action in the 31 car. And Jim Phillips, all sorts of problems for Harry Gant. Yes, Harry Gant had a routine pit stop to make here. They tried to change the tires and had a little trouble on the left side. We've got Leo Jackson. He must be spotting his driver. Or next year, just maybe. What happened on that pit stop, Leo? You know, I don't know. The uh, uh, the 
clutch, you know, wasn't releasing, and the car crept forward, turned the jack over. So that was the problem. The jack got turned over on the pit stop, and the crew had to literally pick the car up by themselves. By the time they got that done, they lost a lot of time. We continue under caution here, the sixth of the afternoon. Another unscheduled stop this time for Harry Gant, Jim Phillips. Talking to Billy Abernathy, changed that right front tire on Harry Gant's car. Billy, what happened on that pit stop? I was taking a donut out of the front spring up there. So it's a little tight today. Yeah, right. Harry said the car was pushing, so he was trying to sling the car in the corners to make it turn. This will loosen the car up and maybe be able to get the car through the corners a lot better now. They're showing 153 laps on the scoreboard here at Phoenix International Raceway this afternoon for the Checker 500. After this round of pit stops, this is the way we're showing them running. Ricky Rudd would be the leader. Rusty Wallace appears to be in the number two position. Then it would be Mike Alexander third, fourth right now, Terry Labonte, fifth to Jeff Bonine, sixth to Alan Kowicki, and seventh would be Bill Elliott. And they have made quite a few adjustments on his car, really trying to get him back in the thick of things. Of course, we talked about the Gillette Halfway Challenge. If the race is under caution at the halfway mark and they're now showing 154 156 is halfway if they're under caution here at the halfway mark the Gillette halfway challenge will be settled by the leader of the fifth consecutive green flag lap once the racing gets back to green so that's what we're looking at right now if you're keeping tabs on the Gillette halfway challenge let's go back to pit road well more correctly behind pit wall Eli where Richard Petty's car still sits uh, the leak is somewhere in the area of the oil pan or perhaps rear main seal, and it is a pretty good one. They've been under there with uh, some sealant, uh, some liquid, and, and now some paste trying to get that uh, and put anything in there that will try to get it to seal up and hold, short of having to drop the oil pan, which they can't really do here uh, with the engine of the car. Richard's getting a cold rag, and he's uh, he's getting a drink of Coke here. His uh, crewman continues to swarm over the car, and uh, he has a word with, <laughs> word with one of the crew, and it... Uh, you can just see it is a little warm in here. Richard, what kind of track has this proven to be to race on? What kind of shape is it in? Hot and slick. That's what it looks like. Uh, you know, everybody's sort of went all the pieces because the tires go, and uh, the track is really, really super slick for everybody. And uh, some of them are just sticking better than others, and they're running the quickest right now. So, Richard, all he can do is sit here and wait patiently while Ken Wilson and Dale Inman and crew now drop the car off the jack stands, and they'll try to send the STP Pontiac back out. I was talking the other day with Robert Yates, the engine builder for Davey Allison's Haviland Star Ford Thunderbird, as to whether the demands on the engine at a track like Phoenix are as tough or easier than, for instance, the mild tracks back east in Dover, Delaware, or Rockingham. Well, it's, uh, you know, we sort of guessed at what it would take out here. The length of it, you would think you need a, an engine that, uh, uh, you know, has a pretty good top-end power to it because you were, you know, long enough straight away, but turns are flat you don't run the corners quite as hard it's looking like uh this is uh what we call a short track setup is what we need here so those are the thoughts of uh, robert yates as he and the rest of the engine builders were in large part visiting this racetrack for the very first time we are continuing to work under caution and the field did not get the one to go signal less time by so it will be halfway this time and the gillette halfway challenge will be settled as the leader of the fifth consecutive green flag lap once we do get back to action. Richard Petty now returns as the STP Pontiac comes out from behind the wall. Those behind the wall right now include Brett Bodine and Jim Baum. The attrition rate has not been particularly high here today. We're back under green. Ricky Rudd takes off when they put him under green. Dale Earnhardt locks onto his rear bumper trying to get back on the tail end of the lead lap. The second place car is Rusty Wallace. Mike Alexander rides third. Terry Lamonti is fourth and fifth is Jeff Bodine. They're all 
all tied together as they cross the start-finish line and go back into one. The leader has a little breathing room, but the battle's going to be for about fourth position over in turn two. Good battle between Mike Alexander, who rides third, Jerry Lamadius fourth, just for nine, right behind him, and Tristan and Alex Nowicki is right there as well, and nose to tail on the backstretch. Two cars have been handling three and four very well all day. That is Ricky Rudd and the third-place automobile of Mike Alexander. One reason Mike might be doing so well is because Bobby Allison is here at Phoenix this afternoon. Bobby got standing ovations all during the pre-race as he was introduced to the crowd and made a couple of laps around in one of the pace cars. 159 laps on the board. 162 will make up the money lap for the 10000 Trouble in the front straightaway. Rick Wilson slams into the outside wall. He's going to collect at least seven, eight, nine cars. Pile into it in a cloud of smoke. Down in turn number one, there is fire in one of the cars. Two cars slam together and are locked up against the inside pit wall, and fire is spewing from those two machines. Barney, one of those is uh, Johnny Rutherford's automobile. That's the one inside closest to, uh, to the wall here as every crew has sent somebody out with a fire extinguisher to, to try to put that out here toward the end of pit road. Ricky Rudd comes back around, and the drivers immediately recognize a serious situation in turn one, and they almost come to a complete stop here in the front straightaway to give everyone time to get to those drivers. We're seeing some of them climb out of the cars. Let's go back to Mike Joy. Barney, the second driver, I still can't see the number. He is out of the car. The one that is more toward the outside retaining wall has climbed out and gotten quickly free of the scene. I believe that may be Trevor Boys. Uh, The safety crews are there. The ambulances, the fire crews are now there. They have got the fire out, and we're seeing the accident began again down in turn number one, watching on a TV monitor here in the booth, and it's going to collect at least seven, possibly eight cars before it is all over, and we'll get the numbers just as soon as the smoke clears up down there. Let's go back to Mike Joy. Mike Waltrip is in it. He is out of his car and walking away. He is is okay. Johnny Rutherford likely uh, has walked from his machine, and the third car involved here at the end of pit road, that driver, too, is out of the car and uh, sitting up on the retaining wall. Uh, Mike Walter shrugs off medical assistance, walks back up toward the pit lane. Two cars got together here in the middle of the front straightaway. Rick Wilson was one of those. He's been able to make it back around to pit road, but the right front of the Kodak filmed Olds is uh, pretty well damaged up, and I believe the other car uh, that was in it triggering it was Greg Sachs. all right, They're Bill saying Smith's now that Bill Smith, uh, one of the West Coast drivers, was the first car that got together. The two-car incident started between Rick Wilson and apparently Bill Smith, and a plume of smoke came out of the two. They skittered for some seven or 800 feet, slamming into the inside wall, almost literally blocking the racetrack, and about half the field was running right behind them. Some of the drivers did a heck of a job of getting through there, but some of them just had no place to go. Let's go to Jim Phillips. Well, the only driver on pit road on this end is Herschel McGriff, and he's having some overheating problems. Rick Wilson came by here, and he has a considerable damage on that Oldsmobile. We don't know whether he'll be able to get back in the race or not. We'll check him out and give you a further report. Jim, Bill Schmidt is here. He was the car that was more toward the outside of the wall, not Trevor Boys. He's climbed out, and you appear to be okay, Bill? Yeah, the smoke was a little bit bad in there, but I don't know what happened. I seen everything going haywire in front of me, and it seemed like we tried to avoid it. Everybody got into it, and we got hit in the back end, got shoved right into it, and tore everybody up, so I guess it kind of ends our day. Sorry to see you out of it. Those three drivers we mentioned, Schmidt, Mike Waltrip, and Johnny Rutherford, all walked away. They are okay. Mark Martin's car also was heavily involved, and the wrecker will pick that one up. Rick Wilson has climbed out of his car, but uh, Tony Glover and the crew are continuing to work on it and hope to get him back into the race. And we just saw Chad Little's car go down pit road with quite a bit of front-end damage on it, so apparently he was involved in it, too. It was very difficult to see as the fire broke out and the smoke all over the area, and then they immediately covered up many of the cars with the chemicals to get them put out down there flame-wise, obscuring the numbers. Let's go back to pit road and Mike Joy. Rick Wilson has left the Kodak Olds. He's headed back for the garage first. I think we want to pass along to all the folks back home that you're okay. Yeah, I'm okay. You know, the cars tore up pretty bad. It was bad. You know, we were we were hanging in there and we were doing our best. 
some, some guys on the racetrack got a little anxious, and I don't, I don't know what they were thinking about. They caused one heck of a wreck. Sorry to see you out of it. Jim Phillips? Yeah, we're walking alongside Greg Sats. Uh, Greg, are you all right? Oh, I'm feeling fine. Yeah, no problem. Just disappointed. What happened out there? Well, I don't know. There's a little contact. I got a little sideways coming off turn four. Then someone popped me from behind, and uh, I got into wreck. I don't know what the hell happened, but it's all over the day for us. Could, you couldn't really tell who started the wreck? Well, I don't know. You know, it's hard to say. There's a lot of stuff happening out there, and you just got to do the best you can. So Greg Sachs dejected and out of the race here this afternoon, the Checker 500. We've been informed that Bill Smith was not the car that collided with Rick Wilson to kind of start the initial wreck down there, but he did get collected up just a little bit later. Walking along with Mike as he heads back for the garage, and, uh, boy, this is a nice wide racetrack when you're racing, but when things start to happen, it sure gets narrow in a hurry. Well, my first impression of the place, the front straightaway there looks a lot like Atlanta, you know, and you know how things when go wrong, go wrong bad there. I don't know what happened ahead of me, but I got my car slowed down and got drilled from behind again. You know, it's just part of it, I reckon. I, I guess it's hard to stop, but we had the Country Time Pontiac dialed in. We think we were getting ready to run with them, and uh, it's a shame that had to happen. We're going to try to fix it if it ain't burn up. That's Mike Waltrip. He hopes to get back in it here. Now, let's tell you the cars that are still out there and running that didn't get a piece of this action, and they're on the lead lap that we just got uh, quickly. Ricky Rudd is still the leader. Rusty Wallace rides second. Terry Labonte is third, and they're okay. Fourth position belongs to Mike Alexander. Jeff Bodine is fifth. Alan Kowicki is sixth, seventh. They're still posting Sterling Marlin, eighth. Bill Elliott, Harry Gant, ninth, and Phil Parsons, tenth. And they're still showing those cars on the lead lap. Bill Schmidt was one of those who was looking for a good run today. He had just purchased another car from Junior Johnson. Much of the equipment that Bill Schmidt has run over the years has come from Junior. As a matter of fact, the car he was in today was the one that Terry Labonte drove at North Wilkesboro not all that long ago. But it wasn't to be this afternoon for Bill Schmidt. He was caught up in this accident. Let's go down to Jim Phillips, see if he's caught up with Mark Martin. Yes, we have caught up with Mark Martin. First, Mark, are you all right? Yeah, I'm fine, Jim. You know, I... I I'm real disappointed, you know, the guys had worked real hard to get the car, you know, handling uh, better and better, and, and we were sitting there in the in the lead lap and felt like we had a top ten finish uh, uh, possibility with the, with the Strolite Thunderbird, you know, I'd, I don't know, the, somebody tangled with the 88 car there going down the front stretch, and and uh, they didn't get off or didn't get loose from each other enough to, to continue on, and they spun, a couple of cars spun there, and there wasn't any, only one thing to do, and that was slow down enough to be able to miss all the mess. And when I did that, uh, uh, somebody wasn't able to get stopped behind me and turn me around into the wall and, and into the other, one of the other cars. So. A lot of room on the back straightaway, but not a lot of room on the front straightaway. Well, there really isn't. And, and uh, you know, with a wall on the inside there, uh, you know, there's just nothing. I got turned around, and I didn't necessarily... Half, I didn't have any choice. I mean, when, when the car spun, it went right into the wall, you know. If we'd have been on the back stretch, I'd have just went off in the infield and probably been able to continue. But, uh, you know, that's just one of those things. It hasn't been my, my year. I, I've been involved in more accidents like that that are, that are caused from, not caused from overaggression, just caused by being in the wrong place, you know. And that's a thing that is a storm that I guess I'll have to weather. You know, I'm not liking it. Mark Martin, he's out of it this afternoon of the Checker 500. And further up pit road, I'm standing with Johnny Rutherford in the pits of the Bob Clark uh, Slender U car, and John's trying to explain what happened to the crew, and maybe you can tell us as well. John, you're first off, you're okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Just uh, disappointed we're out of the race. You fellas looked like you started off a little slow today, but it looked like you were coming up through pretty well. Yeah, we had some problems with the Slender U car, but it, uh, it started responding to changes, and we had a flat once out there, and I really went backwards with the thing, trying to uh, just keep it straight until the next scheduled pit stop. 
we finally got in and uh, found a, a tire that had been punctured so it was it was better after that and then this time we took on four tires and uh, it felt like it was going to be good but we never got a chance to really find out well I don't think Bob intended for you to put this car on a crash diet today <laughs> no and that's uh, that's not an indication of slender you either that's uh, it's unfortunate. I, I feel real bad about it, but I had everything under control, and I don't know whether when I turned to try to maneuver going in with the brakes on, the car just got sideways, or whether there was some oil from cars, you know, getting sideways there or whatever, but it just left me in. Uh, I feel bad around the race, but it's uh, everything's okay. Well, glad to hear you're okay, and hope to see you back with us soon. Uh, I'll be back. You can count on it. Thank you. Thanks. That's Johnny Rutherford. The drivers that are out, Rick Wilson, Michael Waltrip, Bill Smith, uh, Mark Martin, and Johnny Rutherford are the cars that are definitely out. For quickly set the field for you at 169 laps. It will be a very lengthy caution here as they're continuing cleanup efforts down in turn number one and working on the track down there. The leader is Ricky Rudd. Rusty Wallace is second. Terry Labonte is third. Mike Alexander is fourth. Fifth is Jeff Bodine. Sixth right now would be the seventh car of Alan Kowicki and riding in eighth position. Uh, looks like Sterling Marlin and then Bill Elliott. We'll take you a little further back in just a moment. But while this cleanup efforts continue, it'll give us a quick minute to take a look inside NASCAR. Have a Tampa Cigars presents Inside NASCAR. Bill Elliott of Dawsonville, Georgia. His is a household name all across this country. But how about the lady behind the man? Martha Elliott shares some of her and Bill's story as we continue with this afternoon's edition of Inside NASCAR. Have a Tampa presents another close but no cigar racing highlight. Coming down to the flag, I was looking good. When valves started popping up through the hood, I just shut her down and let her coast 100 yards to the finish. At the very most, they were gaining fast when I crossed the wire and it was close. But no cigar. It's not whether you win or lose, it's how you have a Tampa. So relax with a good, fresh Tampa Nugget, Tampa Sweet, or Have a Tampa Jewel. The highlight of the race. Just coasting to victory lane. It was 14 years ago that Bill Elliott and Martha Welchel first were thrown together by a couple of friends. Martha picks up the story. Bill worked at the Ford place, and I had a cousin that worked there with him, and uh, she tried to set us up on a blind date, and uh, he had called, and I didn't know, didn't know the boy, didn't know anything about him, so I didn't go. So it was about a year later, we'd graduated from school, he transferred to my high school, but we never had any classes together, so I still didn't ever speak to Bill, never had any classes, he checked out at 12, and I was fine, you know, no big deal, I said, just another person. Well, we'd... One Saturday night, I went roller skating, and he was up there, and we just started talking, and we'd just been together so far ever since. Shortly thereafter, Martha Welchel became Martha Elliott, but you weren't really a racing fan, were you? No, I had only been to one track, a uh, dirt track in my whole life. I never heard of NASCAR. I never heard of any type of racing. And when they said Bill drove race cars, I'm going, so, well, you know, I didn't know anything about them. Never saw them, no, except the dirt track. That was my only inkling of what racing was about. Now, as is the case in any athletic family, Bill and Martha and the entire Elliott clan wanted to really work hard to achieve success on the racetrack. But that success also brought with it time demands and almost unbearable pressure. 85 got better money-wise. There was, there was more there. But then again, too, there was more pressure put on you. There was more you had to do for your sponsor, Ford, Coors, NASCAR. It was great, 
but everybody wanted a little bit more of publicity from it. They wanted you to do more PR for them because it was drawn in the crowd, the sports. People loved you, which we've got the greatest fans in the world. They're super fans, but they all want a little piece of you. And you say, take 10 minutes here and 10 minutes there, and before you know it, it's the whole day's shot. And that's what it got to be instead of racing. And it just sort of took everything out of you. Now, while the pressure was building on the racing operation, Martha tried as best she could to keep some semblance of a home life going. I've always been in the background taking care of the home life, the financial people, star, school, the house, the yard. Bill never does any of that. It's, it's all left up that I have to do it. So he's always had to be deal with the public. I don't have to deal with it. So it's nothing different to me than what I've always done. But home life really is probably the wrong term because, as Martha is quick to say, no one on the racing circuit really has a true home life. I don't know that we have an actual family life, really. It's... Uh, it's basically business through this racing season. They're not there, they're gone, they're working, and I take care of my end, Bill takes care of his. You can't ask them to give up that through the season when there's so much at stake. I don't think it's fair for their career if you try to step in and say, look, we need more time to do this and that, or you need to get help with Star or whatever. I don't think it's fair right now to ask him to try to make time when there's no time there to start with. If you're just joining us, we're chatting this afternoon with Martha Elliott, wife of Winston Cup point leader Bill Elliott. What is Bill like away from the racetrack? Because at the track, he's all business, both driving and preparing the race car with his brothers. Martha, does Bill loosen up at home at all? Bill's a very active person. Uh, he's really outgoing when he's got the time. But when he's at the racetrack, he's always quiet. He's always thinking. He's got so many things he's got to do. He's got, whether it's on a Thursday night after he's qualified, he's got a Coors appearance, a Ford appearance, or somewhere he's got to go. He doesn't have time to be energetic and laughing, I wouldn't think. But when he's got the time, he's, he's, a, he's a lot of fun. Now, with the newfound fame and fortune, the bottom line is, is today's Martha Elliott still the same Martha Welchel she was 15 or so years ago? I don't think I'm caught up in it. I basically, I'm the same person that I was years ago. I've had the same friends for years, and a lot of people talk to me, and they say, well, they tell me that I'm not different, and I don't, I try not to be, because I said, why be different? Just because you're making more, that doesn't make you a different person. If they don't like the person you are now, they wouldn't have liked you back then either. So I kept the same friends, I still call them, there's not any that I don't talk to. So basically, how does Martha Elliott sum up her lot in life? You just sort of let it ride, because whatever's going to happen in life is going to happen. You can control part of it, but there's a lot you can't, so you're better off not to worry about it. Just go with the flow. Yeah. So when I die, I said, I'm going to put on my tombstone. She went with the flow. <laughs> and for Inside NASCAR, I'm Eli Gold. Inside NASCAR has been brought to you by Have a Tampa and Tampa Nugget Cigars. Listen for the Close But No Cigar Award later in this broadcast. Well, we are still under caution. It has been a long one as they're continuing cleanup efforts down in turn number one. Most of those are over. Of the cars that were involved in the accident that went to the garage area, one of those, they've made repairs on it and brought him back onto the speedway, and that would be Michael Waltrip. Rick Wilson is still out. So is Bill Smith. Mark Martin's car is still behind the wall, Johnny Rutherford and Greg Sachs. And we'll report again that all those drivers are okay. But it was really scary here from the tower for just a moment. In about one more lap, we'll go back to green. Quickly, a recap on a repeated number of pit stops for Harry Gant. Jim Phillips? 
Harry Gant's car was running hot, Eli, but they said it's not at the danger point now. Only when the caution, have you extended caution flag, does the car run hot. When it's in racing conditions, it does not. So he's going to be back to racing conditions very shortly. 175 laps are on the board. They're about to put them back under green at lap 176. Harold Kinder has the green flag in hand as they get ready for a double file restart up in turn number four. Ricky Rudd is the leader, and underneath him down in the corner is Dale Earnhardt, one lap down. He's been working for the last 100 laps or so to get himself back on the lead lap. He's been able to do it a time or two, but now they've got him down again. Green flag is out. Rudd takes off. Earnhardt tries to hang with him. Rusty Wallace is in second spot as they work turn number one. They are door to door. Wallace on the outside of Earnhardt. Rudd is your leader. Wallace on the outside is second. Terry Labonte sits third. And Mike Alexander, Jeff Earnhardt has been able to run up front all day, but he's been doing it a lap down. Your leader is still Ricky Rudd. About two car lengths now ahead of Rusty Wallace, who has to contend with Earnhardt. He's got to hold back. Terry Labonte is in third. Your 11th place runner, Benny Parsons, now off the pace. So, too, is Richard Petty, who had just returned to the action. Michael Waltrip is also back there. Remember, at lap 181, four laps from now, it'll be the Gillette Halfway Challenge, still trying to give away that $10,000 from Gillette. Ricky Rudd is the race leader. He's got a lapped car in Dale Earnhardt and some ten car lanes between himself and second place Rusty Wallace. Ricky Rudd has fared very well during this break. He opens up about five car lengths on Rusty Wallace. Terry Labonte now starting the challenge for second. Labonte has been running strong all afternoon. He hasn't been able to get up there and get the lead other than on that caution, but he is still less than a second and a half behind the leader. They work back into turn number one at lap 178 as Ricky Rudd paces around here. Now he has a big advantage in the fact that Dale Earnhardt is riding right behind him. He's between himself and second place car Rusty Wallace. That takes a little heat off from him for the $10,000 from Gillette, as long as he can keep him back there, he knows that Wallace has to get around Earnhardt before he can catch him as a leader. They're back in three. Isn't it interesting? The drivers just seem to know. This morning, the talk was around the garage, watch Ricky Rudd. He may have the setup this afternoon. Ricky still shows the way across the stripe. 179 laps are on the board. Rusty Wallace second, then Terry Labonte, Mike Alexander, having now moved into the fifth spot as Jeff Bodine gets around him in fourth. The leader is still Ricky Rudd, but the battle for second now is a good one on the back straightaway. Battle begins to heat up. It is Terry Labonte challenging Rusty Wallace. Rusty not handling as well as he was earlier. Terry Labonte and Rusty both take the low line, however. Terry Labonte seems to be a little quicker through the corners, but he's going to have problems getting around the Kodiak Pontiac. Both those cars not getting the bite in the middle of the turn that they would like and had a little bit earlier. Labonte, they've continued to work on his car. Wallace now not getting through the turn as well as he did earlier here this afternoon. He was the cream of the crop for the first 100 or so laps. 180 are on the board. Ricky Rudd leads as they work down the back straightaway. Ricky Rudd just in front of Dale Earnhardt. Again, he is just a, he's a lap down. Here comes Ricky Rudd looking for that Gillette prize. He'll be all by himself about 10 car lengths ahead of Rusty. Well, Ricky Rudd and his car owner, Kenny Bernstein, with that $10,000 smile on their faces now as Ricky picks up the $10,000 bonus from Gillette, leading here at halfway and somewhere across this country. Some one of the consumers who also said Ricky Rudd would be leading at halfway has just won for themselves $10,000 from Gillette. The lead cars work down the back straightaway with that second place battle. Rusty Wallace and Terry Labonte still the good one everyone's watching. Rusty Wallace just in front of Terry Labonte through turns three and four. Rusty gets a little little swervy there, a little loose in the front end. That allows Terry Labonte to close it up. The interval between first and second is 1.2 seconds right now as Ricky Rudd has really got it in the wind and getting around this racetrack. At lap 150, the True Value Hard Charger Award the standings were being led by Rusty Wallace. Ricky Rudd was second, and Jeff Bodine was third. Unscheduled stop on pit road for Mike Alexander, Jim Phillips. And Keith Allman and the crew looking over the car. They're not putting tires on the car, but if there's something wrong with the engine, then the hood goes up on the Miller Buick. 
for Mike Alexander. They're running to the toolbox, and we'll check it out for you and get back with you. He has been running fourth, Barney, just prior to coming in for that unscheduled stop. A tough, tough break. And they're pushing Herschel McGriff's car now behind the wall. The veteran from Bridal Vale, Oregon, who also has a home here in the Phoenix, Arizona area, with the highest qualifying Winston West driver. But it looks as though his afternoon is over. It's a heartbreak for Mike Alexander. He has been running strong, been up in the top five or six most of the afternoon. Hood is still up on the car as they continue to work on it. Any indication of what the problem is, Jim Phillips? Yes, they have a new distributor cap and harness out, Barney, so they're going to change the ignition on the car for Mike Alexander. It's going to be a long stop for this crew. It's going to cost him a lot of laps. Richard Petty is still out there running for the Richard Petty fans around the country. He had quite an oil leak in the car, not too much smoke coming out of it right now, just a little bit, but he is not up to pace like everyone else. In fact, the leader's about to catch him in the middle of the backstretch and put him another lap down as they work up to turn three. Well, Ricky Rudd's got it all his own way. He does go around Richard Petty. Some smoke coming out of that 43 automobile. Tough break for the king of NASCAR racing. There's Ricky Rudd. Now, Rusty Wallace and Terry Labonte are going at it for second, and I think if Terry could get around Rusty, he could run away and chase Rudd. Well, that, of course, remains to be seen right now. He still has to get around Rusty Wallace. One thing the drivers are also facing now, not unlike what we see at the North Carolina Motor Speedway in Rockingham is when you go into turns one and two here in Phoenix International Raceway late in the afternoon as we are right now you're driving right into that setting sun and Davey Allison said that could be a problem as this race goes along yeah that, in practice so far we've noticed that late in the afternoon the sun comes down right down the front straightaway and as you look into the first turn you can't see anything there's a big shadow there and it's a blind spot if anything was to happen there or there was to be any oil on the racetrack we wouldn't be able to see it. Of course, what you have at Rockingham, being in the Sand Hills region of North Carolina, the sand will sandblast and pit the windshield, and that could be a problem very similar here this afternoon. They've just black flagged Richard Petty, and as they did, as he went off into turns one and two, the smoke intensified a little bit. He is far off the pace now, going down the back straightaway, down on the apron of the track, and he will be coming onto pit road. Mike Alexander's car is still being attended to. Let's go back to Jim Phillips. This time they're going to change the distributor all the way to the distributor this time instead of the cap and the rotor button, which they tried to change before. That didn't help the situation, so now they're changing the distributor on the Miller Buick. And Barney, the problem on Richard Petty's car was found to be a cracked oil pan. It had gotten rubbed up against the frame and put a crack in it. They did seal it up and send Richard back out, but apparently now uh, the sealant has worked loose and he's starting to smoke again. He's going to make that turn through the pit wall, and they'll probably work on it some more and try to get him back onto the racetrack. 187 laps are in the record book here this afternoon of the Checker 500 as Ricky Rudd leads Rusty Wallace, Terry Labonte, Jeff Bodine, and Alan Kulwicki. From the Phoenix International Raceway, this is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. Here's a special message for those of you who owe the IRS at least 10000 or more in back taxes. The IRS has special programs in place that could eliminate or reduce your tax debt by thousands of dollars. Call the Federal Tax Management Helpline that has been set up for you, 800-242-1706. Stop the wage garnishments, levies, and tax liens now. Once you've qualified and enrolled, the IRS will stop all the collection activities against you. These unique programs have been allocated to help the economy and significantly reduce or eliminate your tax burden. The IRS is currently accepting reduced settlements and other favorable programs. You may qualify for substantial savings, so get the help you need. If you owe more than 10000 in taxes, call for free information and to see if you qualify. Take down the number now for the Federal Tax Management Hotline, 800 800- 242-1706. That's 800-242-1706. 800-242-1706.
We are in Phoenix International Raceway, working caution flag number six of the afternoon. Pit stops continue. Jimmy Means is on pit road, along with a number of others. Mike Joy. Johnny Rutherford's here as well. I thought Means' car might be overheating because one of the crewmen came across uh, with the water jug for the radiator, but they never lifted the hood. They just pointed the nozzle inside the window net and emptied it right on Jimmy. I talked to him this morning. He says uh, he's still negotiating with both Eureka Vacuum Cleaners and Alka-Seltzer for next season. Didn't have anything concrete to announce, but he said nobody said no yet. So he's uh, still trying to put together a deal with a major sponsor to be able to run all the races next season. The Slender U-Team putting on four tires. They're on Hoosiers today. And uh, the three-time Indy winner, Johnny Russell, back out into the action in the 31 car. And Jim Phillips, all sorts of problems for Harry Gant. Yes, Harry Gant had a routine pit stop to make here. They tried to change the tires and had a little trouble with the left side. We've got Leo Jackson. He must be spotting his driver for next year. Just maybe, what happened on that pit stop, Leo? You know, I don't know. The, uh, uh, the clutch, you know, wasn't releasing, and the car crept forward and turned the jack over. So that was the problem. The jack got turned over on the pit stop, and the crew had to literally pick the car up by themselves. By the time they got that, they lost a lot of time. We continue under caution here, the sixth of the afternoon. Another unscheduled stop this time for Harry Gant, Jim Phillips. Talking to Billy Abernathy, who changed that right front tire on Harry Gant's car. Billy, what happened on that pit stop? I was taking a donut out of the front spring up there. So it's a little tight today. Yeah, right. Harry said the car was pushing, so he was trying to sling the car in the corners to make it turn. This will loosen the car up and maybe be able to get the car through the corners a lot better now. They're showing 153 laps on the scoreboard here at... Phoenix International Raceway this afternoon for the Checker 500. After this round of pit stops, this is the way we're showing them running. Ricky Rudd would be the leader. Rusty Wallace appears to be in the number two position. Then it would be Mike Alexander third. Fourth right now, Terry Labonte. Fifth to Jeff Bonine. Sixth to Alan Kowicki. And seventh would be Bill Elliott. And they have made quite a few adjustments on his car, really trying to get him back in the thick of things. Of course, we talked about the Gillette Halfway Challenge. If the race is under caution at the halfway mark and they're now showing 154 156 is halfway if they're under caution here at the halfway mark the Gillette halfway challenge will be settled by the leader of the fifth consecutive green flag lap once the racing gets back to green so that's what we're looking at right now if you're keeping tabs on the Gillette halfway challenge let's go back to pit road well more correctly behind pit wall Eli where Richard Petty's car still sits uh, the leak is somewhere in the area of the oil pan or perhaps rear main seal, and it is a pretty good one. They've been under there with uh, some sealant, uh, some liquid, and, and now some paste trying to get that uh, and put anything in there that will try to get it to seal up and hold, short of having to drop the oil pan, which they can't really do here uh, with the engine of the car. Richard's getting a cold rag, and he's uh, he's getting a drink of Coke here. His uh, crewmen continue to swarm over the car, and uh, he has a word with, word with one of the crew, and it... Uh, you can just see it is a little warm in here. Richard, what kind of track has this proven to be to race on? What kind of shape is it in? Hot and slick. That's what it looks like. Uh, you know, everybody's sort of went all the pieces because the tires go, and the, the track is really, really super slick for everybody. And uh, some of them are just sticking better than others, and they're running the quickest right now. So, Richard, all he can do is sit here and wait patiently while Ken Wilson and Dale Inman and crew now drop the car off the jack stands, and they'll try to send the STP Pontiac back out. I was talking the other day with Robert Yates, the engine builder for Davey Allison's Haviland Star Ford Thunderbird, as to whether the demands on the engine at a track like Phoenix are as tough or easier than, for instance, the mild tracks back east in Dover, Delaware, or Rockingham. Well, it's, uh, you know, we sort of guessed at what it would take out here. The length of it, you would think you need a, an engine that, uh, uh, you know, has a pretty good top-end power to it because you were, you know, long enough straight away, but turns are flat you don't run the corners quite as hard it's looking like uh this is uh what we call a short track setup is what we need here 
So those are the thoughts of uh, Robert Yates as he and the rest of the engine builders were in large part visiting this racetrack for the very first time. We are continuing to work under caution and the field did not get the one-to-go signal less time by, so it will be halfway this time and the Gillette halfway challenge will be settled as the leader of the fifth consecutive green flag lap once we do get back to action. Richard Petty now returns as the STP Pontiac comes out from behind the wall. Those behind the wall right now include Brett Bodine and Jim Baum. The attrition rate has not been particularly high here today. We're back under green. Ricky Rudd takes off when they put him under green. Dale Earnhardt locks onto his rear bumper trying to get back on the tail end of the lead lap. The second place car is Rusty Wallace. Mike Alexander rides third. Terry Lamonti is fourth and fifth is Jeff Bodine. They're all all tied together as they cross the start-finish line and go back into one. The leader has a little breathing room, but the battle's going to be for about fourth position over in turn two. Good battle between Mike Alexander, who rides third, Jerry Lamonti is fourth, Jeff Bodine right behind him, and Jeff and Alex Nowicki is right there as well, and goes to tail on the back track. Two cars have been handling three and four very well all day. That is Ricky Rudd and the third-place automobile of Mike Alexander. One reason Mike might be doing so well is because Bobby Allison is here at Phoenix this afternoon. Bobby got standing ovations all during the pre-race as he was introduced to the crowd and made a couple of laps around in one of the pace cars. 159 laps on the board. 162 will make up the money lap for the 10000 Trouble in the front straightaway. Rick Wilson slams into the outside wall. He's going to collect at least seven, eight, nine cars. Pile into it in a cloud of smoke. Down in turn number one, there is fire in one of the cars. Two cars slam together and are locked up against the inside pit wall and fire is spewing from those two machines. Barney, one of those is uh, Johnny Rutherford's automobile. That's the one inside closest to, uh, to the wall here is every crew has sent somebody out with a fire extinguisher to, to try to put that out here toward the end of pit road. Ricky Rudd comes back around and the drivers immediately recognize a serious situation in turn one and they almost come to a complete stop here in the front straightaway to give everyone time to get to those drivers. We're seeing some of them climb out of the cars. Let's go back to Mike Joy. Barney, the second driver, I still can't see the number. He is out of the car. The one that is more toward the outside retaining wall has climbed Joel. out and gotten quickly free of the scene. I believe that may be Trevor Boys. Uh, Safe. The safety crews are there. The ambulances, the fire crews are now there. They have got the fire out, and we're seeing the accident began again down in turn number one, watching on a TV monitor here in the booth, and it's going to collect at least seven, possibly eight cars before it is all over, and we'll get the numbers just as soon as the smoke clears up down there. Let's go back to Mike Joy. Mike Waltrip is in it. He is out of his car and walking away. He is, is okay. Johnny Rutherford likely uh, has walked from his machine, and the third car involved here at the end of pit road, that driver, too, is out of the car and uh, sitting up on the retaining wall. Uh, Mike Walter shrugs off medical assistance, walks back up toward the pit lane. And two cars got together here in the middle of the front straightaway. Rick Wilson was one of those. He's been able to make it back around to pit road. But the right front of the Kodak filmed Olds is uh, pretty well damaged up. And I believe the other car uh, that was in it triggering it was Greg Sachs. Uh, all right, They're Bill saying Smith's now that Bill Smith, uh, one of the West Coast drivers, was the first car that got together. The two-car incident started between Rick Wilson and apparently Bill Smith, and a plume of smoke came out of the two. They skittered for some seven or 800 feet, slamming into the inside wall, almost literally blocking the racetrack, and about half the field was running right behind them. Some of the drivers did a heck of a job of getting through there, but some of them just had no place to go. Let's go to Jim Phillips. Well, the only driver on pit road on this end is Herschel McGriff, and he's having some overheating problems. Rick Wilson came by here, and he has a considerable damage on that Oldsmobile. And we don't know whether he'll be able to get back in the race or not. We'll check him out and give you a further report. Jim well, Bill Schmidt is here. He was the car that was more toward the outside of the wall, not Trevor Boys. He's climbed out, and you appear to be okay, Bill? Yeah, the smoke was a little bit bad in there, but I don't know what happened. I seen everything going haywire in front of me, and it seemed like we tried to avoid it. Everybody got into it, and we got hit in the back end, got shoved right into it. And 
tore everybody up, so I guess it kind of ends our day. Sorry to see you out of it. Those three drivers we mentioned, Schmidt, Mike Waltrip, and Johnny Rutherford, all walked away. They are okay. Mark Martin's car also was heavily involved, and the wrecker will pick that one up. Rick Wilson has climbed out of his car, but uh, Tony Glover and the crew are continuing to work on it and hope to get him back into the race. And we just saw Chad Little's car go down pit road with quite a bit of front-end damage on it, so apparently he was involved in it, too. It was very difficult to see as the fire broke out and the smoke all over the area, and then they immediately covered up many of the cars with the chemicals to get them put out down there flame-wise, obscuring the numbers. Let's go back to pit road and Mike Joy. Rick Wilson has left the Kodak Olds. He's headed back for the garage first. I think we want to pass along to all the folks back home that you're okay. Yeah, I'm okay. You know, the cars tore up pretty bad. It was bad. You know, we were we were hanging in there and we were doing our best. But some some guys on the racetrack got a little anxious, and I don't I don't know what they were thinking about. They caused one heck of a wreck. Sorry to see you out of it, Jim Phillips. And yeah, we're walking alongside Greg Sats. Uh, Greg, are you all right? Oh, I'm feeling fine. Yeah, no problem. Just disappointed. What happened out there? Well, I don't know. There's a little contact. I got a little sideways coming off turn four. Then someone popped me from behind, and uh, I got into wreck. I don't know what the hell happened, but it's all over the day for us. Could, you couldn't really tell who started the wreck? Well, I don't know. You know, it's hard to say. There's a lot of stuff happening out there, and you just got to do the best you can. So Greg Sachs dejected and out of the race here this afternoon, the Checker 500. We've been informed that Bill Smith was not the car that collided with Rick Wilson to kind of start the initial wreck down there, but he did get collected up just a little bit later. Walking along with Mike as he heads back for the garage, and... Uh, Boy, this is a nice wide racetrack when you're racing, but when things start to happen, it sure gets narrow in a hurry. Well, my first impression of the place, the front straightaway there looks a lot like Atlanta, you know, and you know how things when go wrong, go wrong bad there. I don't know what happened ahead of me, but I got my car slowed down and got drilled from behind again, you know. It's just part of it, I reckon. I, I guess it's hard to stop, but we had the Country Time Pontiac dialed in. We think we were getting ready to run with them, and uh, it's a shame that had to happen. We're going to try to fix it if it ain't burn up. That's Mike Waltrip. He hopes to get back in it here. Now, let's tell you the cars that are still out there and running that didn't get a piece of this action, and they're on the lead lap that we just got uh, quickly. Ricky Rudd is still the leader. Rusty Wallace rides second. Terry Labonte is third, and they're okay. Fourth position belongs to Mike Alexander. Jeff Bodine is fifth. Alan Kowicki is sixth, seventh. They're still posting Sterling Marlin, eighth. Bill Elliott, Harry Gant, ninth, and Phil Parsons, tenth. And they're still showing those cars on the lead lap. Bill Schmidt was one of those who was looking for a good run today. He had just purchased another car from Junior Johnson. Much of the equipment that Bill Schmidt has run over the years has come from Junior. As a matter of fact, the car he was in today was the one that Terry Labonte drove at North Wilkesboro not all that long ago. But it wasn't to be this afternoon for Bill Schmidt. He was caught up in this accident. Let's go down to Jim Phillips, see if he's caught up with Mark Martin. Yes, we have caught up with Mark Martin. First, Mark, are you all right? Yeah, I'm fine, Jim. You know, I... I I'm real disappointed, you know, the guys that worked real hard to get the car, you know, handling uh, better and better, and, and we were sitting there in the in the lead lap and felt like we had a top ten finish uh, uh, possibility with the, with the Strolite Thunderbird, you know, I'd, I don't know, the, somebody tangled with the 88 car there going down the front stretch, and and uh, they didn't get off or didn't get loose from each other enough to, to continue on, and they spun, a couple of cars spun there, and there wasn't any, only one thing to do, and that was slow down enough to be able to miss all the mess. And when I did that, uh, uh, somebody wasn't able to get stopped behind me and turn me around into the wall and, and into the other, one of the other cars. So. A lot of room on the back straightaway, but not a lot of room on the front straightaway. Well, there really isn't. And, and uh, you know, with a wall on the inside there, uh, you know, there's just nothing. I got turned around, and I didn't necessarily... Half, I didn't have any choice. I mean, when, when the car spun, it went right into the wall, you know. If we'd have been on the back stretch, I'd have just went off in the infield and probably been able to continue. But, uh, you know, that's just one of those things. It hasn't been my, my year. I, I've been involved in more 
accidents like that that are that are caused from not caused from over aggression just caused by being in a wrong place you know and that's a thing that is a storm that I guess I'll have to weather you know I'm not liking it Mark Martin he's out of it this afternoon of the checker 500 and further up pit road I'm standing with Johnny Rutherford in the pits of the Bob Clark uh, slender U car and John's trying to explain what happened to the crew and maybe can tell us as well John you're first off you're okay yeah I'm fine just uh, disappointed we're out of the race you fellas looked like you started off a little slow today, but it looked like you were coming up through pretty well. Yeah, we had some problems with Slender U car, but it uh, it started responding to changes, and we had a flat once out there, and I really went backwards with the thing, trying to uh, just keep it straight until the next scheduled pit stop. We finally got in and uh, found a, a tire that had been punctured, so it was it was better after that. And then this time we took on four tires, and uh, it felt like it was going to be good, but we never got a chance to really find out. Well, I don't think Bob intended for you to put this car on a crash diet today. <laughs> no, and that's uh, that's not an indication of slender you either. That's uh, just unfortunate. I, I feel real bad about it, but I had everything under control, and I don't know whether when I turned to try to maneuver going in with the brakes on, the car just got sideways, or whether there was some oil from cars, you know, getting sideways there or whatever, but it just left me in. Uh, I feel bad we're out of the race, but it's, uh, everything's okay. Well, glad to hear you're okay, and hope to see you back with us soon. Uh, I'll be back. You can count on it. Thank you. Thanks. That's Johnny Rutherford. The drivers that are out, Rick Wilson, Michael Waltrip, Bill Smith, uh, Mark Martin, and Johnny Rutherford are the cars that are definitely out. For quickly set the field for you at 169 laps. It will be a very lengthy caution here as they're continuing cleanup efforts down in turn number one and working on the track down there. The leader is Ricky Rudd. Rusty Wallace is second. Terry Labonte is third. Mike Alexander is fourth. Fifth is Jeff Bodine. Sixth right now would be the seventh car of Alan Kowicki and riding in eighth position. Uh, looks like Sterling Marlin and then Bill Elliott. We'll take you a little further back in just a moment. But while this cleanup efforts continue, it'll give us a quick minute to take a look inside NASCAR. Have a Tampa Cigars presents Inside NASCAR. Bill Elliott of Dawsonville, Georgia. His is a household name all across this country. But how about the lady behind the man? Martha Elliott shares some of her and Bill's story as we continue with this afternoon's edition of Inside NASCAR. Have a Tampa presents another close but no cigar racing highlight. Coming down to the flag, I was looking good. When Val started popping up through the hood, I just shut her down and let her coast 100 yards to the finish. At the very most, they were gaining fast when I crossed the wire, and it was close. But no cigar. It's not whether you win or lose, it's how you have a Tampa. So relax with a good, fresh Tampa Nugget, Tampa Sweet, or Have a Tampa Jewel. The highlight of the race. Just coasting to victory lane. It was 14 years ago that Bill Elliott and Martha Welchel first were thrown together by a couple of friends. Martha picks up the story. Bill worked at the Ford place, and I had a cousin that worked there with him, and uh, she tried to set us up on a blind date, and uh, he had called, and I didn't know, didn't know the boy, didn't know anything about him, so I didn't go. So it was about a year later, we'd graduated from school, he transferred to my high school, but we never had any classes together, so I still didn't ever speak to Bill, never had any classes, he checked out at 12, and I was fine, you know, no big deal, I said, just another person. Well, we'd... One Saturday night, I went roller skating, and he was up there, and we just started talking, and we'd just been together so far ever since. Shortly thereafter, Martha Welchel became Martha Elliott, but you weren't really a racing fan, were you? 
No, I had only been to one track, a uh, dirt track in my whole life. I never heard of NASCAR. I never heard of any type of racing. And when they said Bill drove race cars, I'm going, so, well, you know, I didn't know anything about them. Never saw them, no, except the dirt track. That was my only inkling of what racing was about. Now, as is the case in any athletic family, Bill and Martha and the entire Elliott clan wanted to really work hard to achieve success on the racetrack. But that success also brought with it time demands and almost unbearable pressure. 85 got better money-wise. There was, there was more there. But then again, too, there was more pressure put on you. There was more you had to do for your sponsor. Ford, Coors, NASCAR. It was great. But everybody wanted a little bit more of publicity from it. They wanted you to do more PR for them because it was drawn in the crowd, the sports. People loved you, which we've got the greatest fans in the world. They're super fans. But they all want a little piece of you. And you say, take 10 minutes here and 10 minutes there, and before you know it, it's the whole day's shot. And that's what it got to be instead of racing. And it just sort of took everything out of you. Now, while the pressure was building on the racing operation, Martha tried as best she could to keep some semblance of a home life going. I've always been in the background, taking care of the home life, the financial people, star, school, the house, the yard. Bill never does any of that. It's, it's all left up that I have to do it. So he's always had to be deal with the public. I don't have to deal with it. So it's nothing different to me than what I've always done. But home life really is probably the wrong term because, as Martha is quick to say, no one on the racing circuit really has a true home life. I don't know that we have an actual family life, really. It's... Uh, it's basically business through this racing season. They're not there, they're gone, they're working, and I take care of my end, Bill takes care of his. You can't ask them to give up that through the season when there's so much at stake. I don't think it's fair for their career if you try to step in and say, look, we need more time to do this and that, or you need to get help with Star or whatever. I don't think it's fair right now to ask him to try to make time when there's no time there to start with. If you're just joining us, we're chatting this afternoon with Martha Elliott, wife of Winston Cup point leader Bill Elliott. What is Bill like away from the racetrack? Because at the track, he's all business, both driving and preparing the race car with his brothers. Martha, does Bill loosen up at home at all? Bill's a very active person. Uh, he's really outgoing when he's got the time. But when he's at the racetrack, he's always quiet. He's always thinking. He's got so many things he's got to do. He's got, whether it's on a Thursday night after he's qualified, he's got a Coors appearance, a Ford appearance, or somewhere he's got to go. He doesn't have time to be energetic and laughing, I wouldn't think. But when he's got the time, he's, he's, a, he's a lot of fun. Now, with the newfound fame and fortune, the bottom line is, is today's Martha Elliott still the same Martha Welchel she was 15 or so years ago? I don't think I'm caught up in it. I basically, I'm the same person that I was years ago. I've had the same friends for years, and a lot of people talk to me, and they say, well, they tell me that I'm not different, and I don't, I try not to be, because I said, why be different? Just because you're making more, that doesn't make you a different person. If they don't like the person you are now, they wouldn't have liked you back then either. So I've kept the same friends, I still call them, there's not any that I don't talk to. So basically, how does Martha Elliott sum up her lot in life? You just sort of let it ride, because whatever's going to happen in life is going to happen. You can control part of it, but there's a lot you can't, so you're better off not to worry about it. Just go with the flow. Yeah. So when I die, I said, I'm going to put on my tombstone. She went with the flow. <laughs> and for Inside NASCAR, I'm Eli Gold.
Inside NASCAR has been brought to you by Have a Tampa and Tampa Nugget Cigars. Listen for the Close But No Cigar Award later in this broadcast. Well, we are still under caution. It has been a long one as they're continuing cleanup efforts down in turn number one. Most of those are over. Of the cars that were involved in the accident that went to the garage area, one of those, they've made repairs on it and brought him back onto the speedway, and that would be Michael Waltrip. Rick Wilson is still out. So is Bill Smith. Mark Martin's car is still behind the wall. Johnny Rutherford and Greg Sachs. And we will report again that all those drivers are okay. But it was really scary here from the tower for just a moment. In about one more lap, we'll go back to green. Quickly, a recap on a repeated number of pit stops for Harry Gant. Jim Phillips? Harry Gant's car was running hot, Eli, but they said it's not at the danger point now. Only when the caution, have you extended caution flag, does the car run hot. When it's in racing conditions, it does not. So he's going to be back to racing conditions very shortly. 175 laps are on the board. They're about to put them back under green at lap 176. Harold Kinder has the green flag in hand as they get ready for a double file restart up in turn number four. Ricky Rudd is the leader, and underneath him down in the corner is Dale Earnhardt, one lap down. He's been working for the last 100 laps or so to get himself back on the lead lap. He's been able to do it a time or two, but now they've got him down again. Green flag is out. Rudd takes off. Earnhardt tries to hang with him. Rusty Wallace is in second spot as they work turn number one. They are door-to-door. Wallace on the outside of Earnhardt. Rudd is your leader. Wallace on the outside is second. Terry Labonte sits third. And Mike Alexander, Jeff Bordano is next to the line, followed by Jim Sauter and Joe Walter. Earnhardt has been able to run up front all day, but he's been doing it a lap down. Your leader is still Ricky Rudd, about two car lengths now ahead of Rusty Wallace, who has to contend with Earnhardt. He's got to hold back. Terry Labonte is in third. Your 11th place runner, Benny Parsons, now off the pace. So, too, is Richard Petty, who had just returned to the action. Michael Waltrip is also back there. Remember, at lap 181, four laps from now, it'll be the Gillette Halfway Challenge, still trying to give away that $10,000 from Gillette. Ricky Rudd is the race leader. He's got a lapped car in Dale Earnhardt and some Ten car lanes between himself and second place Rusty Wallace. Ricky Rudd has fared very well during this break. He opens up about five car lengths on Rusty Wallace. Terry Labonte now starting to challenge for second. Labonte has been running strong all afternoon. He hasn't been able to get up there and get the lead other than on that caution, but he is still less than a second and a half behind the leader. They work back into turn number one at lap 178 as Ricky Rudd paces around here. Now, he has a big advantage in the fact that Dale Earnhardt is riding right behind him. He's between himself and second place car, Rusty Wallace. That takes a little heat off from him for the $10,000 from Gillette. As long as he can keep him back there, he knows that Wallace has to get around Earnhardt before he can catch him as a leader. They're back in three. Isn't it interesting? The drivers just seem to know this morning the talk was around the garage, watch Ricky Rudd. He may have the setup this afternoon. Ricky still shows the way across the stripe. 179 laps are on the board. Rusty Wallace second, then Terry Labonte, Mike Alexander, having now moved into the fifth spot as Jeff Bodine gets around him in fourth. The leader is still Ricky Rudd, but the battle for second now is a good one on the back straightaway. The battle begins to heat up. It is Terry Labonte challenging Rusty Wallace. Rusty not handling as well as he was earlier. Terry Labonte and Rusty both take the low line, however. Terry Labonte seems to be a little quicker through the corners, but he's going to have problems getting around the Kodiak Pontiac. Both those cars not getting the bite in the middle of the turn that they would like and had a little bit earlier. Labonte, they've continued to work on his car. Wallace now not getting through the turn as well as he did earlier here this afternoon. He was the cream of the crop for the first hundred or so laps. 180 are on the board. Ricky Rudd leads as they work down the back straightaway. Ricky Rudd just in front of Dale Earnhardt. 
again, he is just a, he's a lap down. Here comes Ricky Rudd looking for that Gillette prize. He'll be all by himself about 10 car lengths ahead of Rusty. Well, Ricky Rudd and his car owner, Kenny Bernstein, with that $10,000 smile on their faces now as Ricky picks up the $10,000 bonus from Gillette, leading here at halfway and somewhere across this country. Some one of the consumers who also said Ricky Rudd would be leading at halfway has just won for themselves $10,000 from Gillette. The lead cars work down the back straight away, but that second place battle, Rusty Wallace and Terry Labonte, still the good one everyone's watching. Rusty Wallace just in front of Terry Labonte through turns three and four. Rusty gets a little little swervy there, a little loose in the front end. That allows Terry Labonte to close it up. The interval between first and second is 1.2 seconds right now as Ricky Rudd has really got it in the wind and getting around this racetrack. At lap 150, the True Value Hard Charger Award. The standings were being led by Rusty Wallace. Ricky Rudd was second, and Jeff Bodine was third. Unscheduled stop on pit road for Mike Alexander, Jim Phillips. And Keith Allman and the crew looking over the car. They're not putting tires on the car, but if there's something wrong with the engine, then the hood goes up on the Miller Buick for Mike Alexander. They're running to the toolbox, and we'll check it out before you get back with you. They he had been running fourth, Barney, just prior to coming in for that unscheduled stop. A tough, tough break. And they're pushing Herschel McGriff's car now behind the wall. The veteran from Bridal Veil, Oregon, who also has a home here in the Phoenix, Arizona area, with the highest qualifying Winston West driver. But it looks as though his afternoon is over. It's a heartbreak for Mike Alexander. He has been running strong, been up in the top five or six most of the afternoon. Hood is still up on the car as they continue to work on it. Any indication of what the problem is, Jim Phillips? Yes, they have a new distributor cap and harness out, Barney, so they're going to change the ignition on the car for Mike Alexander. It's going to be a long stop for this crew. It's going to cost him a lot of laps. Richard Petty is still out there running for the Richard Petty fans around the country. He had quite an oil leak in the car, not too much smoke coming out of it right now, just a little bit, but he is not up to pace like everyone else. In fact, the leader's about to catch him in the middle of the backstretch and put him another lap down as they work up to turn three. Well, Ricky Rudd's got it all his own way. He does go around Richard Petty. Some smoke coming out of that 43 automobile. Tough break for the king of NASCAR racing. There's Ricky Rudd. Now, Rusty Wallace and Terry Labonte are going at it for second, and I think if Terry could get around Rusty, he could run away and chase Rudd. Well, that, of course, remains to be seen right now. He still has to get around Rusty Wallace. One thing the drivers are also facing now, not unlike what we see at the North Carolina Motor Speedway in Rockingham is when you go into turns one and two here in Phoenix International Raceway late in the afternoon as we are right now you're driving right into that setting sun and Davey Allison said that could be a problem as this race goes along yeah that, in practice so far we've noticed that late in the afternoon the sun comes down right down the front straightaway and as you look into the first turn you can't see anything there's a big shadow there and it's a blind spot if anything was to happen there or there was to be any oil on the racetrack we wouldn't be able to see it. Of course, what you have at Rockingham, being in the Sand Hills region of North Carolina, the sand will sandblast and pit the windshield, and that could be a problem very similar here this afternoon. They've just black flagged Richard Petty, and as they did, as he went off into turns one and two, the smoke intensified a little bit. He is far off the pace now, going down the back straightaway, down on the apron of the track, and he will be coming onto pit road. Mike Alexander's car is still being attended to. Let's go back to Jim Phillips. This time they're going to change the distributor all the way to the distributor this time instead of the cap and the rotor button, which they tried to change before. That didn't help the situation, so now they're changing the distributor on the Miller Buick. And Barney, the problem on Richard Petty's car was found to be a cracked oil pan. It had gotten rubbed up against the frame and put a crack in it. They did seal it up and send Richard back out, but apparently now uh, the sealant has worked loose and he's starting to smoke again. He's going to make that turn through the pit wall, and they'll probably work on it some more and try to get him back onto the racetrack. 187 laps are in the record book here this afternoon of the Checker 500 as Ricky Rudd leads Rusty Wallace, Terry Labonte, Jeff Bodine, and Alan Kulwicki. From the Phoenix International Raceway, this is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. 
Chris Crockett here with one of the heads of our Toyota racing family, Martin Truex Jr. Doing great, Chris. Thanks for asking. I hadn't asked, but was about to. Great second question, Chris. Car feels great. And no, no pressure because of last year's results. How do you... Know what you're about to ask? Yeah, you're... Blowing your mind? Relax, Chris. Being out in the lead is what I do best. That is... Amazing. I know. NASCAR and Toyota Racing. With a family like this, who knows the places we'll go this season? Learn more at toyotaracing.com. Toyota. Let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of the National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. MRN.com. Original online audio, video, and digital content. Need the latest information on each week's races? Check out the MRN.com race center. Need to find your local radio station for MRN original programs? And Camping World Truck, Xfinity, and Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series races? Go to stations on MRN.com. All the latest NASCAR news and opinion pieces, race schedules, driver standings, and archives of MRN programs, MRN race broadcasts, and so much more. MRN.com. We're at Phoenix International Raceway, an unscheduled pit stop for the Hardy's Oldsmobile. Dale Jarrett is the driver. Jim Phillips is in his pit area. A lot of smoke from the Hardy's Oldsmobile, Eli. They've lost a cylinder on the car. They don't really know what's wrong with it, but NASCAR wanted to bring it in and see what all the smoke was about. So they're checking it over right now. From this point, we can't tell. We'll get back with you. 193 laps go up on the scoreboard. Ricky Rudd is the leader right now by a full three seconds over Rusty Wallace and Terry Labonte. It's about three seconds back also now to Alan Kulwicki and Jeff Bonine who round out the top five. Let's go to Mike Joy. Well, they're spotting Bill Elliott in the seventh spot, Barney. He's uh, moving up a little bit since the restart as Ernie watches him work against Sterling Marlin as we come here down the front straightaway. And I don't really think they're being conservative. Bill told us earlier the GM cars seem to get off the corner just a little bit better than uh, his tours forward. So they're just kind of playing their game plan and letting this one sort of roll out. Well, they were off the pace a little bit in the early going this afternoon. They continue to work on the car, as you pointed out there. They've got it running pretty good right now. All he needs is a top 10 finish here. In fact, he needs just a couple of good finishes to to clinch the Winston Cup championship. He can't afford to be all that aggressive, and he doesn't really need to. And this is the time of the year when, if, if as much as it hurts a driver of Elliott's caliber to lay back just a little bit and not take any extra chances, he doesn't have a choice. Mathematically, if he finishes eighth here today and eighth in Atlanta on November the 20th, that's all he would need to do, regardless of Rusty Wallace extended his winning streak to five races in a row. As long as Bill finishes eighth or better today and eighth or better in Atlanta, the Winston Cup championship is his. Let's go back to the pitch. Ernie Elliott's got a second now. Ernie, is he being conservative or the GM car is just getting off the corner a little better at this stage? Oh, the GM car is just working a little bit better here. You know, it's on a racetrack like this, it's awfully difficult to get the car just exactly right. And, you know, one, we don't have the car exactly right. But two, we're just not quite, quite as much up on the corner as the GM cars have. So Bill Elliott just running along, and uh, they'll see where they end up. As you say, Barney, all they need is a decent finish here today to go into Atlanta, not with a championship in their hip pocket, but sure with a real strong shot to wrap it up. He's doing what, just what he needs to do. He needs to post a good top ten finish somewhere in there, and that's exactly what he's working for right now. With 197 laps on the board, Dale Jarrett's car goes back onto the speedway, and that smoke continues as he stays out there. Now we're seeing him make the left turn as he comes out of turn number four. He'll take it to the garage area and be out for a while. Maybe they'll try and get him back in. They may not but he is in the garage, Dale Jarrett. Now, on Mike Alexander's car, it's been in the pits at least some four or five laps. They're continuing to work on it. They're not about to give up, if they can, to get him back into the race, but he's lost an awful lot of time. Ricky Rudd is the leader. Rusty Wallace is second. Terry Labonte is third. Fourth is Jeff Bonine. Fifth right now is Alan Kulwicki. 
Posted in sixth position is Sterling Marlin. Seventh is Bill Elliott. The eighth position belongs to Bobby Hillen Jr. And ninth is Harry Gant. Tenth is Phil Parsons. The eleventh position belongs to Davey Allison. And the last car still being posted on the lead lap is Benny Parsons. If you're just joining us along the way, wondering why we're not mentioning your favorite driver, Brett Bodine had an engine failure early in the race. He is gone for the day. So, too, is Jim Bowne, the West Coast driver. Richard Petty is back behind the wall, though Dale Enman and the crew are still working on the STP Pontiac. Johnny Rutherford was involved in that multiple car accident here on the front straightaway, as was Bill Schmidt, Mark Martin, Greg Sachs, and Rick Wilson. They are all out of the race. Michael Waltrip was out for a while. He has now returned after service and repairs by Mike Beam and the crew. Herschel McGriff has just gone behind the wall, and now to Dale Jarrett in the Hardy's Oldsmobile. And that's the attrition rate, as we are 199, 200 laps now going up on the board. 112 remain. Again, this is a 500-kilometer race, 312 miles here at the Phoenix International Raceway. And right now, Ricky Rudd having things very much his own way. Let's check in on Pit Road. We've got Dale Jarrett in the Hardy's Oldsmobile. Dale, what's got you back here in the garage area? Well, we've got an engine problem of some kind. Uh, after the last restart, uh, we started getting some smoke from under the hood. It looks like we've got oil going out the breather. Might have a crack piston or something like that. You going to try to get back in the race? Yeah, we're going to try to get back in for the points. You know, we got my points and the car owner points. We need to stay up as high as we can. If we can get it fixed, we'll get this Hardy's Oldsmobile back out there. So Dale Jarrett's going to try to get back in the race if he can. 201 laps are on the scoreboard here this afternoon of the Checker 500. Absolutely gorgeous weather. One of the most beautiful settings that we have ever seen for a racetrack here. And right now as the field stabilizes a bit and stretches out around the speedway with Ricky Rudd just having a field day at this juncture of the race. Of course, there's still a long ways to go, but uh, there's no really close races on the racetrack except back there between Rusty Wallace and Terry Labonte and Alan Kowicki are about three or four car lengths apart, but for the moment, they seem content just to ride there also. They're showing Mike Alexander some 16 laps behind right now in the Checker 500. Good battle going on now for second, third, and fourth spot. Rusty Wallace, Terry Labonte, and Alan Kulwicki. They're five and a half seconds behind the leaders, but they got a good battle off of turn two. Coming off the corner, Terry Labonte tricks the inside against Rusty Wallace. Kulwicki stays right behind them by a car lane heading to three. There is Wallace, yes, and they're going to encounter some slower traffic, and Jimmy Means, Wallace has to hit the brakes. He doesn't want to ram in behind Jimmy. That allows Labonte and Kowicki to go door handle to door handle, and they all go down the pack that way down the main street. Alan Kowicki tried to come around on the outside. Jimmy Means realizes he's the thorn in the ointment there, so to speak. He drops all the way to the inside of the racetrack and gives them plenty of racing room as they hit turn number one. Hanging on to that number two spot now is Rusty Wallace. Here goes Kowicki. He's got a fender alongside, racing side by side. They're heading for three. They are side by side, Nicole Wicke on the inside line, Rusty Wallace high, and I think Terry Labonte is sandbagging just a little bit. He's really quicker through the corners. He's been waiting for this break. Kowicki now takes the second spot and takes Terry Labonte with him for third. Well, we've got 98 laps remaining here as both Kowicki and Labonte go by Rusty Wallace. Alan Kowicki says he feels very much at home here at this racetrack because it's just like the Miracle Mile in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where, of course, he cut his teeth in racing, and there's a smoking car heading up to turn three. Jim there Sa- it is, it is Jim Sauter, who qualified so well this afternoon. Jim Sauter smoking very badly. He's pulled off the track. He's on the lower apron, and he'll pull it into the pits. Sauter had a lot of smoke come out of the car. Just out of turn number two, he limps down on the apron of the racetrack. Now brings it on to pit road. The NASCAR of people out of the corners take a look, and he's heading for the garage area. Apparently isn't putting anything down on the speedway, so it looks like we'll remain under green, and Jim Sauter will retire this afternoon after a good fifth-place qualifying run here and now having to park the car. 216 laps are on the board here. 
in the Checker 500 at Phoenix this afternoon. Richard Petty is now being shown some 48 laps behind, but he never, never, just never quits, no matter how much they have to work on that car or whatever. And I guess from years ago at Dover, when he was some eight laps down and won a race, he's never forgotten that. And there's no point in giving up, because if you give up, you never know what will happen in this business. Been a good race all day long. The fans here have responded to Winston Cup racing about as enthusiastically as anywhere we have ever been. And I think if, if there was ever any doubt, would a Winston Cup event here in this particular area in Phoenix draw a good crowd? If you were here this afternoon, you'd sure know what we're talking about. And we're not kidding. We said every seat in the house is sold. All the unreserved sections filled up before 10 o'clock this morning. And there's plenty of, of areas to get into this racetrack here. And traffic was backed up some three or four miles before mid-morning for the fans just trying to get in to see the first event here this afternoon. And I think they've got their nickels worth. One thing that was inevitable also here this weekend, everybody wanted to talk about the Winston Cup championship. Uh, the regular media who travel week to week, of course, needed to keep up with the comments of the participants. The local West Coast media, whether it was from Los Angeles or here in Arizona, they were having their first opportunity to chat with Rusty Wallace and Bill Elliott about can you win the championship or can you chase down Bill Elliott? And I was wondering if Rusty Wallace, whether all that championship talk finally gets to you, whether you just want to get in the race car and go racing. Yeah, it wears on a little bit because there's been so much asked about it, but, you know, I just keep answering the same question every time. I'm going to run every lap like it's the last lap. I'm going to run wide open, and uh, I just hope they get out of my way, you know, but uh, <laughs> that's that's my plan. I've been doing that for the last five races and be getting, getting away with it. Um, I'm not going to sound like a kamikaze nut, but I'm not like that, but I'm going to try to uh, drive a good safe race, but a real fast race, too. Well, that's the thought of Rusty Wallace. Richard Petty and the crew tried it despite being some 48 laps down, but a car just wouldn't continue. The STP Pontiac has gone to the garage area. Ricky Rudd, the race leader, but right here at the start-finish line, a dandy of a battle for fifth position on ahead as Bill Elliott has joined the battle with Jeff Bodine and Rusty Wallace. Elliott has been coming on strong. He's gotten by Bodine. Harry Gant joins the battle, too, so it's Elliott fifth, Bodine sixth, and Gant seventh. Bill Elliott fans start to show their appreciation up here on the hillside in turn four. They've been waiting for their man from Dawsonville to make his move, and now with less than 100 laps left in this race, Awesome Bill begins to move in fifth. 221 are on the board. We'll certainly see another round of pit stops here before this one is over today, and while that good racing is going on, we're looking up in the sky as Mel Larson heading back to Circus Circus in Las Vegas has the best seat in the house to watch this one for a while as they work back into turns one and two, and Elliott is getting stronger every time around this racetrack. They're making up some ground on leaders and everybody else right now. That battle of cars going in there, Bill Elliott scoots off into turn number three and right Rusty now. Wallace is slowing. Rusty Wallace is slowing on the racetrack. There's something wrong with the Kodiak Pontiac as he is slowed on the racetrack on lap number 222. Rusty Wallace slows. Barry Donson and the crew now scampering across the wall. They've got the 27 sign held high in the air. Here comes Rusty Wallace and we are seeing some telltale smoke as he really slows the car down in a hurry. Mike Joy. Well, they really didn't have a clue, Eli. Uh, they, even as you were talking about him slowing down, they still had not swung into action here. And then Rusty radioed in, and they came in. They're putting right-side tires on the car now. The engine is running. They're not going under the hood. And with those two tires, Wallace is away. The right front was completely flat. Yeah, I was about to say, Mike, even from here, you could see that it had a problem, and smoke really pouring off that right front tire. He's gone at least a lap down as he is on the apron of the racetrack, heading back onto the speedway in the back straightaway. So Rusty Wallace, after having a great run in the early going and all the way up to right now, finds himself playing catch-up again. But he's no stranger to that, as he's proven in the last two or three races coming from behind to win. That's been their big key here of late. They have found themselves... A 
couple of laps down, and Rusty just couldn't believe the fact, as a matter of fact, that they were able, with the competition being what it is, to run and win three races in a row. That was something he still finds amazing. Well, I feel really good about that. The teams did a great job, and uh, and we've, everybody's been working together. I've been doing my job. They've been doing their job. And we've all been doing what we need to do. Uh, if going into this year, if anybody would have told me that I'd have more second-place finishes, uh, more top fives, more top tens, leading in money one and five victories, and I'm not leading the points, I wouldn't have believed it, but that's the case. And now Rusty has to play catch-up again here this afternoon as Roy Smith is on pit road with a lot of smoke from his car. They're pushing his car back up pit road, and apparently Roy Smith is through for the day as they're pushing him up the pit road and heading back to the garage area. They may try to get him back in there also. He's had some pretty good runs on the West Coast. Very talented race driver. 225 laps are on the scoreboard. 5.7 seconds is the advantage now enjoyed by Ricky Rudd over Alan Kowicki. We're nearing pit stop time, Mike Joy. I think it'll be pretty close, Eli. The bad news for Rusty Wallace is that when he cut down that right front tire and then the fender wore through the tire and interliner, put it down on the rim, it did cost him a lap getting in here, getting it changed. The good news is he can now go the distance without another stop and everyone else will have to come in. Those that pitted on the first or second lap of caution when we had that multi-car wreck will probably be in here in the next five to eight or ten laps. Those that topped off toward the end of that caution flag period can go another ten or twelve laps longer, but everyone will have to make at least one more stop, and if it comes under green, that should put Wallace, although out of sequence, back up on the lead lap. So he'll be in pretty good shape there, and despite the fact that his pit stop is out of sequence, he would like to see a caution, I'm sure, to get back in there and get fresh rubber on all around and get back into sequence with everybody else, because if he stays out there and keeps running and the other drivers will make their pit stop, they'll have a little fresher tires on the car than he will. But he's really hanging it out here right now. 233 laps on the scoreboard of the Checker 500 as the sun begins to move even further west. And as part of that turn, as you go off into turn number one, the sun goes right in your eyes and right in the middle of it, you go in behind kind of a shaded area there. And that will help the drivers a little bit. But as much like Eli pointed out earlier this afternoon, as at Rockingham, North Carolina, it is very difficult for to see straight ahead going in that turn. And if should there be an accident or something up there, there's a good chance a driver will miss it and run right in on it. Been a good race here this afternoon at Phoenix, Arizona. And I think the, we may be coming back here. Nothing official from NASCAR, certainly. But the improvements they've made and the enthusiasm we've seen from the fans, the press, everybody that's here and concerned with the Checker 500. I don't think there's any doubt that one of these days, we'll, next year, we'll be certainly be right back here watching another race. I guess it's what, sometime around uh, late December, January, somewhere in that range when they finally announce the official schedule for the coming season. Uh, but we'll find out exactly uh, what the schedule holds for 1989 before much longer. So we other drivers we have not talked all that much about here of late. Those running a lap down in 12th spot, Dale Earnhardt. 13th is Rusty Wallace. 14th, Kyle Petty. 15th is Derek Koch, just trooping along and doing well. 16th belongs to Darrell Waltrip. 17th is Lake Speed. And for the moment, at least, uh, Kenny Schrader, who has just pitted, has now picked up one of the laps that he was in arrears to the leader. And he is running now a lap down instead of two laps down. But that... Uh, could change shortly as the pit stops begin to unfold for the race leaders. There are 11 cars showing on the lead lap, including Benny Parsons, who's out there in the 11th spot now, running some 8 or 10 car lanes ahead of the race leader, Ricky Rudd. 236 laps on the board, 312 make up the total distance here this afternoon. If you're wondering why we have not been talking about some of the drivers, and you might have just tuned in a broadcast, here is the leader on pit road. Let's cover that stop, and then we'll update you on the story we're about to do. Let's go down to Mike Joy. Ricky Rudd comes in for what certainly the Quaker State team hopes will be his final pit stop of the day. If it goes according to plan, it'll be gas and right side tires. 
but they are the first of the lead cars to pit and do so here. Right side tires are done. They're awaiting that second can of gas. The car is still up on the jack, and as they drop it, that's the signal to Rudd to take off, and he does so. If he can just keep things going like he has all afternoon here, he's been the class of the field. Rusty Wallace in the early going was running as well as he was, but then Rusty had a couple of problems and now finds himself playing catch-up a lap down when he cut a tire down or had one go down and wear through that fender that Mike told us about just a moment ago. But I wouldn't count him out the way he's pulled him out of the fire the last three or four shows. 238 are on the board. Alan Kowicki is now the leader due to the fact that simply Rudd ducked on the pit road there just a moment ago. you got to say a lot about this kid. He was so disgusted with the way he qualified. And I think we talked a little bit earlier when we came on the broadcast that he had qualified either on a pole several times this year or never worse than 10th or 11th. And here he didn't even get in the top 20. Wasn't sure what kind of combination he needed in the car. Even this morning, he was second-guessing himself as to what they needed. And now he finds himself leading this race with a shot to win it. Very big shot to win it, certainly. And Alan Kowicki is very much in the hunt. Ricky Rudd, though, obviously to be reckoned with. And here comes Bill Elliott now. The third-place man is on pit road. He'll pit all the way down towards turn number one, Mike Joy. I wonder if Ernie's maybe a little bit surprised that Elliott has climbed up into third position in the running order. Like most teams, they'll take on right-side tires here and make sure they get all the gas in. Uh, still with uh, more than 70 laps to run here, they can't take a chance on just a can or a can and a half. And like on the road stop, the jack stays up until the fueling is done, and then Elliott's away. Rusty Wallace has moved in right behind the leader, Alan Kowicki. He'll try to get around him and put himself back on the lead lap as they work up into turn number three. Here's Bobby Hillen, who's had a good run, making a pit stop also. Now, these are all routine stops. Kyle Petty brings the Sitco four to the Wood Brothers in. Penny Parsons ducks off the banking up in turn number four and will bring the Bullseye Barbecue Sauce car on the pit road. Let's cover some of those stops. Jim Phillips. Well, Barney, we got hung over here in the garage area. We're going to talk to Jim Sauter, who had a good run today. Qualified fifth, but he had to make that hard left turn. What put the Evan Rude Pontiac out, Jim? Well, we lost the cylinder first. I guess we dropped a valve, and then it jumped over to three or four other cylinders, so I couldn't even nurse it the rest of the way. But there's big things ahead for Jim Sauter. Well, we thank you very much. We uh, worked real hard at the Evan Rude uh, Pontiac. is a good car, and we showed its potential today. We just need a little luck, too. Okay, Barney, back up to you. Mike Joy. Some stops are going on down toward Mike. We're seeing Sterling Marlins Piedmont Airlines car being attended to. Looks like a four-tire change. They change the left side and right side, drop the jack, and send him back onto the racetrack. And we'll see most of the other front runners in here in just a moment. Rick Wilson, who was involved in an accident earlier here this afternoon that took out about five cars, has been in the garage for the last 40 or 50 laps, and now we see his car coming back onto the racetrack to put in as many laps as he can and finish his thing, maybe pick up an extra five or ten Winston Cup points. Some of the drivers that were knocked out in that crash earlier this afternoon were Rick Wilson, Michael Waltrip, West Coast driver Bill Smith. Mark Martin was sidelined in that accident, so was Johnny Rutherford and Greg Sachs. Now, all of the drivers are all okay, but it really tore up some equipment going off into turn number one. 243 laps are in the book. Let's go to Mike Joy. Marty, they're waiting for the leader, Alan Kowicki, to make his stop. Of all the cars on the lead lap, Sterling Marlin was the only one to take on four tires. You talked about Kowicki's week. The first part of his race wasn't much better. They had an air hose fitting here, brake on pit road. Kowicki came in three times in the first 40 laps to get different tires and different chassis set up on the car. And then a lug nut froze on the right rear, and they had to run him on that same right rear tire, an extra stop before they could take it off with the hand wrench rather than the air wrench. They've been out on pit road here waiting for him for the last two or three laps 
Looks like Allen's going to try to stretch and get every mile out of that tank that he can. Mike had mentioned Sterling Marlin, who was running up in the seventh spot and made his pit stop. He's tickled. That whole team is really excited. They've got the Sunoco sponsorship locked up for 1989. Yeah, we are. It's, uh, you know, it's real good for Sunoco to come on and go with us. Uh, you know, they got a, you know, a, a long-term commitment to racing. They've got a you know, good heritage background in racing with Indy and uh, being Roger Piskin and all. And uh, they just they just now start to get back in Winston Cup. And, uh, you know, we're, we're real excited and uh, looking to have a good year with them next year. One thing they are going to do, they're going to give back the 44 car number, and they'll be number 94 next year. That, of course, part of Sunoco's 94-octane gasoline, which will be a promotion going on all across the country. Another of the leaders in, the sixth-place runner, Jeff Bodine on pit road. And he's well out toward the pit lane, so they hold Alan Kowicki on the racetrack one lap, so he gets a clear run. He's pitted just in front of Bodine uh, here along the lane. So right side, good years for Jeff and a full tank of fuel. They're going to come around, have a look at the left side. Nope, drop the jack and decide to send him away with just the two tires. And Kowicki will be in next lap, they're saying. Jimmy Means also takes advantage of this uh, lap to get his pit stop out of the way. As he works back out of the racetrack, Davey Allison was in. He is going back onto the speedway, and these are all routine stops, and they're being made under green. 246 laps are on the scoreboard as Alan Kulwicki sets the pace here this afternoon, and he is one of the drivers who has never won a Winston Cup race and has been so close and felt like that he could do it before the year is out, but with only two chances left, he's got to hurry. He's got to hurry, and this is a racetrack we've said time and again that is certainly suited to him because of his experience on those flat one-mile racetracks throughout the Midwest, in particular the Milwaukee State Fair racetrack just a few miles from his home in Greenfield, Wisconsin. The leader has just been on pit road, Alan Kowicki. Let's go to Mike Joy. Martin was a good stop for Paul Andrews and the crew. They had the right side tires done quite quickly. A little bit of a lengthy chore getting all the gas in. And in fact, nothing was in the overflow can, so Kowicki had to be very close to dry when he finally made this pit stop. That leaves Terry Labonte, Bill Parsons, and I believe Harry Gant is the only cars on the lead lap that have not yet pitted under green here. Two of those are on pit road in front of Jim Phillips. Terry Labonte, two tires and gasoline for the Budweiser Chevrolet as Tim Ruhr and the crew had a good start. Harry Gantz in for left side tires and gasoline on the Skull Bandit. So those two cars are on their way with two good pit stops on this end. The only other car that was being shown on the lead lap that now has not made that pit stop would be the 55 car of Phil Parsons. He'll be in in just a moment. We'll be back from the Phoenix International Raceway. This is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. Citywide to countryside, whatever you drive, wherever you go. Hercules Tires has the value, selection, and industry-leading warranty to get you there, no matter where the road takes you. To learn more, visit HerculesTire.com. Hercules Tires, ride on our strength. Mayhem, a state of havoc, pandemonium, bedlam, or madness. The Keselowski tangle. Kurt Busch slams the inside wall. Then he goes up the racetrack, and here comes Kyle Busch. Kyle Busch, oh, Elliot Smith. Mayhem, what happens at Martinsville. Tickets are on sale now for the STP 500 Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series race on March 25th. Call 877-RACE-TIX or visit martinsvillespeedway.com to purchase yours. Martinsville Speedway, the half mile of mayhem. 
6.7 seconds is the advantage now enjoyed by Ricky Rudd over the second place runner Alan Kulwicki. Kulwicki now going around Darrell Waltrip. Running well is Kulwicki here, but Ricky Rudd at this moment virtually untouchable. I want to pass along a phone number to you that we had mentioned earlier in the broadcast for those of you who are interested in purchasing some of the Heartbeat of America sportswear that is available to you as an MRN listener. That number is 1-800-221-0542. Again, 1-800-221-0542 for the Heartbeat of America Sportswear, a toll-free number, especially for Motor Racing Network listeners. 271 laps are being posted on the scoreboard here at Phoenix International Raceway this afternoon, and by any measure of how you want to cut it here for the inaugural Checker 500, the first Winston Cup event, full-scheduled event here, it has certainly been a success this afternoon. Not, <laughs> We've been looking out there, and usually when we were down south or different places where we run by this time of the day, you'd see a few fans trickling out here. There. I don't think anybody's moved out of the seat. They've moved around to the concession stands a few times, the souvenir stands, but for the most part, all the seats in front of us and everywhere you look still filled. They want to see how this one comes out, and well, they should. With Ricky Rudd still leading, Alan Kowicki, Terry Labonte, as they work around this racetrack, and there are quite a few cars that are now falling back in the running order. Jeff Bodine is eighth. He is a lap down. Uh, back in ninth position, also being shown a couple of laps down right now, would be Davey Allison. Or is that just one lap down? Just one lap down for Davey Allison. Phil Parsons back in tenth spot. Eleventh is is Benny Parsons, his brother, Dale Earnhardt, is back in 12th spot. If you wondered what happened to him, he had a couple of unscheduled pit stops earlier this afternoon and kind of had to play catch-up a time or two. He's just never been able to get himself back on the lead lap. He did on one occasion, but again, he had to make another unscheduled stop, and he just finds himself trying to play catch-up. Hasn't been able to do anything with the front runners. He currently is 12th. Darrell Waltrip's 13th. 14th is Lake Speed. Back in 15th position right now, Sterling Marlin having a good run in the early going, but now has fallen all the way back to 15th, and Kyle Petty rounds out the top 16. Let's take a little bit further back now. Two laps down at 17th is Derek Cope. 18th will be the Ken Schrader car, and 19th, Trevor Boys. In 20th, three laps down. Now Chad Little, 21st is Neil Bonnet. 22nd, four laps down is Dave Marcus. Then comes the Rookie of the Year battle. Five laps down in 23rd is Ernie Irvin. And six laps down in 24th is Kenny Bouchard. So Kenny, who has a six-point lead in the Champion Sears Rookie of the Year battle, has now one position of a deficit to Ernie Irvin. So if that stays as is, we could see the Champion Sears Rookie of the Year battle be just a couple of points, or three possibly, on the 20th of November at the Atlanta International Raceway. One reminder you again if you're planning to head to Atlanta for the running of the Atlanta Journal 500 on November the 20th there are just a few tickets remaining the, they will however on race day have plenty of unreserved grandstand tickets the general admission tickets that will be available also the infield tickets are still available for both the one day and the two day passes so if you've not yet gotten your tickets they'll still be able to accommodate you at the Atlanta International Raceway but those tickets are going quickly though there will still be some available for race day sale. We hope to see you there with Bush Pole qualifying on the 18th of November and the ARCA Permatech Supercar Series running a 500-kilometer race there on Saturday, November the 19th. Also yet to come today at the conclusion of our Checker 500 broadcast, Barney and I will select the Have a Tampa Close But No Cigar Award. The winning driver getting $200 from Have a Tampa. The members of the media in attendance will select the winner of the Goodies Headache Award with $750 from Goodies Manufacturing to be awarded there. And the MRN crew will be voting the Peak Cool Move of the Race Award with $500 after our balloting to be awarded 
started as well. Ricky Rudd's advantage right now over second-place car, Alan Kulwicki, is about 7.2 seconds, and he is getting around this racetrack just about as well as you can do it here this afternoon. He's being able to work traffic almost perfectly at both ends of the speedway. He's heading up to Dan Hubbard right now, and Dan, when he comes through there, if he catches a slower car, he can pick any groove he wants to go, high, well, low, wherever. The thing about Ricky Rudd, he's had the field handled all afternoon, and he does it so low, the car is so much under control. It's not pushing, it's not sliding. Ricky's very comfortable behind the wheel. He could turn up the wick at any time. He's back in turn number one, and Rick Benjamin is much the same story over there. He hasn't had any problem in that end of the racetrack either. Barney, he's been incredibly smooth down here. He's been one of the few drivers who has not had a problem with the car wanting to slide up the racetrack here and wanted to. Many drivers have spent a large part of the afternoon running in the middle of the speedway, but Ricky's been able to keep the Quaker State car down low all day. He's got to be thinking, too, Eli. He's had so many engine failures this year, probably more than any major team on the circuit, and that's not putting down the team at all. They have just kind of been experimenting with different things to come up with a combination that worked for them, and every time that he has been in the hunt, he has been as strong as anybody out there, although they have had a few engines break toward the end of the race, and I'm sure that thought is going through his mind right now. Of course, it's been a, it's been tough to telegraph also as far as the length of the race. We've seen him have some problems in 500-mile events, some of the short track events. We only run 200 15, 216 miles, or here is the case. We were running 312, but so far, Ricky's holding everything together. 7.03 seconds on this last lap just concluded. That's his advantage over Alan Kowicki, who's running a strong second spot. you got to wonder when Kowicki's going to finally win a race. I mean, Ricky is obviously dominant at this point, but one of these days, Kowicki, whether it's in Atlanta or sometime early next season, you've got to think they're going to start coming in bushels for that young man. Kind of like Harry Gant used to be when Gant had all those second-place finishes for about three years in a row, and he finally pulled his first win out up at Martinsville Speedway. And talking about Ricky Rudd, he has matured so much as a driver, seemed to be more at ease with himself, I guess, and he told me just a week or so ago that he feels less pressure in that race car right now than he ever has. The thing that I feel over here, Quaker State's been one of the best sponsors I've ever worked with. Kenny Bernstein's the most understanding man I've worked with. He, you know, he's a driver himself. He goes through similar frustrations. It's a whole lot different type of racing, but uh, he knows how hard it is to be up front week yeah. in and week out. He understands more so than, say, a, say a, maybe a corner that hasn't driven or a corner that hasn't been around for a long time. You know, I'm just tickled to death to run with these guys, uh, Larry McReynolds, Bob Riley, and uh, as the list goes on. There's a lot of guys without a whole lot of big names, but they're very big on talent, and, and it's been a, a low-pressure deal for me. It's been a fun place to come, come to work for. Should be fun for him right now. He's just dusting the field here at Phoenix International Raceway, working down the back straightaway, about to catch Davey Allison's car over there to put him a lap down if he can get on around. 283 are complete. 6.83 seconds. That's the the lead now enjoyed by the Quaker State Buick of Ricky Rudd over the second place Xerox Ford Thunderbird of Alan Kowicki. It'll be a nice way to finish off this week and the last couple of weeks for the Quaker State team. Their car owner, Kenny Bernstein, winning yet another funny car championship on the drag race scene last weekend with a victory uh, making the championship out at uh, Pomona, California. So it's been a championship stretch for that team here of late, and they're hoping that Ricky Rudd could add to it here this afternoon. Yeah, I think Darrell Walter just might have stretched something. There was a lot of smoke from that tied Chevrolet as he went down the front straightaway in front of the pits here toward turn one. To take a look at the Walter automobile, he comes through turns three and four. He has slowed down a bit, but there's no sign of smoke right now. So we'll continue to monitor that situation. It's from the Phoenix International Raceway. This is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. 
The laps winding down, 288 are on the board, 312 make up the distance, and we're this close to the finish, and Barney, as you said before, nobody is leaving this racetrack. Everybody's still glued to their seats, watching to see how this one unfolds. One of the closest battles is going to be for, for uh, the number three position on the field right now. Rusty Wallace is chasing down Terry Labonte. He's within eight-tenths of a second. He was about three seconds behind him a moment ago. He has really closed the gap there. They're working up to turn three. There is a Terry Labonte. Dale Earnhardt is between them. Slower traffic. Rusty Wallace about five car lengths behind. Field works themselves back to the start-finish line, putting lap 289 on the board. If everything would stay as it is right now, Rusty Wallace would be in fourth spot, and Bill Elliott is in fifth, so there would be a five-point differential there, plus Rusty has led a lap, whereas Bill Elliott, I don't believe, has at all led a lap today, so that would be a 10-point swing in the Winston Cup standing. 79 points would be down to 69 points heading towards Atlanta. Of course, the race is not over. That's how it stands at this very moment, so 10 points is 10 points. It would still be very much up for grabs at Atlanta. Well, Eli, we've been down with, uh, talking about Darrell Waltrip's car, and I'm down with Jeff Hammond. Jeff, is he going to make it? Is he okay? Is he going to make it? Oh, yeah, everything's okay, Mike. Uh, this had a little bit of a, I guess you call it exhaust, got up in the car just for a second, and then he's having a lot of trouble getting into one right now, getting a lot of sun in his eyes. So he just basically kind of tippy-toeing down into one, and that little bit of puff of smoke, you know, just kind of got up in the car just for a second. So everything else is normal. So it hasn't been the best day for the Tide Chevrolet, but looks like they will make it to the checker. 291 laps are complete here as the final laps are coming down here in the Checker 500 at Phoenix International Raceway. Ricky Rudd been pretty much the cream of the crop all day long. Barney, don't mean to interrupt. There is smoke coming out of the Ricky Rudd car. It has been worsening for the last two or three laps. A little bit of smoke coming out of the left rear of the Ricky Rudd automobile. Well, here it comes past the start-finish line, and the car goes off into turn number one. Difficult to see anything as he comes past us. Rick Benjamin, how about in front of you? Well, it looks as though there may be just a little bit of tire smoke coming out of the rear of the car, Eli, but he seems to be very much on the button. He just worked by Ernie Irvin in front of us without any problem at all. You can see a little, just a little puff of smoke as he kind of kicked it back going off the corner over there, and I see the telltale smoke again when he yeah. let off in the middle of the corner up in three and four, and indeed there is a little smoke coming out from Ricky Rudd's machine as he works back to the line. I remember we were just talking a minute ago about how many times this year that they have had an engine problem, particularly toward the end of the race. Their durability has been uh, kind of in question, even though they continue to work every week and improve it. That smoke is there in Ricky Rudd's car. Well, let's now check with just... their pit, Barney. Larry McReynolds is here, and uh, he's getting a look at the lap charts and just kind of counting them down. And uh, now he's in confidence with the crew right now, so they realize there may be some sort of difficulty, but they're not, of course, planning to bring him in. They'll leave him out there if they possibly can. We'll try to find out. It was 4.85 seconds, the lead for Ricky last time. Here comes the Quaker State Buick again. We've got the stopwatches going on him now. He's across the line. Here comes Kulwicki, just 4.05 seconds. So Allen is closing noticeably as Ricky Rudd works his way down the back straightaway off turn number two, again heading towards Dan Hubbard. Again, let's keep an eye now on the Quaker State Buick. Harry Gann is going by there. There is Ricky Rudd. He backs off the throttle. There is the tire smoke. It is getting longer and more and more noticeable all the way through three and four. There is Apparently, a Barney, excuse me, the car is overheating. They've got the uh, the pressure water hose here in case Rudd has to come in, And but I think they're going to try to just nurse it along, salvage as much of that four-second lead as they can, hold him out there, and hope for the checker. 
about 3.6 right now, and indeed, Alan Kowicki is closing in. The thing that we'll have to watch will be the time factor. Does he have enough time to catch him, and can Rudd just keep that thing going? He is far off the pace from what he ran a little bit earlier this afternoon. Let's follow him around the racetrack. He's back in three. This is the way it goes in racing. You think you have it under control, and then all of a sudden, now Ricky is slowing noticeably. He's really slowing down now through turns three and four, and there is Alan Kowicki closing in. Again, we've got the stopwatches whirring up here in the radio booth. Across the line comes Ricky Rudd. Here comes the Xerox Ford for Kowicki. Just 3.2 seconds in front of Rick Benjamin in turn two. Rudd showing a little more of that gray smoke off the rear end of the Quaker State Buick. Kowicki on the button, working his way under Ernie Irvin's car. He's got Brad Nofsinger between him and Rudd car right at the moment. All right, this is bad for Ricky Rudd. He slows way down the backstretch. That left tire really smooth. Ricky Rudd pulling into the apron. That is it. The Quaker State Buick pulls off. Alan Kowicki passes on the outside for the lead. Ricky Rudd has to be heartbroken. He's on the apron of the racetrack. Kowicki comes around. He is the new leader, and Alan Kowicki might be on his way to winning his first Winston Cup race. Limping down pit road, here comes Ricky Rudd. He's going to turn and go to the garage area. So Ricky Rudd is through for the day, and Alan Kowicki becomes the new leader. Terry Labonte will now move up to second, and third will be Rusty Wallace. 13.3 seconds now is the advantage that Kowicki has. Nearly a half of a lap on Terry Labonte with just 15 laps remaining here. Kowicki could be looking at his very first Winston Cup win ever. Let's go downstairs. I'm with Larry McReynolds. Uh who was just talking to Ricky Rudd as Ricky is coasted into the garage or relaying the word up to Kenny Bernstein up in the suite. I thought we'd have it from him here, but he's still on the horn before Ricky climbs out of the car. What a heartbreaker for Ricky Rudd. He's had two or three get slipped through his fingers with an engine problem, and we're assuming that's what it is. In the final stages of the races this season, so Ricky Rudd is now in the garage area, and Alan Kowicki has to be all smiles, but then he, too, knows that he's need to finish this thing. 298 laps are on the scoreboard, and 312 will make it up. So he has a ways to go yet. He's not home free, exactly. This is 85th career Winston Cup start for Alan Kowicki in the Xerox Ford. As we say, it's not over yet. He's got 13 laps, 13 miles remaining. This is a one-mile racetrack as the field continues to work here in the late afternoon sun of Phoenix, Arizona. Alan Kowicki, I think you've got a feel for Ricky Rudd. We, we, we had no sooner talked about that scenario than Dan Hubbard alerted us to the problem that continued to unfold. And Kowicki now tiptoeing his way past you, Dan Hubbard. He's obviously taking it very, very cautiously. Very, very cautiously. But then again, so was Ricky Rudd. Alan Kowicki all by himself across the stripe. Kowicki heads back to turn number one, looks at that scoreboard, takes a look at the laps remaining here. They wind down for him, and he's hoping that thing will stay together for him and he can get his first Winston Cup victory. Nobody to pressure him right now. Terry Labonte is just crossing the line, and he is 14.6 seconds behind. So if Kowicki can get any kind of lap speed for the next few around here, he's got a shot to win this thing. Let's go to Jim Phillips and see if he's caught up with Ricky Rudd. Yes, we have caught up with Ricky Rudd. Ricky, with the class of the field today, what puts you out of it? I don't know. It must have cracked a cell on the head or something. The last uh, 60 laps or so we were running, the water temperature gauge was pegged. I was really surprised the motor lasted as long as it did. I just backed off, running about 50%, 60% on the straightaway and running through the corners, trying to make it live. It just wouldn't make it. What was your big advantage today? You had the field really covered all day long. Our car was really hooked up on the corner, you know. We really got, could get down in the corner and get a hole. Had a lot better traction than most everybody else. So Ricky Rudd has to park the Quaker State Buick after 
being the class of the field, as we pointed out before. Well, when you lead as much as he did and run as good as you did and have to go to the garage area, in one sense you feel good, but to watch one get away that you know if the car kept running like it was all day long, you were going to win the thing, kind of hurts. And he's had, a, he's had at least three of those that we know of. He has. According to Martha Oliver, who's keeping the stats alongside of us, Ricky, leading some 164 laps this afternoon. And needless to say, the media in attendance has already voted the $750 for the Goodies Headache Award to Ricky Rudd in the Quaker State Buick. The additional $250 in the award going, as always, to the Brenner Children's Hospital in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. The laps wind down. Ten to go is the indication from Harold Kinder as the field came across the stripe. Let's go downstairs. Well, I'm standing in the Allen Kowicki pit. You never saw so many crossed fingers, crossed knees, crossed ankles. You name it. I think everybody down here right now has wound up tighter than a $2 watch. Uh, they can smell that victory, and that's, sometimes, that's a lot tougher. Paul Andrews is here. He's calling off the lap times to Allen. Could you believe 50 laps into this race with everything that had happened? You had a race worth of problems then that you'd be standing here now just counting down these last 10. Well, I tell you what, we did have a lot of problems to begin with, but we did, we never got a lap down. We got we took care of all our problems and kept cool. We kept we kept shooting for good pit stops and we kept having good stops. We've come a long ways. We still got a few laps to go, and that's what I'm hoping for right now. We got to get this thing over with so we can win it. And that's the thing about Alan Barney. There's no downside to Cool Wicky. I mean, he just he goes and everything is positive and what are we going to do next? What are we going to do to make this car better? What are we going to do to fix it? What are we going to do to get to the front? Today he's got there. And that's exactly what it takes. We're looking right now at Terry Labonte has moved up into the number two position and right behind him less than a half a second back and coming on pretty strong and has been but doesn't seem to be able to get any closer right now is Rusty Wallace. The interval there will be just about a half a second as they work down toward turn number one. 305 laps are on the scoreboard. Again, Alan Kulwicki just pacing himself around here when he catches traffic. He's giving himself a little extra margin to get around, not attempting to do much passing in the corners, waiting until he gets in the straightaway. And he can sense that he's going to victory lane if he can just keep it all together. But that's got to be the, the longest, what, now six miles left that he'll ever drive. 15.7 seconds is the advantage as cautiously as he's taking it. He's still managing to pull away from Terry Labonte. Kowicki now bypassing Derek Cope's car. He's at a comfortable uh, edge between himself and Harry Gant, who's running some 15 car lanes ahead of him back in turn three. Here comes Alan Kowicki. You know, he's, he's walking a tightrope here. He's got to remain calm and cool, but at the same time, you know his stomach muscles got to be tightening a little bit. His hands tightening maybe just a little bit on the steering wheel. In order to finish first, I must first finish, and Alan Kowicki is going to do that this afternoon. Barney, there's a couple of guys here in this pit won't even look at the racetrack. One fella sitting here on a tire rocking back and forth won't even look up. Everybody else is alternately cheering and wringing their hands. And Alan's story is kind of like that little book here. I think we all read when we were five or six or somebody read to us, the little engine that could. You just keep going saying, I think I can, I think I can. And, and one of these days you get to the top of that mountain and this could be his today. He's got about four and a half more circuits around this racetrack. Here he comes out of turn number four, down to the line, and Harold Kinder says four to go for Alan Kulwicki as he flashes by the start-finish line and takes it back into turn number one. Kulwicki has been very, very strong up here all day, Barney. He's all by himself right now. He's got the lap car of Jimmy Means in front. Kulwicki smoothly out of two and moving out onto the back straightaway. I tell you, this thing isn't over for Kulwicki, and I don't mean to spread any panic, but some of the drivers here are perhaps uh, experiencing some uh, final stage uh, 
fatigue here because we, the last two or three laps, we've had some cars sideways just trying to keep it off the wall. So Kowicki has to tread very, very carefully. And one of those is Rusty Wallace. He is on pit road for a splash of gas. They were afraid he couldn't go the distance. And, well, this should hurt his chances to pick up points on Bill Elliott. But he's away with just gas. Well, he still needs to be running at the finish, and that's exactly what they did. They're taking no chances as they send him back around. Jimmy Means' car gets right out against the wall over in turns one and two, but he keeps it off there. A little bit of trouble for Means. That's the second time today he's been up high like that, Barney. He just hit, touched the wall ever so gently right in front of a Valvoline sign, but he was able to gather it back up and keep going. Alan Kowicki had closed in on Rusty Wallace, thought about maybe passing him going into turn number three, and Alan says, why bother at this point? Just follow right around. Harold Kinder leans over and shows the field two fingers, two more laps, two miles to go as Kowicki works in turn two. Kowicki all by himself with Wallace right in front of him now. Very smooth again out of one or two. Kowicki moves up onto the back straight away. He'll sit right behind Rusty Wallace. Yeah, there's really no reason for Kowicki to make a move here. He can use Rusty to kind of clear the traffic ahead of him. There is Rusty Wallace going very slow now through turns three and four. So too Kowicki, and that's the way they go through the exit of four. Alan Kowicki, who is closing in on his first Winston Cup victory, comes down to the line. Harold Kinder puts the white flag on him. One mile to go for him. Let's follow him around as he hits turn one. Kowicki moves into one, still riding behind the Kodiak Pontiac. Kowicki draws right up on the rear bumper of Wallace now, moving out of two and out of the back stretch in the middle of the speedway, giving himself lots of margin for error. There is no slower traffic now in front of Alan Kowicki, save for Rusty Wallace, and he's a veteran. He's experienced. He can trust him. Now they're going to go around uh, Rick Wilson, and you can see the smile on the driver of the Xerox Ford as he goes down the main stretch for the last time. As Harry Gant slows on the racetrack, here comes Alan Kowicki. After 85 career Winston Cup starts, he finds victory lane. He waves to the crowd and to his pit crew members as he goes by, and Mike Joy is in the middle of that celebration. Oh, it's a madhouse. It's, it's the moment these guys have been waiting for, not all season, but for some of them a couple of seasons. They said you couldn't run your own race team and drive the car. Kulwicki has done that. They said you couldn't come in here with, at first, just partial sponsorship, and he has done that as well. And run his own team, drive the car, call the shots, and now he'll get to drive it to Victory Lane, a place uh, where ever since boyhood, when he watched his dad work on some winning USAC stock car engines for many, many years, Allen will get to drive his Winston Cup car into Victory Lane. Unofficially, the top four finish right now. Allen Kowicki will win it. Terry Labonte will finish second. Davey Allison third. And Bill Elliott fourth. And we'll be back. Whatever you drive, wherever you go, Hercules tires will get you there. Whether you're running on dirt or running a job. Our dependable, high-quality tires are the perfect fit for your needs. For unmatched value, selection, and warranty with industry-leading road hazard protection, there's only one choice, Hercules Tires. To learn more, visit HerculesTire.com or call 800-677-9535. Hercules Tires, right on our strength. NASCAR Today continues on the Motor Racing Network. We're back at Phoenix International Raceway. Alan Kowicki has just won his first Winston Cup event. He made an extra lap around the racetrack in the right direction with the flow of traffic, and now he's coming back the <laughs> other way, running totally opposite. So uh, perhaps he's looking for victory lane. He's got to be so excited. But right now, let's check in down in Terry Labonte's pits. Okay, we have Terry Labonte. T Terry, you t chased some tough cars today, but you wound up with a good finish. Well, we did. The car ran good all day, uh, uh, the Budweiser. Guys, just did a super job. We had some great pit stops. The car worked good all day. Kind of running out of brakes at the at the end there. So uh, I was kind of wanting a caution that I wasn't wanting one. I was wanting to, wanting one so I could catch the leaders. And uh, I didn't know if I'd be able to run as fast as I had been, you know, since the brakes weren't quite as good. But it was a good run for us. What are the advantage that uh, like Ricky Rudd and Kowicki have over your car? 
Uh, the smaller cars, you know, seem to work a lot, bit, lot better on the tracks about this size than these uh, uh, Monte Carlos. And I think that was a little bit of an edge they had on us. But uh, the car worked good all day, and, you know, uh, we got a good run. We got beat. We'll just have to try again next week. That's Terry Labonte. He finished second here in the Checker 500. Good finish for him. And right now, Alan Kowicki finally comes down on the pit road, and these fans here are cheering the young driver on, and they're having a, really a look like a big party right down there at the car. As he heads for victory lane, we'll get a word from him in just a moment as the celebration will continue down there. Again, finishing third, they were showing unofficially Davey Allison and Bill Elliott with a fourth-place finish. And as he makes his way to victory lane, let's uh, check in again down on pit road. Okay, we've got uh, Bill Elliott here. He protected that lead today and came in with a fourth-place finish. And Bill, you're kind of chasing that Coors Ford today. Well, you know, we did what we had to do. We went out. I thought it was going to be a real long day there when Rusty really took off. And we got, we had a cut tire there early, and, you know, we did what we had to do, and the car got to working real well there toward the middle. And right there at the end, it got loose, but still we hung on had a good day. This racetrack uh, turned out to be what you expected of it? Pretty much so. You know, it, it's a little bit easier than what I thought it was going to be, but it was still a good day. I congratulate Alan for his first win. He did a heck of a job. So the confidence has to be back up in the Elliott crew. Well, no doubt about it. If we can just go into Atlanta and do what we got to do, we'll be okay. That's Bill Elliott. He finished fourth today and kept that lead in those points. Let's check in with Mike Joy real quick. Barney Allen Kowicki has been interviewed by TV, and I'm with uh, Danny Tarasevich and Lou Bazinets from Xerox. And I know you folks, you put a lot of investment into Allen Kowicki, and I knew you knew you guys knew that someday it would pay off like yes, this. Yes, definitely did today. Beautiful ride. We couldn't ask for a better ride. Came from behind, I don't know how many times, and excellent. Lou? Yeah. It's, uh, it's been a perfect weekend, Mike. Uh, we wrapped up our contract with Alan, and I'm happy to say he's with Xerox for next year and hopefully forever, for crying out loud. <laughs> well, they're a happy bunch, and we'll have a happy driver here in, uh, in just a minute, Barney. All right. Alan Kowicki, all smiles in victory lane as we're kind of looking at him from up here in the towers. This crowd is still here just watching what's going on. Barney? Go ahead. Uh, we've caught up with uh, Rusty Wallace, Kodiak Pontiac. Rusty, is an up-and-down day for you today. Yeah, it really was. I, I don't know what happened yet. I don't know if we bent, it, bent the toe in or broke a hind joint at sway bar or something like that because it just developed a terrible push after uh, and it, uh, one of the pit stops, and it wasn't the tires or anything like that, so I don't know what it was. We're going to have the crew look at it and see what happened, but I just fought a bad push. But the first uh, three or four stops of the race, the car was perfect, really strong. Rudd and I, I think, had two good cars, but uh, didn't work out for today, and uh, we didn't gain any points, but we didn't lose any in Bill. So it's going to be a really let it all hang out next week in Atlanta. That's about it. It goes right down to the wire. That's Rusty Wallace. Let's go to Victory Lane. And Barney, here's Alan Kowicki. And I remember a couple years ago when we went up to Milwaukee to, to do a, a race up there, and you came around and said you'd been listening to MRN and said, We're, I'm Alan Kowicki. I'm going to be down here, and, and I'm going to win some of these races with you guys. It seems like it was a long time ago, but I guess it wasn't really. It's been a long road, you know, a lot of work that it took to get here, but... This makes it all worthwhile. You know, we were catching Rudd, and if he wouldn't have had trouble, it would have been close. But we just kept digging all day, and we were getting him at the end. I thought he might have to stop for gas, but I wasn't sure. And when he blew up there, I knew we had it. And I'll tell you, with about 20 laps to go, I almost started crying. <laughs> His Xerox Amico Fourth Thunderbird ran great, and there's been a lot of frustration. We've been so close so many times this year, but this makes it all worthwhile. Well, I don't think you could have got a bet on your chances uh, after the after qualifying here. Didn't make it in the first round, and uh, the first uh, 50 laps or so in this race had a few problems. But, but, boy, when you guys bounce back, you guys just just never give up. Well, you know, I don't know who it was, but somebody said, well, don't qualify so good. Maybe you'll win. I was pretty disappointed after qualifying, but 
maybe that's what we needed to win a race here and uh, we certainly kept coming back and kept digging and I'm really proud for the whole crew and I think we're going to come back tough as a team next year. I think a lot of folks, we'll get, we'll get another word with Alan here in a minute. Uh, Barney, he needs to catch his breath just a bit here and get a drink of water. Gives us a chance to vote for the uh, peak cool move of the race award. And let's open it up with our uh, reporter around in turns one and two, Rick Benjamin. Eli, I've got to give a nod to Michael Waltrip and the Bahari Racing Crew uh, for the job they did to get Michael back in the race today. They brought that car past our broadcast location after the, the crash on the main straightaway in which five or six cars were involved. And I heard Michael say in our pit road interview that they were going to try to fix it and bring it back out. I honestly didn't think they had a chance. Most Much of the rear sheet metal was gone from the car. The front was badly damaged. And just an amazing effort, I think, to get that car back out. So here's a call from Mike Waltrip. Dan Hubbard out in turns three and four. Well, Eli and Barney, you might have to help me out on my vote here. I'd like to give a nod to the pit boys who jumped the wall with fire extinguishers. We had that bad accident down the main straight. So whoever they were in the face of that fire, they went over to get the job done with their extinguishers. How about Jim Phillips? I'm going to go on with Harry Gant's crew. Uh, Harry needed a good run today, and he, he had a good run. They kept that car on the racetrack. He had a problem with overheating. He had a couple of other problems, and they kept him right up there all day. I'm going to go along with Harry Gant and his crew. Mike Joy? I have to go with Kowicki. It was they never gave up. They just uh, they got a little bit, bit down and and then they came back and uh, it was quite a performance. I think I'll concur in this re in this instance. We don't often uh, like to give the peak money to the man who wins the race, but in light of all the circumstances that uh, were talked about earlier, the uh, starting spot back in 21st, the problems early in the race, and just finally hanging in there. And hey, that's part of racing, taking advantage. Unfortunately, of somebody else's misfortune, as happened with Ricky Rudd, I'll nominate uh, Alan Kolwicki as well. Well, that's a good nomination. I'm going to have to cast one in Bill Elliott's direction because he too played catch-up all day long. The team never panicked and he made a lot of cool moves in traffic out there to get himself back in a position to, to either have a top five finish or win the race. I think I'll cast a nomination in Bill Elliott's direction. But with two nominations for him, Alan Kowicki will pick up $500 additional today from the folks at Peak Antifreeze and Coolant as the winner of the Peak Cool Move of the Race Award. Eli, uh, let's, uh, excuse me, we'll finish up down here in Victory Lane with Alan. One thing we, we wanted to talk about, I don't think most people at home realize just how small your whole operation is. In terms of just people, manpower, that sort of thing. I've really got four full-time guys and a pretty good group of part-time guys and a good secretary. You know, but all this about the shoestring budget's been over-exaggerated. I do have some good sponsors, and we're going to come back bigger and better next year. I know you had just a second here to catch your breath, but is, is this the biggest thrill as, as you always hoped it to be? Without a doubt. You know, you work for something so hard for so long. And you always wonder when you, if you, when it finally comes, if it's going to be worth all the anticipation. But in this case, it certainly was. That's great. Congratulations. Thank you. One other award we need to uh, give out the folks from Habitampa, the cigar folks, with the $200 Habitampa Close But No Cigar Award. And I don't see how we can really look past Ricky Rudd. Uh, he was there. He was in control, led nearly, what, 164 laps of this race. And he came as close as he could without picking up the victory. So I'll, I'll guess and uh, nominate Terry Labonte. Excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> you and I were talking about the I'll, I'll nominate Ricky Rudd. Okay, then I'll, <laughs> I think we'll give the money to Ricky Rudd. Alan Kowicki still celebrating down in Victory Lane. He is the winner unofficially. Finishing second would be Terry Labonte. Third will go to Davey Allison. Bill Elliott will finish fourth. Rusty Wallace fifth. Harry Gant sixth. Seventh to Jeff Bonine. Bobby Hillen will finish eighth. Benny Parsons ninth. Phil Parsons tenth. Looks like uh, Sterling Marlin will finish in 11th position and finishing in 12th, Dale Earnhardt. 13th goes to Kyle Petty and rounding out the top 14. That's as far back as we have it from scoring right now will be Darrell Waltrip.
Okay, we want to remind you that our next broadcast here on Motor Racing Network will be Sunday, November the 20th from the Atlanta International Raceway. Live coverage of the Atlanta Journal 500. Those of you who plan to attend that weekend of activity, the Bush Pole will be qualified and run for on Friday the 18th. The ARCA Permatech Supercar Series running the Atlanta Journal 500 kilometer race on Saturday, November 19th. And then the Atlanta Journal 500 for the Winston Cup cars on November the 20th. The uh, situation there, of course, the Winston Cup point champion will be contended for. The champion Sears Rookie of the Year battle will be wound down in Atlanta, and so too the True Value Hard Charger battle for the 1988 racing season. Our next broadcast on MRN, of course, is coming Tuesday night at 7 o'clock Eastern Time. We'll be back on the line with you for our NASCAR Live program. We'll be opening up the phone lines toll-free at 1-800-2-NASCAR this coming Tuesday evening, as per usual, from Daytona Beach, Florida. Those behind the scenes who helped us very, very much today, Martha Oliver and Marie McMillan handled the scoring loop for us. Out in turns one and two, Rick Benjamin, Dan Hubbard covered the action in turns three and four. Our pit coverage today from Mike Joy and Jim Phillips. And that is it from Atlanta, or excuse me, from Arizona, as the very first visit here for the Winston Cup cars for the Checker 500. We'll join you again November 20th from Atlanta, Georgia, for the running of the Atlanta Journal 500. For Barney Hall, I'm Eli Gold, and our congratulations to Alan Cole wiki for his first Winston Cup win ever this afternoon here in Phoenix. So long, everyone. The Motor Racing Network's coverage of the NASCAR Winston Cup Series from the Phoenix International Raceway has been sponsored by Anheuser-Busch Incorporated. Don't just reach for a beer, head for the mountains of the smooth taste of Bush beer. By Piedmont Airlines, the only airline in America that flies everywhere these cars fly. Piedmont, the official airline of NASCAR. By Pontiac, we build excitement, so get on your Pontiac and ride. By True Value Hardware Stores, for quality selection and personal attention, make True Value Hardware your store of first choice by Unical. The winning spirit rides with you every time. It's the spirit of 76 by Peak Antifreeze and Summer Coolant. On the track, on the road, Peak beats the heat by the STP Corporation. STP products help your car run right longer by Armor Star Can Meats, America's number one choice for the great outdoors. By Gatorade Thirst Quencher. Gatorade gives your body what it's thirsty for. By Van Camp's Pork and Beans. Plum tender beans and a rich tomato sauce make Van Camp's America's favorite. And by Ford Trucks, America's truck built Ford Tough. The general manager of the Motor Racing Network is John McMullen. Engineers, Harry Howard and Clay Stalka. Director of Affiliates, Pat Hensley. Assistant, Cheryl Parkman and Greg Robertson. This is Rick Lewis speaking. This broadcast was a presentation of MRN, the Motor Racing Network, a division of International Speedway Corporation. This has been MRN's Throwback Thursday, brought to you by Sunoco. Also sponsored by Hercules Tire. Ride on our strength.